Who will the Sharks pick? Will they trade the pick? Will anyone make any picks? We're going to do this. We're going to do some live reactions. We're going to talk about some of the day's events. It's Teal Town Live. But first, if you want to be a part of the show, be sure to talk to us in the YouTube chat. You can hit us up on our social medias at Teal Town USA pretty much anywhere you go. Uh, and tonight I am joined by Mr. Mark, who honestly, like Mark, we've been together on this group for quite a long time, but I feel like we've done like maybe a show together. Yeah, I think so. And that was like one of those classic me, you and another person shows. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's always me and puck guy or me and, uh, Landy. Yeah. That's pretty much been it. So it's, I think Lacey may have been there once with twice with me too, but yeah, probably. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, this, this is like fun. I've been looking uh, really forward to doing this show. Obviously we're going to do some live reactions to the draft tonight. I am at Ian's blogs hockey, Mark E Mark S J S on the Twitter. Um, again, uh, super excited to do a show with you. Cause like I said, we don't get to do this very often, but I am, I've been like super stoked for this all day. Yeah, same here. And honestly, this is like, I always say it, this is my favorite day of the, the hockey calendar. There's obviously more exciting things in the hockey world, like lifting the Stanley Cup. But as a singular day, it's pretty much this free agency and the trade deadline. But I still put the draft as number one. Yeah, dra the draft's fun. I mean, I think it, it's definitely high on my list. I think it's weird because I think like the Stanley Cup is obviously high on my list. But I think like my favorite two things are actually have nothing to do with the NHL. World Juniors, <laughs> Memorial Cup, Draft, Stanley Cup. That's probably the order I'd put mine in. That's fair. The World Juniors is also exciting. Yeah, Similar the to Juniors. the draft, because again, it's that whole like the next wave. It's all the future hope and all that kind of stuff. So I, I see you on World Juniors for sure. Um, and like the draft kind of just wraps that all up because a lot of times you're seeing some of those stars from World Juniors going getting picked and then you're tracking them the following year because you may not be able to see them with their juniors or european team but usually world juniors are televised nationally yep. so it's just a good opportunity to check in on all those players yeah so i mean a couple of things obviously they're they're going to do all the talking before we actually get to the pick because this is the nhl and the first five picks usually take like an hour <laughs> mm -hmm. um Today, we've had a couple of things happen. Actually, you know what? Before we get into today's events, uh, what are your thoughts on Mike Greer as the uh, new GM of the San Jose Sharks? Uh, to be honest, he wasn't really on my radar, but I'm not one of those people who fully keeps tuned in to like all the best available like upcoming coaches and GMs. Um, but looking at his resume, obviously seeing him as a former Shark and liking who he was as a player and seeing what other people say about him, I'm pretty excited. Um, mostly, I'm just excited about a change. Um, Anyone who follows me knows I'm a huge fan of Doug Wilson, but I think it's cool after 20 something years to finally have like a new voice kind of hopefully running the team. I mean, there have been people who say the whole puppet thing, but I don't think that's going to be the case. So um, I'm pretty happy with Greer and I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Maybe not necessarily over the next few days. I don't know how quick he's going to start making moves, but I'm very excited to see what his vision is going to be with the Sharks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm pretty like. Again, it, what would it would it have been my first choice? No, probably not. But I don't hate the choice either. I'm pretty happy with the idea that, you know, it, ideally, like some of the things that he's already said he wants to do in interviews after the initial press conference and stuff, um, definitely excite me a little bit. I think now it's obviously we have to see what he's going to do, um, and I think we're all waiting for that first big splash because obviously the one the one thing that we 
probably expected to happen not too long after a GM was hired was had happened before the GM was hired with Bob Bugner being fired. So um, I think that was the first thing people were interested to seeing what would happen to the coaching staff once a new GM was in place. And obviously that uh, happened before he was put in place. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what his first moves are now, considering there's a lot of things that he has to, you know, he has to look into right now. Yeah. Like you said about some of the things he said, um, I think, He's probably saying what a lot of Sharks fans are thinking. He's just going to say it more in like a directed by the franchise way. Like the re- we've already heard the franchise doesn't want to rebuild, right? Mm-hmm. They've committed to not rebuilding. But he said some things that kind of allude to maybe he's aware of at least where the Sharks are in reality. Like they're not a team who's ready to compete for a cup. And he kind of said we may have to take a, a few steps back or whatever it was. I don't remember the exact wording of from the press conference. But like I think he's thinking like Shark fans are looking at our roster saying this team obviously needs help. And not only that, he's mentioned the cap problem. So yeah. I think he's going to probably try and shore up a few of those issues, hopefully bring in some youth, maybe a goal score, but, and it's anybody's guess at this point, but it's still kind of an exciting time for Sharks fans. Yeah. Um, you know, and here's, and here's the one thing that I really appreciated in his press conference too, was he was really, I thought he was really direct and like really straight to the point. Doug Wilson, um, like I, I, I have a lot of affinity for what Doug Wilson did for this franchise. I think sometimes, I think at some point you need a new set of eyes on things. So I'm excited for that. But the one thing Doug Wilson was a master of was he was a master of saying a lot of things, but not actually saying anything at all. Mm-hmm. And I thought we didn't get, we didn't get that from Greer. Greer was really straight to the point. And we are, oh, looks like Gary Bettman's at the podium. Might be going live soon. Mm-hmm. This is where it'll get interesting with that first pick. Why does the person sitting beside him have an Islander sweater? <laughs> that is what I want to know. I am confused already. <laughs> yeah. That is confusing. They, I mean, there was definitely no announcement yet of a pick or a trade, trade or nothing. Yeah. It wouldn't have been a trade for first overall. I mean, that would have been huge, but. Oh. I can't. I couldn't see that happening. I can't. Yeah. How can if you're if you're in Montreal, how do you trade the first overall pick? Right. Unless it's I think a I saw some dunk. stat that there hadn't even been a trade inside the top ten from outside the top ten in a while. Right. right. It was like 2008 or something. Uh, gonna hit some uh, chat comments up while we wait to see what uh, is going yeah. on with this lady with the Islander sweater. Uh, Vince G says ESPN Studio backdrop is teal. I consider that a good omen. I consider it a good omen as well. Uh, unloaded panda complimenting you on your shirt, which is amazing. Yes. I I am a fan. Um, Ricky, Ricky saying any rumblings of the sharks going after New Jersey's pick. I getting Cooley would be effing fantastic. Yeah, it would be. Um, Mm -hmm. I haven't heard anything to that uh, effect though. Uh, (laughs) Alex Beltran. I'm, I am boycotting the sharks until they bring Pepsi back. Um, come on. Horrible take. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look at, I, I, so I'm diabetic, so I can't drink normal pop. And I think yeah. diet Pepsi is like the superior diet cola, but I think Coke's better than Pepsi. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, moment of silence for Brian Marchman. Obviously, that's that's another thing. Obviously, like Mike Greer takes over, we get to the draft, and then uh, Brian Marchman passes away, which is tragic. I'm super way too yeah. young. I mean. <laughs> brutal timing. And brutal, brutal timing, yeah. And just like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. was he 50, 53, was 52, right? Yeah, 53, 53, yeah. 53. Yeah. 
super sad. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously thoughts and condolences from all of us here at Teal Town uh, to the Marchmont family and friends and all of that. Uh, definitely. Uh, Vince G saying Greer mentioned creating an actual analytics department. I'm a fan already. Yep. No arguments there. Uh, and AJ, I'm assuming AJ in the chat reports have JT Miller on the move. We'll definitely talk about that. And we're going to talk about the Debrinket trade uh, as soon as we see what's going on here. And then, uh, yeah, lots of stuff going on. I don't have the sound on here. I assume Batman's getting the nice booze that he normally gets. Um, I think he's saying nice things about. I, I don't have. Uh, I don't have it super loud, but I, he's yeah. talking up the Montreal great, so I'm sure they'll be receptive to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Booze followed by cheers. <laughs> Hot Wheels. Yeah, they really need to disclose what this Islanders jersey is about up here. Like, you can't just go on stage with that, right? Right. <laughs> like. This is the first overall pick, and you're you have another team's jersey up there. Like, I'm trying to piece it together at this point. Hot Wheels says, "Oh, uh, is this relating to Mike Bossy? Maybe. Maybe that's okay." Gilafleur's son's on stage right now. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's a bossy family member holding mm -hmm. that under his jersey. Maybe. Um, Mark, does Chicago moving to seven really affect the Sharks pick? I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. I think whoever is going to drop to the Sharks, it's not going to be out of a team need in front of them. Because I, there's an, a there's a the handful of really good forwards that could drop, and just as likely there's a few defensemen. So I don't. It's just so hard with number eleven. If the Sharks were number eight, mm -hmm. maybe, but there's still a few more spots between there, and it's just anyone's guess who goes between like six and eleven at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's my thoughts too. Yeah, I imagine Chicago is going to want a good forward though. And I think they're going to be right in the position after those first defense, two defensemen go. I think they're going to be in a good spot to get one of the remaining highly offensive-minded forwards. Um, yeah, they're going to get one of the good forwards. The, one of the Probably one of the three that I really want to drop to San Jose, but I just, I don't know. It's one of those Eklund-type things last year. Like, I won't believe it happens until, until it happens. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it is the daughter of Mike Bossy who is up okay. there with the jersey. Okay. So This makes sense. Um, yeah, on the, uh, very nice. She said everything in French, so we'll find out. Sorry, this is the worst. I should be talking. <laughs> Just dead stream. <laughs> dead stream. Amazing, amazing work, Ian. Uh... I mean, this is this is all pretty customary, right? I yeah. Didn't, was Bossy 
French Canadian? I know he's Canadian, but I didn't. Before my time. Yeah, yeah. Popular in Montreal, though. How can you know? Like, I mean, anything that I've seen of Mike Bossy, I mean, the guy could, the guy could go. Yeah, definitely top three goal scorers. I'd probably say all time. Yeah, pure goal scorers. Pure goal scorer. Yeah. 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 Um. A couple of questions in the chat here. Ricky asking um, if we had the choice, if they're all on the board still. Uh, Savoy, Lambert, or Nazar, who do you got and why? I go Savoy. Um, I'm sorry, actually, who was the second one? Lambert. Lambert and, and then Nazar. Oh, Frank Nazar. I think Lambert is ultra-talented, but he's just, I don't know. I, I, I've always been hesitant with guys who have a downward trajectory their draft year um and we've seen it with a lot of guys in the past who were projected to go like top five and then suddenly they go the middle of first round late first round and then you kind of not never hear of them you just they just never develop into that top five player but he does have those ultra good skills whereas some of those other players had like some skating issues so i don't know um but i'm just huge on savoy i mm -hmm. think he's super talented and like maybe not Johnny hockey talented, but he just reminds me very offensive minded all over the offensive zone. And I don't really think his size is going to be an issue. So I would take Savoy in a heartbeat. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that there. I, Brad Lambert's an interesting one. Cause I know there's a lot of people really high on Lambert and I, you, mm -hmm. I haven't done enough work for this draft to, to tell them why they're wrong. I know from like just conversations I've had some, there are people that, say that you know there are there are a little there are a few red flags with um lambert i mean if, if that's the guy at the pick like i'm not mad yeah. but um and i do like frank nazar a lot too like frank nazar is a player i really like um but i mean savoy yeah i mean based on like what you're saying and based on conversations i've had with a few other people savoy to me is a guy that i'd really like but i mean if if the sharks get any of those three like i'm ecstatic i'm not i'm not mad yeah i think um of the three that I would like the Sharks to get the most in a realistic sense, um, Savoy's probably the most realistic of dropping to the Sharks. Also, Lekaramaki mm -hmm. um, is kind of on that same level. I think he'd go anywhere between, like, 5, 6, and, like, 14. Um, Savoy probably doesn't drop much lower than 11 or 12. And then Joaquin Kemmel, who would be my top choice, I just don't see him dropping below, like, 6 or 7. Right. So you never know. Um, but I, Savoy, if the Sharks walk away with this draft, uh, from this draft with him, that's, that's a steal at 11 in my mind. Mm -hmm. Cause he could be a top five player in this draft in terms of overall talent and what he like gives the team in the future. Yeah. All right. So let's see who the pick is. <laughs> Far in St. Louis saying it's been 47 years to finally get to his first draft. That's amazing. I, I, to have yeah. that career undrafted, right? Undrafted twice wasn't. Did, did he get drafted in junior? I don't think he got drafted in junior either. Not sure. I definitely. I know he started his career with. Was it Calgary? I want to say yes. I think. Yeah. Uh, PJ asking PJ forty asking. Do you think uh, any chance the Sharks move up or down? Um, I think there's always a chance. Um, it's just a matter of what the cost is yeah. and who the Sharks are interested in. Um, the Sharks always seem to kind of have like an interesting board. Mm -hmm. Like if you remember last year, um, 
Jr., Doug Wilson Jr., he kind of hinted that uh, Beneers was their top pick and Eklund was number two on their list. So it really depends on who's available. If one of the guys they really like um, is maybe dropping, but they have a hint that a team's going to pick him at, like, say, number nine or eight, maybe they'll move up. Old days, Doug Wilson always used to move around. Um, yeah. I feel like if he was a guy he wanted, he moved up. Some were good. Some were god-awful. We know about Mark Merkel Mueller. But, um, <laughs> Pain. but, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think it's definitely a chance. Just We just haven't seen much movement in the top ten in recent years. So I think teams are kind of really placing too much value on those picks, making it to a point where teams are afraid to trade even a few spots to give up the haul that is being requested. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I don't know. With Junior, like, I never, I just, I never know with this team. This team mm-hmm. is always just kind of all over the place. I agree. Like, if there's someone, if they, if they are, if they've identified a player and they think they can get more capital to move down, I don't think they'll move up. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't see that happening. I think if they were, if they were going to move up, I don't know if they, I think it would have been done already. I think they would have done something earlier in the day. Yeah. Um, moving down, though, I mean, you never never put it past this team. I think if there's someone that they've identified that they think they can get later on in the draft and, and pick up, a, you know, a, a later first and a second to do it, I don't put that past them. Yeah, I think that if I was placing odds on it, I'd say it's probably a better chance they move down than they move up. Yeah. Just same. because of the fact also that I think there's a lot of players that are going to be droppers this year that could be on someone's list at a higher point. And the talent seems to be... I wouldn't say flat, but fairly similar between, I don't know, the 13th pick and say like the 23rd or 24th. There's a lot of players in that range that are very similar that you could argue one is 13th mm-hmm. and then suddenly another person say, no, that guy's 24th. So um, I, I think maybe moving down, getting a second rounder because they don't have one is an option. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Like to me, it just doesn't. It doesn't make. I think th- this draft is so. There's no really set consensus on order, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. because of that, like I, you never like. I, I think it would be really. It's a big risk to move down because you don't know who's on who else's boards, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the part that uh, concerns me a lot. Um, promo package, of course. Montreal's going to pick in the next two minutes. We'll see what they do. <laughs> Oh, I hate the, the first clock. round. Uh, I don't see how they don't go with Wright. I feel like they have to go with Shane Wright. It just, it just makes too much sense. It um, does. Even if Slavkowski's like become this new hot commodity over the last like six or seven months, where and now he's even some on some list as number one. But it's just like if you don't take Wright, and then he becomes an absolute star. I feel, feel like you feel worse than yeah. if you don't take Slavkovsky and he becomes a star. I think you're damned if you're doing it. I mean, it's interesting because, like, when McKenzie puts Slav- ah, I can't even say his name, Slavkovsky up to number one in his ranking, like, that kind of was eye-opening for me because I don't think he's gotten a first-round pick wrong in a long time. We were talking about this mm-hmm. off-air, off and I don't remember the last time um, he's been off for the guy that he ranked one going one. Yeah, I feel like it was definitely longer than 10 years. I think I remember seeing something on Twitter about that um, being on a nice streak. And he usually, I think, has the uh, rankings that are the most 
close to how things actually end up happening. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was definitely eye-opening because um, we've heard right now for, what, two years? Yeah. Ever since he got exceptional status. So, uh, I don't know. I think the Devils are, like, loving being in the second spot right now because the decision's probably kind of made for them. They, they don't – whatever falls to them is what they're getting. They're not going to be kicking themselves after this. Right. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to get a player either way. It's going to be interesting to see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Ooh. They're probably hoping, I'd say, that Montreal takes right, right? Because I think they yeah. would prefer the winger at this point. They've got Heeshear and um, uh, Hughes down the middle. So, uh, PGA48 in the super chat with the super chat donation, $5. Thank you very much. He's got $5 on chain rate being first overall. You have to pick him. I mean, we yeah. will see momentarily. I, I, I like Shane Wright. I think that Shane Wright's a, a really good player. I think it's going to be weird. Like, this is going to be an interesting draft just because of guys that didn't play last year. And mm-hmm. Shane Wright definitely being one of them, right? Like, the OHL didn't play at all last year. And I think it's going to be interesting in the later rounds to see how many D plus one or D plus two players go in the later rounds. Yeah, there's a lot of those players that had slow starts this year because they had a year off. Mm-hmm. So he, him being one of them. Um, I still don't understand why he never went to Europe because a lot of the Canadian juniors players did that. They went to Europe for a year. I don't understand why someone – I don't know if it was an age thing. I'm not really sure exactly what it was. Yeah. But... I'm curious to see to see what they say. It is in – Can't use. Dead air again. That's I'm the worst at this, <laughs> but I just I'm trying to like listen to what they're saying and trying to read the chat and everything. I apologize for the dead air, guys. Live live reactions are hard. I, I'm not gonna lie. Plus, this is the most interesting pick until the sharks. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, obviously, Montreal offering their condolences to the San Jose Sharks and the family of Brian Marchment, which we echo. Congratulating the Avalanche, of course. This is going to be totally useless to you if you're well, listening after the fact, but whatever. <laughs> it's me talking. I think you're about 20 seconds ahead of me. Slavkovsky goes first overall. Wow. The reaction oh, in the Bell Center is a little mixed, I think. Would you agree? I would have uh, expected booze. I, it's definitely a mixed reaction. Like, I think there's... I I, I don't think oh, it's... Oh, even, even Slavkovsky's face when it happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that reaction is priceless. Unbelievable. Well, wow. I mean, score another one for Bob. There it is. That is the first time I think I've been surprised by a number one pick. I can't remember the last time. Oh, my God. Good for him, though. Yeah. I think the only time I was like, and even then it wasn't like it wasn't a for sure thing, but I, the Nolan Patrick draft, I was a little surprised that he went 
Where are you dead? He went two. Yeah. I forget who went number one in that Is draft. Was that Heashier's draft? Might have been. Yeah, a little bit. I, I, a little bit of mixed reaction in Montreal, but I think Montreal's getting a hell of a fucking player here. Oh yeah, they're yeah gonna be happy with him. I think like, I don't know. Some people have said because he didn't do too much in the um, with the pro team mm -hmm. in Finland. Like, if you actually look at some of the other guys, they had better stats that are available in this year's draft um, with the pro team. But right. you can't ignore what he did then at international level because those no. were against pros from around the world some former nhl players and he dominated on not so great teams yep. like you can't ignore that kind of performance and you want big game players right mm -hmm. so if you show that you can do it in those games i mean slaki got a bronze in was it the olympics right yep. like that was completely unexpected and he scored seven goals in the tournament mvp yeah you you can't ignore that nope. so i get it and also when you watch him he's a big forward he's got a sniper shot like the tools are all there. It's yeah. just, yeah. Yeah, I think I think Montreal got a hell of a player. I think some people are obviously going to be upset because they were expecting Shane Wright. And I, I'll look at I think Shane Wright's a hell of a player too. Um, and it's mm -hmm. going to be interesting. I mean, this is one of those, this is going to be one of those drafts where I think it's going to be really interesting to see what player it's remembered for. Yeah. Real question now is, the Devils were always rumored to be taught, taking calls on number two. Mm-hmm. Does anybody give them like a last minute call right now Oof. to try and get Shane right? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be fascinating to watch. Yeah. That's I mean that must be a that's a tough pill to swallow for Shane Wright though. Uh yeah. Consensus number one guy forever and then He's a big kid. Yeah, six four, two twenty four. Oh my god. Sometimes I'm like surprised like how big these kids are because like you see so many guys come out of you know come out of the junior ranks or the junior ranks of whatever country they come from um usually you know not finished filling out like if he's got filling out to do still that's scary yeah he's the exact opposite of cole caulfield right <laughs> but think about it, that was it that's two amazing players they've now got on the wing like amazing potential yeah so, i mean they could be building things the right way Yeah, it's interesting. Like, like just in the chat here, um, AJ in the chat, you know, like um, Rosen saying, like the Devils are on the clock. Shane Wright, as the center, is there, but they have Jack Hughes, they have Nico Heischer, they have Dawson yeah. Mercer. Like, what do they do? I, you know what? Here's here's my thing. It's like you can never have too many centers, because even if you have too many, well, then you have a hell of a trade chip. Because yeah. centers don't grow on trees. So if you have an abundance of them, that's that's a good thing um and yeah know. having two number one centers also it would be pretty sick like he's here he had a really good year and he's kind of really solidified himself as that number two center mm -hmm. i don't know if he could be a number one center um but if you find someone like shane Wright just falling into your lap yeah maybe you take him anyway even just to like then move someone like he's here if the development goes as planned right absolutely um well you know while the fluff's happening because this is the first round and we'll get to pick five by nine o'clock at this rate uh alex to uh, Alex Debrinkit trade. What were your thoughts there? All right. So I would have loved for Debrinkit to be a shark. He, of all yes. the names that's been rumored um, recently, he probably was number two on my list. Um, I really like Pasternak a bit more. Pasta's probably my favorite of all the available players that like are not necessarily free agents, but trade bait. Um, so in that sense, 
it's a bummer that he's not in San Jose, especially when you see what was given up for him, a first and a second. I know the Sharks don't have a second, but they could have easily thrown in like a B-level prospect mm-hmm. to match that second. So the Sharks had the pieces to make the move. Um, something about it didn't interest them. Um, I'm not going to overreact too much because I'm more I more react to moves that do happen, not ones that don't. Right. Just because you never know. Maybe Greer called the Blackhawks and they're like, yeah, we're not trading with the Sharks. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. And we're if not- you guys want him, you have to give up like two firsts and something else. It's, like, it's the conference. Y- uh, you never know. The conference fee. Yeah. So like that's my thoughts. Obviously, he would have been amazing in San Jose. And he's exactly what we need. A small, skilled forward who can put pucks in the net. Like we have weight, we have a lot of playmakers. We don't have many goal scorers. So he would have been an amazing ad. And I think at least this coming season, he's on a good deal. His next deal will probably be pretty big. But um, yeah, I'm not like distraught about it, but it does kind of suck. Yeah, like I'm I'm a big fan of Alex Dabrinkit. Um, I have been since he was on Erie. And like this is a guy like to me, guys like him. Um, I think Kevin Fiala to a lesser extent, but these are guys that are, that are young, right? So like, it's not like you're picking them up. I mean, they're going to help you immediately, but they're going to be good for like Alex Dabrink is what? 24 now. Mm-hmm. Yep. So like, I mean, he's not only going to help you immediately, but he's going to help you for the next four or five years minimum. Yeah. So, I mean, to not be in on that, especially, like you said, the price, uh, the 7th overall, uh, 39th overall, and then a 2024 third um, for a guy who sleepwalks to 40 goals. Now, I think Alex Dabrinkit's really good, and I think Alex Dabrinkit, the one thing that's kind of dogged him throughout his career, and I think it's kind of amusing, is it's always like, oh, well, you know, he's a product of Connor McDavid, and he was a product of Dylan Strom, who Dylan Strom, like, for people that don't know like Dylan Stroman Jr. was dumb like he averaged like two points a game like completely stupid but because of Dabrinkit's size a lot of people just said okay well this is a guy who you know this is a guy who's just riding on his bigger line mates um I'll be curious to see what he does without you know without Patrick Kane although because I think Patrick Kane is one of those guys who just even as not a center he's one of those guys that just makes everyone that he plays with better yeah, I mean, the way I look at Debrinkit, his stats could be inflated a little bit. But um, I mean, that's just naturally what happens when you play with someone like him. But I, he's still at a minimum, what, a 30-goal score, you'd say, mm-hmm. right? Like 35-goal score. And at that age, um, and when you watch him, it doesn't. his goals aren't like luck. It's not like, oh, every single time he's wide open and right. he just banks it home. Yeah. Like, he has skill. Yeah. Like, he's just... Yeah, he's exactly what if any of us were talking about at the end of last season, like if you made a list of things the Sharks need, he'd probably someone like him probably would have been like number one on that list. You need more guys who can put the puck in the net. Yeah, like we've got two guys who can actually score 30 goals. One, Couture is just below that level, I'd say, mm-hmm. if he's fully healthy for a season or maybe borderline 30. But Meyer and Hurdle are the only 30 goal scorers in this team. Yep. Right. So like you add someone like him and suddenly you got another 35, 40 goal score and your offense is becoming a little bit more legit so yeah it's it's a bummer i would have expected a lot more going the other way when i originally was thinking about rumors with the brinket so then to hear this like you look all over the internet it's not just the sharks like all fan bases are like how could we not have matched that off right right like i i know some islander fans and they're pretty bummed because they were rumored to be in like the talk talking um for the brinket but yeah it's just Something in those conversations led to him um, going to Ottawa. So, yeah. I don't know. 
So Devils are making the pick. Devils are making the pick. We'll see if uh, maybe AJ is super ahead of us. He says the Devils take Simon Nemec. We'll see. Oh, that would be great if Wright drops to third. (laughs) All right. Nope, who's making the pick? All right. Simon Nemec, second overall. Oh, my God. This is crazy. Oof. Absolutely crazy. I mean, I don't know. Like, I like Simon Nemec. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know how you leave Shane Wright on the board. I mean, if he wants, if Shane Wright wants to drop to 11, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. It's just... What a yeah, wild Nemec, draft this He's definitely the so top far. defenseman. He's definitely the top defenseman in this crop. So, not shocking in that sense. And the Devils, I think, need a defenseman, For like sure. we said, more than they needed someone to play down the middle. But, again, this is just... To follow these prospects for the last few years to see this happening to Shane Wright, it's just... It's it's wild. It's great, I, but it's crazy. I, like, again, like, obviously, like, I just... I don't understand... Like, I've never understood drafting for need at the draft, though, because you're like unless you don't think you can solve that problem like cuz you're looking 2 3 years tops right like before like Simon Nemec like do you how how long do you think until he's on the blue line in in New Jersey do you think he starts this year or do you think he needs a little more time uh, in the in my preview I listed him as 1 to 2 years away mm-hmm. I think I'd say a year I think he's one of those guys who's going to play another year um and just probably put on some more size and develop and then come over to the NHL. But he is probably closer to the NHL than you'd think of some of the defensemen that are coming just because of the fact that he's a very responsible defensive def- um, defensive player as well as having that offensive ability. Yeah. So they could be timing him one year out. Um, I know they, they got the Hughes brother probably um, also. I don't. I think he said he's staying for another year in college. I'm not 100% sure on that. But um, the Devils have the right pieces if you look at their lineup now. Like... They've got a lot of young talent. They just need to fill them in with some depth. Get a goalie, maybe. They're in such an awful division, too, like, to try and dig yeah. yourself out. It's deep. Yeah, it's probably the deepest division in hockey. Oh. I don't know what's going on. Children are being children. Um, all right. Uh, let's see uh, what's going on in the chat here quickly. Uh, <laughs> AJ, that sound you hear is everyone's mock draft going up. I do want to mention, though, actually, because you mentioned your article, and if you you guys should all check that out. Uh, it was on Teal Town USA. It's been up there. Uh, check out Mark's article. He's got his draft preview. Um, so he has, like, again, he just referenced his article saying how he had Nemec up one or two years out. So if you want to get uh, some of Mark's takes on some of these players uh, in a more digestible, less silence ridden context <laughs> head over there and check it out uh for sure tealtownusa.com yeah. unfortunately it makes me look bad that i had him at number seven but that is just because of the fact that i don't know the defensemen in this year's group i ne- i didn't feel like any of them were elite yeah. so i looked at nemich he's a surefire nhl mm-hmm. like at a minimum he was gonna be top four 
and realistically he's probably top four and second power play unit but his his ceiling is a bit higher i just i don't know maybe we've been spoiled with guys like mccarr yeah. and quinn hughes and then other players like headman in the nhl and you look at them and they're just such complete players and i looked like nemich and uh Juracek, and i just didn't see that ceiling so i was like well do I really want to take a guy like that in the top five then if you have some of these other forwards who have ceilings of being, you know, superstars or at least top line forwards? So I don't know. I was a little bit torn on that with the defenseman. Um, but I knew he'd go for I, I think I even said it that he was going to go probably go top five. Yeah, um, it's just the way these drafts work. The top defenseman usually goes somewhere in that range. Yeah, that's 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 fair. Uh, just going to hit some chat stuff here. Um, <laughs> Alex Beltran, Shane Wright went from two passionate hockey fan bases to Arizona. Wow, leave Arizona alone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this might be the first luck Arizona's gotten in a while. Well, and right? that's yeah, they, they've never won the lottery, that's I don't think they've true. ever had a pick higher than number three. So, you know, maybe this is a little bit of like puck destiny right there, yeah, yeah, and. PJ48 saying, well, Arizona deserves it. They need some positive news. I mean, absolutely. And and if Shane Wright, you know, ever had second thoughts about that um, college hockey experience, he can he can play NHL games in a college barn. <laughs> now I'm being mean to Arizona. Oh, it's fun. It's always fun. Uh, hockey Jerk asking, is this the first Ian and Mark show? It's definitely the first one with us, with just us. I feel like we've been on a, a couple of After Darks before, um, but not... I, I don't think me and Mark get to do this nearly enough. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah, that, this is definitely the first where it's just us and your host. Yeah. I've all grown up. I'm all grown up. <laughs> um, Let's see. What else has happened today? I can't believe that. I I'm still can't believe the, the way this has gone so far. It's... It, can he drop one more spot is the next question. Like, does someone now go Logan Cooley? Because Logan Cooley's Ooh. got ultra ceiling yeah. like he if there was one player in this draft that i wanted the sharks to really trade up for it would be him because seeing him getting picked by san jose would be absolutely beautiful but if you're arizona you have to take right here i feel like you have to like you've got 10 draft picks is it just this year alone mm -hmm. and over like the next two years you got tons in the top two rounds this is could be your first piece to starting that real real rebuild that they've been trying to do over the last couple of years yeah, like I just can't imagine like if and here's here's my question though. I mean, if you're a team and you thought that Shane Wright was not going to be on the board and you're drafting 3rd, 4th, 5th, do do you have to now blow up your plans with Shane Wright still on the board or do you stick with your guy being that this draft maybe isn't as solid in the 10 as we usually say? This is where I really wish, as someone who loves the draft, they would do one of those like HBO series, right. like behind the scenes on the floor right now, where you can see GMs probably like cursing, call, picking up the phone immediately to call one of the other GMs. Like, listen, I want number four. Mm -hmm. I will give you this, this, and this. Like, nope, sorry, it's gonna be more. Like, that has to be happening right now because this has completely changed everyone's rankings, can change their boards. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I, it's it's hard because I can't imagine like you go in like with a plan and then something like this happens. I mean, at some point, someone has to change plans. They're gonna be like, okay, well, let's see what Arizona says. Yeah. It's 
It's a big group up there. It's a them. big group for the Coyotes. Color coordinated. I, I dig it. Yeah, someone's getting married, <laughs> apparently. I don't know. <laughs> Poor Arizona. I mean, I, I feel for them. Cause like, I feel like there's obviously they have fans, and I feel sorry for their fans because, like, this franchise has been mismanaged so badly. And I just, I, I feel for, like, I, I, I follow a few Coyotes fans on Twitter, and I just, I can't imagine, like, just the constant relocation rumors and, bah. Yeah, it is tough. Um, I think they're doing the right things now in terms of at least stocking yeah. for the future. Um, like, I'm looking at it right now. So they have seven picks in the first two rounds this year. Um, that's pretty good. You're going to easily bolster your prospect pool in one year alone mm-hmm. right they got three second round picks in 2024 um next year they got their normal first and second rounders but you know one more bad year maybe they next year who knows maybe they could win the lottery and get bedard if not bedard Mitchkov. like there's plenty of um there's plenty of hope in their future mm-hmm. it's just at the moment everything is horrible there like the whole college stadium yeah. and all that stuff. And rebuilding your rebuilds always unfortunate. Yeah, exactly. Logan Cooley, third overall. Wow. Shane Wright falls another spot. Oh, you Seattle's next, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, that bums me out. <laughs> this makes me sad. Like the yeah. number of good players that have just been drafted in the Pacific division. The last few mm-hmm. years, Byfield last year to L.A., Shane Wright possibly to Seattle. <sighs> I can't help but feel for Shane Wright every time they keep showing. I, oh, I know. I, I always feel sorry laughing. for them when they right. when they do that. Because, I mean, like, obviously it's the thing. But, I mean, dude, he's 18 years old. Leave him alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do, I do feel bad for him because I can't imagine how – I mean, it's got to be embarrassed. Like, it's you got to be embarrassed a little bit too, right? I mean, you projected number one for ever, and then to fall possibly down to yeah. the fourth. Written in for two years yeah. as the number one pick. Yeah, I mean that's that is a that's a tough that's a tough one. I feel sorry for him. Yeah, but man, Arizona, like the Coyotes, um, they got Dylan Gunther last year. Like this team, I'm glad they're. I mean, if they can, if they can, their management can keep it together and not screw it up. Um, I, you know, they're going to be, they could be scary in a couple of years. Yeah. I think three to four years is probably their window. Cause I think they need that top pick next year. Um, they got plenty of picks this year. And I think over the development cycle mm-hmm. for first and second round picks is usually what, two to three yeah. years. So if, I mean, you're looking at 2024, 2025 and, if with some luck next year with the lottery, I mean, they could get a franchise player. There's a few of them in the top four next year, which is where they're pretty much slated to be. Let's be real. They're most likely going to be a bottom five team again. Right. So, <clears throat> yeah, they, they're they kind of sucking at the right time, I guess is the best way to put it, with the draft pick assets that they have. Yeah, I, it's just as, I mean, it's the one thing that always concerns me with Arizona because of the way that they've kind of been like the, the league's dumping ground for bad contracts. It's like... The one thing I think that always concerns me for them is like, will they know when it's time to say, okay, we're not, you know what I mean? Like it's the one thing I think is really hard about rebuilding is like to, to say, okay, now the rebuild is over. 
Yeah, and then you start spending money, right? And it's like you start changing your focus of okay, we're acquiring picks for taking your crap, your crappy cap, right? And um, yeah, that, that that it's always a weird phase. I think that's kind of what happened with the Rangers this year, right? So like they suddenly shifted into, and even a little bit last year. But remember, they issued that thing to fans where they're like, "We're gonna pretty much suck for the next few years. Ooh. We're sorry if you're a season ticket trade, holder, but oh boy." For fourth. Two trades. Okay. One involves Montreal. Ooh, this is exciting. They're going to get... Oh, my God. Romanov. Pick number 98. With the Islanders. Pick number 13, Romanoff and... Uh-huh. This is the Islanders pick. That's a good deal for Montreal. Yes. Kirby oh, Doc. Big. Wow. Kirby Doc to the Islanders for 13. What is Chicago doing? So Kirby Doc goes to Montreal. It's a three-way trade, basically. That's crazy. Oh, my God. All right. And the Islanders got Romanov in 98 out of this. That's all they got. Yeah, the Islanders have acquired a defenseman Romanov from the Canadians, along with Montreal's fourth-round pick, 98th overall, in the 20 in exchange for the Islanders first round pick 13 overall. Wow. And then the Habs traded 13th overall and number 66 to Chicago for Kirby Doc. I mean, look, I would it be not, like if you're in Montreal, you're probably like, okay, yeah, I'd like to get another pick, but like Kirby Doc's good now. I. I'm just trying to figure out, is it just me, or does it seem like Romanov's not worth the 13th overall pick? Like, Oof. I know he's young. Yeah. I Maybe I haven't seen him enough, but the 13th overall pick for him, when a pick in that same range just went for Debrinket. Like, is that, am I crazy? This draft is something else so far. Like, this has been the most interesting, I'm, I'm glad we're doing this. This has been, like, probably the most interesting draft we've had in a while. Yeah. A lot of moves. Two trades at once. Three-team trade. Wow. I mean, Kirby Doc, though. I mean, like, again, like, I don't know what... I have no idea what Chicago is doing. I don't don't understand what Chicago is doing. I I mean, I guess, like... Because they had the young... Like, they have young players. Like, they had Kirby Doc. They had Alex Dabrinkit. Like, I think they definitely fumbled last year when they got Seth Jones and then immediately signed him to a million dollar, like $9.5 million contract. Mm-hmm. But I don't, again, <laughs> teams rebuilding their rebuild, I guess. I, I don't understand what, like from Chicago's perspective, I don't understand this for them. So let's see. Chicago now has seven and 13, mm-hmm. right? The pick isn't in yet for Seattle. Do you think they're calling Seattle right now, trying to move up to get Shane, right? I think that's too much to probably give up to move up to four. 
seven and thirteen. Yeah, for seems in, like a in lot. This, like, but it's Shane Wright too. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a toughie. So in the end, the Islanders walked away with Romanov, and like the ninety eighth pick or something. Right. They gave up number thirteen. Montreal got Doc, mm-hmm. and. Blackhawks got number thirteen, right? That's, was there one other piece that I think I was missing that, there? That's pretty much that's pretty much yeah. the just of it, as far as unless I'm screwing that up. So yeah. And explain to me how a team that wants to rebuild gives up two of their better players who are under twenty five. That's the part I don't understand, right? Because like <laughs> even if you're even if you're rebuilding and like and you think that there's enough players in this draft to help you really get a foothold. I don't like. Don't you still want Alex Demrinkit and Kirby Doc? Yeah, they're the guys you draft and build around. They should be trading Kane and Taze and like right. trying to get younger assets. Well, I wonder if this is part uh, of it though. Like, do do Kane like? I, I'm curious what Patrick Kane thinks of all this at this point. Yeah, and he's still got years on his deal, right? Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think he's got a couple years left on his deal. Let me... Uh, I think it's only one. Oh, it looks like it's only one, one year, year left okay. for both him and Tiz. Yeah. So, so maybe, yeah, maybe okay. they write it out. And but I mean, even still, if you're not, if they're not going to come back, I mean that. Again, I guess if you're rebuilding, I mean, if you're absolutely burning it to the ground, I mean, I guess, I can, I can get it. I just don't know why you would trade players that would still be good when you are going to come out of this cycle. Yeah. <laughs> so Ricky's saying, you're, so you're saying Montreal now has a sloth dock. Caulfield line. All right, Seattle makes their pick. All right, here we come. Shane Wright. Yep, there it is. Shane Wright finally goes number four. Number four to the Pacific Division because that's. I wish I remember which mock draft it was, but someone had Shane Wright at four, and it was like in the last three, four days. I was like, no way, not a chance. And now I want to go back and find that and be like, wow, kudos, kudos to them. I mean. Now Shane Wright has to, you know, doesn't have to keep having the camera pan on him, which is, I'm sure he's relieved. Um, yeah. Oh, Mackenzie is tipping picks on Twitter. This is how AJ is, uh, this is AJ's inside information. Uh, I approve. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing too with Chicago. Like, if you, if you trade the like, Taze and Kane at the deadline... Yeah, man. I mean, they could. You have to retain some money. Probably but they have value, but I mean, like... that's for one year, right? So yeah, Bleh. exactly. Because you're you're gonna send them to a team that wants to compete, right? So they're probably gonna be strapped for cash, and then you retain a few million. Doesn't hurt you. You pick up maybe a first round pick. I mean, they're clearly still high caliber players. Kane would probably bring in a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, someone would. Someone someone would. I'm sure trade plenty to get. Uh, Patrick Kane at the deadline. Yeah. Taze, maybe not so much. He, I don't know. He's still an okay player, but I feel like this past season wasn't very good to him. No, I mean, it's, yeah, it's hard. It's hard because, like, I think, like, I I really like Jonathan Taze as a player, but I, I think he's, he was never going to live up to that contract. No, ten and a half per. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't think, I mean, you know, three Stanley Cups later, but. Uh, so we look at Seattle. Yeah. yeah. They, they they have Shane Wright and Maddie Beneers. That's pretty good first two picks in your franchise history. Yeah, it's not fair. 
I don't like this. Yeah. I, I, I mean, good for Seattle, and I'm sure they're ecstatic, but as a Sharks fan, this, this makes me annoyed. Yeah, I would have preferred him in Montreal, yep. but <laughs> yeah. far away from us. Um, so, um, Shang, uh, according to AJ, Shang says that a source has indicated that Sharks really like defenseman uh, Denton Matichuk. Um, that would be a reach at number 11, so it was a trade-back possible scenario. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, he was number 14 on my list. I've seen him go as high as number 10 or 9, I think, across the, the industry. I like him. Um, I tend to think of him as like a Merkley without the attitude problems Fair. from that age. And um, I wouldn't be upset if we take him. Um, I just don't think at 11 we should take him. If we trade back and we get a second round pick and we take him, Bingo. That's great. I'm all on board with that. Yeah. Um, and yes, as we mentioned before, our defensive prospects are definitely lacking compared they are. to our forward prospects. Yeah. Um, but he's a point per game player this year in juniors, had double digit goals. Um, you watch him. He's very talented. He's good with the puck. He's a good skater. So he doesn't have any flaws like that. Um, I think on a defensive side, he needs to prove a little bit in decision making, but he's not like a project. I feel like Merkley was at that time when we drafted him. Um, so I won't hate the pick. I just hope it's not at 11 if we take him. So trading back to like 15 or 16 and then getting another asset would be an okay move in my book. Yeah, I mean, it, and it, it depends, right? Because like with the way this has gone so far, I don't know who's going to be on the board at 11. Like I'm just going to be good players on the board at 11 still, but it's going to be super interesting um, to see like who's on the board still and, and what the Sharks do. Because I think, again, like we, we just watched Shane Wright fall to four. So it's going to be interesting yeah. to see who, you know, if anyone kind of goes off the board a little bit more than that to see what happens. Um, I mean, here's the, here's the thing, right? Like the Sharks definitely need defensive prospects. I think like the Barracuda next year, I'm really excited for the Barracuda next year because of the, the players that are coming in. Obviously, like a lot of the 2020 draft class is going to be coming in. I don't know who's playing defense on that team, though. <laughs> And obviously, whoever's selected now isn't playing defense for that team next year. But uh, I, I think defense is definitely an issue because I have no idea who's playing defense for the Barracuda next year. That I should be excited about. Hataka, yeah. Kinyazhev, um, Artemi Kinyazhev, uh, his name always gets me messed mm -hmm. up. But that's who I'd be looking at probably um, as shoe-ins for their defense next year. I, if they're trying to compete, they're probably going to bring in some more veterans, I would think, on the back end. So right. I don't know if Ataka's then with the NHL squad. Um, who else could be down there with them? <laughs> I'm sure Nicholas Malash. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, Malash is a guy who's, yeah, been, who's exactly. gotten a lot of hell in our fans, basically, including from me. And I just I don't think he's a bad player. I just think he's he was a guy that was put, because of the injury situation, he was just put over his head as far as where he was lining up. For the big club. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was forced into a role and he was getting minutes he probably didn't deserve. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I mean, you look at the Sharks roster last year. How many rookies played? There were a lot of guys who probably didn't deserve to be in the NHL that played games. So yeah. um, I know there were a lot of people crapping on him for pretty much half the year. It, I mean, it didn't bother me that he was in the lineup because I was just pretty much aware of what the Sharks were. But yeah, you hope that he's not with the team yeah. in terms of the NHL team. Yeah, I would I'm be fine pretty... with I'd be really yeah. annoyed. I mean, depending on what the Sharks do, right? Like, if they, if the Sharks move one of their defensemen, then 
maybe, you know, maybe that's a possibility. I don't know. I'm really interested to see what happens with Kanijov. Yeah, me Because too. he's missed a whole year now, but he had a really good rookie year. He looked like a solid bottom-pairing defenseman in that rookie season with maybe second-pairing possibilities. So Flyers making their pick. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Cutter Gauthier, thoughts? Uh, Cutter Gauthier is a big forward. Mm-hmm. Um, big fan of him, and he belongs in Philadelphia, so this pick 100% makes sense. Yeah, very Flyers um, pick, yeah. Yeah, U.S. National Development Program, where like all these studs are coming out of recently. Um, I had him at 8, and I would have loved to seen him in San Jose because of his size, which our prospect pool is lacking, mm-hmm. and... With that size, he's also a really good skater. Um, not quite elite level, but for his size, good skating. So, um, good player. I think he's going to BC next year. Um, so, as a UMass fan, I'll be seeing a bit of him. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which kind of sucks. But <laughs> yeah, I think he's probably a year or two away from the NHL. With his size, he's probably one of those guys who will do a year, maybe two years, just to get that development and then go pro. Yeah, a very a very Flyers pick for sure. I, Flyers were rumored to be in on Alex Dabrinkit for a long time too. The Flyers make no sense. Like they're like teams that make no sense to me right now. Like Chicago doesn't make a ton of sense to me right now. But I guess if you're you know if you're just tearing it down and hoping to like get Bedard next year, the Flyers make no sense to me either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're kind of stuck in no man's land, mm-hmm. right? Like. They don't have a lot of draft picks. I wouldn't say they have an abundance of like top prospects. Right. Um, and even guys like Provorov now are getting old. Like Carter Hart hasn't quite looked like the MVP goalie we thought he was going to be after that, you know, first showing. So I don't know what's going on there. I don't know exactly what their plans are, or what their vision is for their franchise. But, you know, they, they don't look like they're anywhere near especially in that division yeah being in a place where they're going to be competing anytime soon i think like john tortorella being there i think is going to really help carter hart and ivan Provorov, for that matter i think is going to really benefit Mm -hmm. from from having tortorella there um will that be enough to to make waves in that division though i don't think so i mean that division is still pretty nasty um chris letang re-upped with the penguins so it looks like they're going to keep some of that band together at least i don't know what's going to happen obviously we don't know what's going to happen with malkin yet but uh with chris letang resigning like i think pittsburgh i think they'll be you know they're definitely gonna be a playoff contending team are they gonna do anything when they get there I... yeah i Lesser. look at them as that first round out team yeah penguins but they're good enough to be there right like you still yeah. have to overtake that team and i just i don't think like even with John Tortorella there and I think their defense probably getting significantly better because Tortorella definitely um, helps teams improve on there. And I've watched the Flyers play a lot of games this season and their defense was atrocious. Yeah. I think that's what Torts is best known for Mm -hmm. is like getting the most out of the least amount of talent, right? Like he made those Columbus teams, before they got all those stars that last year um, when they swept the Lightning. But he made those Columbus teams pretty good with just mid-level talent. And he's just one of those people who demands a lot of his players, so he kind of wears out his welcome fairly quick. Definitely. Um, But I think he's kind of a good guy to bring in there to maybe get them on the verge of the playoffs. But is that the right thing for the franchise? That's that's my view. It's like you don't have a build... 
big piece to build around. And even Gauthier is a good pick, but he's not like a franchise center, for example. Right. Like, he's not the kind of player you necessarily build a franchise around. So I don't know. I don't really know what's going on there. Um, they got, what, JVR mm -hmm. and Hayes are like their top two forwards, both in their 30s. Yeah. Um, Cam Atkinson also in his 30s. So, yeah, they're they're definitely an interesting team. I, I I'm curious to see if Provorov can can bounce back though, or, or at least how much he bounces back. Because I think the one thing with with Provorov is they got they brought in Ryan Ells to play with him, and then Ryan Ells was injured. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder if, like, I think Provorov, like Provorov's the guy I was so used to be so high on. I just I just wonder if if he had more of a steady pairing, like would that turn his fate around? And I think if they can get Ryan Ellis healthy and with John Tortorella behind the bench, I, I think that Provorov should have a bounce back season. You would think. Yeah. See if Provorov returns the way he was um, previously, he's like the exact kind of defenseman I would love for the sharks to actually mm -hmm. have right now. A guy who is good in both ends of the ice provides the offense good defensively um, solid body as well in terms of like not being an overly physical player, but being able to play physical yeah. um, without being a liability. Um, that's he's the kind of player that I'd be looking for, even for the sharks to kind of take in this draft. But unfortunately, I don't really think there's a defenseman like him. Um, I think most of the defense, I, I guess you could say maybe your is the closest thing to a guy like him um, in this draft among the defenseman crop. But um yeah, I, I don't know if you quite classify Povarov as a number one D-man, but he's a very valuable player mm -hmm. when he's on his game. Um, Cole Campbell asking in the chat here, uh, what do you guys think of Marco Casper and Kevin Korczynski? So I personally am actually fairly low on Korczynski compared to, I feel like, some of the other people. Again, he's got a lot of offensive abilities. Um, I just, I don't know, he doesn't seem to put the puck in the net. He seems to be more of a creator. Um wouldn't be terribly disappointed if we trade back and take him. If we take him at 11, I'll be pretty disappointed. Um, the other name was Marco Casper. Mm -hmm. He, I, I really like his game, but it's a matter of upside with him. Do you want to be taking a guy who might only slot in as a third line center um, in the first round? I think, I think he probably is more in the second line center mold. Um, he's done well against men at his age. That's always a good sign. Um, but, I think there's just a lot of questions about his absolute offensive upside, and I don't know if it's necessarily a first-line player. So I'd be more happy with Casper than I would be um, Korczynski, but both guys are players that I'm very well aware of in terms of like being in our range, possibly going in our range. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset with Korczynski. I, I just, again, I think if you trade, if you traded back to get him, but I think I, even even at 11, I don't hate the pick, but I do agree, like he's more of a playmaker than a than a you know, he's, he's going to do more than he's, you kind of need that guy. If in an 11th overall, you kind of need the guy that's going to put the puck in the net more than Krzynski probably does. I think that's a fair criticism. Yeah. Uh, Columbus, especially with the other defensemen who are available. Uh, Columbus just took uh your check. Okay. Well, there goes another one of the D man. Yep. Who, um, what, like the demon that are available, what order would you put them in? Um, so with him being off the board, I have Minchukov as my next top player. Um, no Russian concern with him because he's playing in North America already, played this year in Canadian Juniors, point per game defenseman, scored nearly 20 goals in Canadian Juniors at his age. I think that's huge. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you watch him, I think he has 
great offensive instincts. <clears throat> now, this is the one part that Sharks fans might be a little sensitive about. He's a little bit aggressive defensively. Like, yeah. I don't want to say Brent Burns, but he is a little reckless at times. But I feel like at that age, you can coach that out. That's not something right. that's necessarily like your kryptonite for the rest of your career. So I'm actually highest on him. And then after him, I'd go Matejchuk and then Korchinski after that. That would be my, my ratings of those three that are most likely going in that range. There's one other guy um, that I somewhat like. I just think it's too early to take him at, at 11, um, Leon Bixell. Um, he's a big defenseman um, playing in Europe. And um, I think his tools would be good for the organization. Now, I know we don't usually draft for need. Right. And that's why I'm saying I wouldn't do – he's definitely not best player available at 11. But if you trade back, maybe it's the late first round, he's a defenseman that I would like to be within our franchise. So it it'd be it depends on the move there, but yeah, my three Minchukov is the one that I'm eyeing next going. All right, we'll see how that goes. I mean, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. So Chicago uh, up with the pick that they uh, got for Alex Dobrinkit coming up. So it'll be interesting to see. It's gonna be like again Chicago. I mean, I guess if you're burning it to the ground, and maybe that's maybe that's what it is, and I'm just too dumb to see it. But I just feel like. I don't know, with some of the pieces that they've moved right now, like they didn't have to burn it to the ground to get yeah. those players back, I guess. I, I Younger versions of those players are, I guess. I mean, to bring it was like, they got to bring it in the second round, like just an absolute steal. Mm-hmm. Um, and again. Yeah, I think rather than moving those guys, they just shouldn't have signed Seth Jones last year, right? right? Like that's a big commitment to a guy who is what now 30 late 20s i like i, I like seth age, jones but, but i i think they thought yeah. that they were going to just jump back into the playoff picture yeah and i didn't th- yeah that's the thing like seth jones belongs on a team that's already in that picture yeah. maybe top of the division and i just don't think getting him made them suddenly like top level again right yeah and it's not he had a horrible season i mean his some of his defensive numbers looked pretty crap last year, but I feel like that whole team defensively looked pretty defensively, crap. Defensively, they were kind of guard. But, I mean, like, if you look at what they did, they brought in Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, they got Seth Jones. I think they thought that, you know, the Central Division is the better of the the Western Conference, but it's not that much better. Like, the, it, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't completely unreasonable to think that Chicago couldn't have forced their way into the picture. Yeah, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall in some of their conversations, just – to understand the mindset. I mean, there's probably more moves to come. Probably. But like like we said, you're rebuilding and you just got rid of your two best under 25 players, yeah. but you kept your guys who are in their early 30s who are all highly paid. Mm-hmm. So I just I don't know what it is. I don't know what their strategy is, but I would love to be in the room for that. It just it amazes me. It's... Same. Yeah, because it's like, oh, we got rid of Duncan Keith. Okay, but we're just going to replace him with... like, And Seth Jones is definitely an upgrade over Duncan Keith at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. At this point, yeah. But, I mean, any cap savings, you just blow them out of the water. I, again, I like yeah. Seth Jones. I just think that they just overestimated how good that team was going to be this year. Seth Jones is one of those guys that's very interesting to me because it was such a short window when he went from like being talked about as the best defenseman mm-hmm. or top three defenseman in the league to suddenly being like, we don't even want to own him at that cost. <laughs> right. And it was like, I feel like it was went from one playoffs mm-hmm. to a whole year and an off season later. And suddenly the whole mood on him changed. Like I remember watching him thinking, wow, this guy is just absolutely dominant all over the ice. Yeah. And then suddenly now it's like someone signs him to 9 million, which 
if the guy is a top defenseman, it's not even that bad of a deal, right? Like, we're not talking Eric Carlson money here. Right. Nine and a half million, not the worst thing in the world, but suddenly everyone was just dumping on that signing. Well, I mean, I mean, this, I think Kale McCarr makes less than that. Yeah. I mean, in, or at least in the range. Like, right? so, some of the guys that got, like, got paid that, that summer, right? Like, the the nurse extension I think is a little too rich. Like I and Darnell Nurse, another player that I love, just mm-hmm. not at that price point. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think Makar is making in the nine nine and a half range. So it's like in that level, but you can't compare Makar to Seth Jones at this point. Like, yeah, Makar is probably going to be one of the best defensemen of this generation, if not the best by the oh, time. Easily. Yeah, easily. his career. Like I I mean, again, like Bobby Orr, his. Prime was definitely before my time, but I don't think those comparisons are are made loosely. Like they're not just willy nilly, right? Yeah. Um, Nine million a year. That's what cars in. Cool. Okay, yeah. so uh, that's interesting. Yeah, Columbus acquired the sixth overall pick that they used to select your check for Seth in the Seth Jones trade. So mm-hmm. that's uh, that's that's pretty cool. Like you trade uh, you trade a guy who was so touted, and you get another top touted defenseman i think that's pretty yeah. great um, solid replacement there yeah uh so chicago is going to pick next and then uh we'll get another question in the chat here all right so chicago's on the clock pick is in yeah. and this is number seven, number seven. so We're getting there this is where those three forwards that i'm really high on are probably going to start being on the top of people's boards savoy kemmel mm-hmm. and lekaramaki See what they do. Yeah, so um, as we were for Chicago to make them some picks here. Oh, here we go. Kevin Korczynski just Okay. Wow. <laughs> that's that's earlier than I would have thought. Interesting. Seventh overall. Seventh overall for Kuczynski. I mean, good for him. Yeah. I, I again, yeah. a player, a player that I like. I, I watched a little bit of him um, in the Western Hockey League playoffs a little bit. Um, again, I is seven a little high for him. I think so. But again, it's like if you if you're looking for D though, like I don't. There's probably like you said. There's probably a couple players you probably would maybe pick ahead of him. But I don't think he's a bad pick. I think the size might be one of the things that helps him because um, he's 6'2". Yeah. So that might have been what one of the, the teams like. Because, you know, despite the fact that all these smaller players are having so much success right. now, there's still always that obsession over size. Yeah. But, yeah, you look at his numbers. So the points are there. Mm-hmm. 65 points in 67 games. But he only had four goals the whole season right. in juniors. Um, so it's just I, I have not watched him enough to really ascertain what kind of defenseman he is. But from what I have seen, he obviously looks like he can move the puck. It looks like his strength is getting out of the zone and then creating offense. But I just I don't know. He's just not the sexy pick when you look at some of the other defensemen that I thought were in that exact same kind of classification as like the second tier of defensemen after Nemec and Juracek. Mm-hmm. Um obviously uh let's see here uh cole campbell asking in the chat uh in our opinion what is the biggest need for the sharks i still go forward even if the even though the prospect pool is pretty dense there i still think we need an elite forward because if you look at our forwards they more likely project as middle six than top three 
and especially now with who's still on the board here, um, I think you have to go forward. There's just too much talent there in this draft. And I, I'm not sure if the question was specifically meant for the draft or in general with the franchise. Do both. But from a draft perspective, that's what I'd say. Yeah. Forward for the draft. Now, in terms of NHL franchise, I'd probably still go forward. Like You're looking at a, post, a Pasternak type or a Deporting kit. This team needs elite forwards. Um, and they just don't have it. They need to be able to spread out the offense. Because when Hurdle and Meyer aren't doing anything, the team is basically nothing. Yeah. Like They're a shell. So... Adding another weapon, being able to disperse some of that offense, um, yeah, that's what I'd go with, forward across the board. Yeah, I mean, for me, again, I think, look at, there's there's seven rounds in the draft. You can get a defenseman later. Um, I, I'm, you know, kind of just looking over some of the stuff that I was just looking at before the draft. Um, I think I, I agree. I think I'm looking at some of the players on the board still. And I think you have to kind of go forward in the first round. I think like you can get defensemen in the, in the later rounds. I think the other thing they obviously desperately need, and it kind of goes with this thing is cap space. And mm. I don't know how they get there, but they definitely need it. I think that's the one thing this team would definitely benefit from because here's the problem, right? And obviously we don't know how the Evander Kane thing's going to play out. So, you want to get a guy like Debrinket, but you don't know, like not knowing what's going to happen with the cane. I think, I think the Sharks are very confident that they are going to win this arbitration. The problem is, is being very confident and then, but acting without, you know, without knowing the actual outcome, it makes things very difficult. So I don't know. Yeah. Cap space would give them a lot more flexibility to really comfortably get in on like a guy like Alex Debrinket or Kevin Fiala or, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I'd say let's pretend at a minimum that we do know we're going to get from, out from that Kane money, mm-hmm. right? The Sharks still aren't even in a great cap position. No, because you still have, they still have something they need to move, right? Like, you need to sign Timo Meyer after this following season. And you have guys that just aren't living up to their contracts. Um, I think most of them with the exception of Vlasic are movable mm-hmm. in some capacity. It's a matter of whether you're willing to just give up an asset for nothing. Like I, I, I know we've talked amongst our group mm-hmm. as Burns being kind of like that first target, right? I am perfectly on board with moving him, but I think Burns, if you're going to compete has to have a return. You yeah. can't just give him up for like a fifth round pick. You have to get something in return. That's going to add to your franchise. I know you can use that money to sign players, but I think Burns is almost underrated at this point amongst Sharks fans because of how like weird his style is and the stupid star fishing. <laughs> and like so fans kind of just naturally tired of seeing that happen every game and see it fail. So they're like, okay, I'm done with this guy. But you think about it, he's still a fifty-five point defenseman on an offensively starved team. He's a big player, he's an athletic freak. I think he still provides value. Yeah. So sure, if you want to free up what is it, eight million that he'd free up. Okay, I'm fine with that, but can you at least get maybe a middle six forward or can you get a depth defenseman or can you get like a top two round pick, like something that feels like an actual return um, for the franchise? So that's kind of where I'm at with the cap space. Like, look, Kane, if we end up getting stuck with that money, we're absolutely screwed. Like beyond screwed. Yeah. But even without it, there's some moves that Greer has to make. Like, can you move Shimmick? Can you move uh, LeBanc? Like, there's there's numbers in there that I feel you can slowly um, chip away at this cap hell that the franchise right. is in. Um, Detroit's going to pick here. We'll get Detroit, and then we'll go back to that. 
Yep. Oh, who'd they pick? I missed it. On my feed, it hasn't been announced yet. Oh, they just took Casper. Caspar. Yep. Okay. Interesting. There he goes. All right, so let's see. That's eight, mm-hmm. nine, ten, eleven. So this guarantees that one of my top three forwards will be available. Kemmel, Savoy, and Lekaramaki. All three of them are on the board still. One of them will be available at the Sharks pick. Ricky's saying That's no exciting. way Detroit's first miss. I, man, Steve Eiserman's a wizard. I, I Yeah, you can never doubt it, him. It, Steve Eiserman, like, I feel like he's like playing like three D chess while the rest of us are still playing checkers. Like yeah. even when they when they went with uh Casa like last year, like I'm like, oh man. They know something. And it's another European pick. There's nobody who does better with European picks than the Red Wings. Like, come on. Yeah. He he scored seven goals in the top league in Sweden. That's not bad for a young no, player. No, and like, I and I hold the sweet like the the Swedish elite league in very high regard. Yeah, six one one eighty three center. Like you know, that's it's a little bit earlier than I think a lot of people projected him, but I don't hate the pick no. from their perspective. Upside is questionable, but at worst you're getting an NHL third line center probably. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, Detroit's going to be scary. Oh, man. All right. Um, yeah, going back to what we are talking about, I mean, here's the thing. Like, for me, like, I've always been on the, the Brent Burns bandwagon trade, right? And it's not because I think Brent Burns is, is, is a bad player. And I think a lot of that gets misconstrued. I, I know I make fun of the starfish, and I can be really snarky on here. But... Like Brent Burns, the guy, he's the guy that I circle because he's the guy that I I think of the big contracts has value. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could, you, I mean, I guess you could trade Couture, but I still think like, then you need a center. Yeah, I think, I don't remember if it was you, but someone said it's dealing from a position of strength. Mm-hmm. And while we do kind of sometimes crap on our defense, it's not. It's more. I think it's dealing from a position of not necessarily a need, because um, we do have Carlson, and while his body may be made of glass, <laughs> yeah. and we don't know what kind of you know games he's gonna be able to put in over the next few years, we do have the two of them, and it's harder for them to coexist. It seems they both seem to step up their game when the other one is not around. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the experiment of the two amazing offensive defensemen hasn't really worked. You know, the one year we made it to the conference final, fine, but it hasn't worked. So I feel like you have to move one of them. Yeah. And what kind of returns are you looking at if you can even move Carlson? Like, is that possible to move $11.5 million in this current cap situation? With a no-move clause? Yeah, that too. I mean, I, I, I do feel like sometimes no-move clause can be worked around for sure right like wasn't it danny heatley who had a new no move clause when we traded him or was that a no trade clause i don't remember if it was limited oh, no trade i think it was but, limited no trade um but yeah so put that together you got the no move 11 and a half million injury issues and still like how many years five years on the deal still four years so i just don't know what kind of return you're looking at if you trade carlson whereas like you mentioned burns there's a realistic return. Yeah, Three I think years left. I think Burns is going to actually get you something. I don't think you have to eat a ton of cap. Like I think a team that thinks that they are really close and they and you know they think that they can play Burns. They they have a guy that Burns can play with. They can play him in maybe a lesser role so he's not playing forty minutes a night. <laughs> like I I feel like there's teams out there that even even at his age and even at his cap hit, there are teams that are probably think that they're you know they're an offensive defenseman away from 
from really doing something in the playoffs that I don't think Brent Burns is a terrible option for them. Yeah, I agree. Um, I know they've always are the fan base is heavily speculated the whole to Dallas thing for various reasons. Um, I mean, it's possible. I'm not sure exactly what would come back the other way, but I think that's kind of where shedding cap space would start if you're getting rid of a big chunk. Yeah. Um, so. And he does have a no trade list, right? And I think that's, but I think like when you look at what happened to, and I don't know if Mike Greer is going to come in in the first thing he's going to do is be like, well, look at here, I can trade you to this team or I can waive you and you'll go to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if Mike Greer wants to come in and be the guy that immediately does that. Cause Brent Burns definitely still has his fans in the fan base, but like a, a three team, no trade, like, yeah, he can, he can kind of have a say in his destination, but if you really want to play hardball, I mean, there's, there are options there. Now, if he calls your bluff and you wave him, like, I feel like someone would probably take him and that's probably poor asset management, but it's a, th- yeah. it's a thing you can do. You do get out of the money at least, but that doesn't really help you then right. with uh, competing. So yeah, it's a t- it's a tough position to be in. Like, re- <laughs> that's why they were talking about this job not being the sexiest job, right. because like whatever GM came in was gonna have like a laundry list of like crappy decisions they're probably gonna have to make. Yeah, yeah. I mean, percentage chance that Burns get traded? I don't know, man. Like forty, like thirty, thirty. Yeah. 30%. I just, but he's the one you think is probably most likely. Right? I, I think of the that big numbers. of the big numbers, I think that makes the most sense. I I know that this fan base is really down on Logan Couture. I think Logan Couture just needs some line mates. Talent, right? Yeah. Like I, I feel like Logan Couture needs some line mates. I feel like if you moved Logan Couture now, you don't have anyone ready to step into that role. No, for sure. And I really think, actually, you'd be selling low. Ah, uh, sure, Savoy just went to Buffalo. With. Did yeah. he? Ah, damn it. Okay, that's still two more. But Savoy, I actually had Kemmel ahead of him, so that's kind of surprising to me. Um, and Kemmel had had a lot more hype recently. Mm-hmm. But Buffalo gets Savoy. That's a good pick for them. It's talking about rebuilding your rebuild. Rebuilding yeah. your rebuild or rebuild? I just feel like this team's been just in a perpetual state of rebuild forever. Um, Yeah, Eichel was supposed to be that savior. Good for, I mean, good for Buffalo. Like, uh, I think that's a really nice pick for him. Um, (laughs) He is Merkley's doppelganger. Holy crap. Yeah, he looks exactly the same. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Like, I, I feel like going back to to Brent Burns. Like I feel like Brent Burns is the guy that makes the most sense. I think Logan Couture, trading Logan Couture would make a bigger hole that you don't have the tools to fill right now. Yeah. And I think you would be pushing a guy into that role prematurely. Um if someone can play Logan Couture into a third line center role then great. I mean and then obviously his value is going to be a little bit down at that point, but I think I would rather that than to move him now and then try to put Eklund or Bortolo or someone else in there before they're ready. Yeah. Well, the thing I look at also with Couture, I think I was just getting to before the pick, is that I feel like you're selling low on him because Mm -hmm. he hasn't had talent around him last year. And while his contract 
looks high, I still think he can be a 30-goal scorer. Like, if you look mm-hmm. at it, the last, I think, two seasons, he starts off really strong yeah. at, a like, almost a 40-goal pace. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just for, like, five games. It was for, like, 25, 30 games. Um, and then he tends to slow down. And last year, you can definitely directly look at moving Meyer off his wing and um, also just, like, pairings. He was having a lot of chemistry was with Dolan, I believe, also mm-hmm. early on in the season. Um, so you make those moves, and suddenly he's centering a line with, like, Bonino, mm-hmm. um, who actually did weirdly put up a ton of goals playing with him. Um, but yeah, I, I think Couture is still a 30 goal, 55, 60 point player. And despite the fact that some people question his leadership abilities, he is a captain. Um, he's a playoff yeah. stud. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got the resume that you can get value for. And I just don't think his numbers from last year will equate to the value that he bring. He can bring the Sharks this year on the ice. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely I completely agree. Uh, PJ asking in the chat, do you think there'd be any interest in changing Carlson if the Sharks ate salary? Who's taking Eric Carlson at this point? And I'm I not even know. as down. Like, look at, I, I, I acknowledge the issues with Eric Carlson, right? Like, obviously, health is, is an issue with Eric Carlson. I 100% acknowledge that. But I just... At that cap, like I just, I wonder how much the sharks would have to eat, and would eating that amount of money for X number of years be better than just keeping him and riding it out? Yeah, you have to think about like fit, and at a minimum, what the sharks have to retain two, almost two million or more, right? No one's taking him at anything more than like nine million. So you're looking at like what two and a half retained at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, for a bunch of years and I don't know I still think the franchise looks at him as being an elite defenseman for sure and he looked like it the first 30 to 40 games last year he Best was almost defenseman a point on the team. player yeah by far mm-hmm. and he looked almost like not quite Ottawa level Carlson, but he looked pretty good. The best he did in this franchise absolutely um, except for that one month back in his first season mm-hmm. but yeah I just I don't know. It seems inevitable every year that something's going to happen with his body yeah. where he just like shuts it down. And then when he comes back, he's just not the same player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like, again, I, I don't have any, um, like I like Eric Carlson. I, I think he can definitely be a positive asset um, to this team. I just, I, I can't imagine another team rolling the dice on that money. Even, yeah. even if you retain, like you'd, you'd have to retain a, a bunch and i think at that point um i don't think it makes it worth it it just it doesn't yeah, make it worth it like the i think the amount that they would have to retain to get that deal done it's too much money against the cap to not play eric carlson yeah it's not a value add at that point anymore because right. i still don't think even with that retention the return is going to be as much as um you would want no no, that's the other thing. For the potential that he does have if he is healthy somehow for an 82 game yeah, season. Yeah. Like I I think and like I said, one healthy, I think he's like again, there was there was a stretch of hockey where he was easily the best one, best defenseman on the team and I would even go as far as to say one of the best players on this team for a good chunk of the last season before things mm-hmm. really went off the rails. Okay, Anaheim's coming up at 10. This makes me sad. All right, so we got Kemmel, Lekaramaki, both left. Um, another name to keep an eye on is Connor Geeky because he's a huge center, and people love huge centers, but his skating is a weakness, which is common in his family. Yeah. <laughs> so um, 
yeah, I I really hope Kemmel go, falls one more. I can see Lekramaki falling one more. Um, there's also Nazar to keep on your yep. radar, but either way, I, I, I like our options coming up in the next mm-hmm. pick. So, and if they haven't traded it yet, they're probably not trading it, right? Unless maybe they're trading down, but. Mintikov from the Saginaw Spirit goes to okay. Anaheim. Mintikov, all right. I, there goes my top defenseman that was I left. I like that for the Ducks. I don't like that for the... I like it for the Ducks. Like, I think the Ducks are a team that... they're The way I see the Ducks is they're a team they're a little bit behind L.A. And it's going to be interesting because if they move John Gibson, it'll be interesting to see, you know where they think they are because i feel like if you think that you're you know if you're a couple players away or uh, you know a few more years of maturity away do you really want to move john gibson but oof i don't know yeah it's uh it's another tough one a good player coming to our division Mm -hmm. um he does have some elite upside so that makes it a little bit scarier um at him what do they got jamie drysdale is another young defenseman yep. right yeah, they so the ducks are Zegers. always like i feel like the ducks are always a def- defenseman factory yeah was it fowler back in the yeah. day when he randomly dropped like 15 spots to them that year when he was supposed to go like top five um yeah it's a good pick for them but i'm telling you if coming into the draft at 11 i knew kemmel and lekaramaki were going to be available now again the sharks could go completely off the board Who they knows could? what's going to happen yeah, but I'm very hopeful right now with who they're going to take. Unless they decide to trade down, maybe their guy is gone. But either way, with you'd think the three or four consensus players who are available right now at this point, the Sharks are going to get one of them if they decide to not trade not down trade or down. they don't have some weird board. So Right. We'll see. Their board hasn't really been that weird lately, though. Like I feel like, like since Junior's taken over... I feel like their board has made a lot more sense in most previous drafts than it did under when Tim Burke was running everything. Yeah, and that's the thing. I'm like, that's why I'm optimistic because I feel like anytime I would watch the Sharks draft in the past, with the exception of the year they drafted Hurdle, mm-hmm. who I was actually, he was like one of my three that I wanted. I remember it was him and Tara Vinen um, in that same draft. But the all the years prior, they I'd be sitting there waiting for the pick, and all of a sudden I'm like, who? And not necessarily in the sense of, like, the player sucks, but I'm like, this guy was meant to go, like, 15 picks from now or, like, five picks from right. now or seven picks from now. Like, why are you taking him? Then Doug uh, Wilson Jr. comes in, and suddenly we're actually taking risks right. in the first round, picking guys that are, like, were either consensus and they were dropping or they're, like, right in their range. So I haven't felt weird really about any of our picks right. over the last few years. So, yeah. It's what, another reason why I'm really optimistic about these forwards because I feel like they fit the exact profile of what he's been interested in guys who can skate um maybe not necessarily big you know that's mm-hmm. connor geeky would be a surprise to me at this point like because he can't skate okay and he's six foot three or six foot four mm-hmm. so it's like the exact opposite of what we take in the last few years but maybe they see that as like a need Uh-oh. and they really like his skills Uh-oh. so gary bettman at the podium what? oh is he <laughs> oh boy bum 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 well, their clock never started, so... Trade? Stayed, stayed at three minutes. 
course, my feed is at a commercial. Sharks trade 11th. No. San Jose has the 11th selection. <laughs> no, they got that backwards. Um, looks like the Sharks have traded the 11th overall pick for 27. Uh, 27, 34, and 45. Ugh. <sighs> That's a big drop. I do not like that. No, I'm not a not a huge fan either. Um, 27, 34, and what was the last tap one? Dance for, we have to tap dance for another two hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. Uh, so they got two seconds and a first, basically. Right? Yeah. Is that what I heard? Yeah, 27 and then 34 and 45. With Arizona. I don't like this. With who's what a bummer. with who's on the board? Yeah. I don't I don't love this move. I mean, it looks like the 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 reaction to the chat's pretty mixed. I would be curious to see what my Twitter feed's doing right now. Um interesting. So it was with Arizona, who's getting another pick now. And so they got 27, 34, and 45. And this is what happens when you have a, that abundance of picks yeah. like Arizona has. You can make moves like this. But this is what I was wondering. What would be the cost for the Sharks to move? I was right. hoping they'd only move down like three or four. Right. Not Moving down to 27 completely mm. throws any of these guys out the window. Right. So. And now it's almost like, yeah, this is this is bad. Because if you look at it now, it's like you were one of the teams that was in the second or third round of the playoffs, right? Right. Your your top pick is going to be late in the first round. Uh, but they get two second round picks, I guess. So late first, two seconds. I mean, and not like and not terrible seconds. I mean, they're both. No, they're first half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Ah. Uh... I just, again, like, I think, like, Doug Wilson Jr. is probably, probably deserves the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah, I think so. And it looks like, based on this, that means they probably still think they need to, like, fill up their um, prospect pool more. Um, maybe they're not as confident in some of these guys being ready in the next year or two right. as as some of the fans are like a lot of those guys from that what was it 2020 draft where we took nine forwards um yeah it's and you know here this is one thing they could mm -hmm. do because they did pick up those they could then end up moving maybe the 45 and 27 up to 21 for example so they're not necessarily done having a pick higher in the first round because that way they would still end up with a first and a second round pick and they acquired the second round pick. Um, but they must not love the players that were available, which is fairly surprising to me. But yeah. Yeah. I look at, so I mean, like, again, I, I think, you know, um, at the end of the day, if you don't absolutely, if you're not absolutely in love with the guy that you think is on the board at 11, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think so. Now, the question is then how many of those next like consensus players did they not like? Because like, you have to think, 
either there's a guy they really like that they don't think is going to go until the late 20s right. or even more likely i would say there's like three guys they like probably in the late 20 early 30 range yeah. that they're like we want two of them on our franchise um in our franchise so yeah and <laughs> ricky's saying lambert will be there at 27 i i don't know i mean if he is i'd be happy amazing. Yeah. Um, if if you were able to trade back and you still can pull off a guy like Brad Lambert at twenty seven, that's not a bad. It's not a bad bit of work. Um, yeah. Ugh, I don't know. I mean, like again, it, the draft's funny, right? Because it's it's a lottery ticket. Yeah, and it's also such a crapshoot. You never know. Like you look at any given year, there's like five or six guys, even in the top fifteen, that just don't become what they were expected to be. Right. And then there's only maybe one or two who really reach their ceiling. Like acquiring more assets and having increasing your odds is not the worst thing in the world. I'm just bummed because what happens is you like get really into these prospects and it's like, okay, I want one of these three or four on my team. Um, Whereas when you don't even let's say the Sharks, all those years when they are competing for the cup or at least like winning rounds. They were usually picking in what, like the late 20s. Yeah. So I wouldn't even really consider anyone in the top 15. And then once you get past top 15, you never know who's going to really be taken. Right. So, all right, Coyotes made their pick, and there goes Connor Geeky. Connor Geeky at 11. He has the tools. He just can't skate that right. well, you know, and which is so huge in the modern NHL. But like, dude, he is a six foot four center. Yeah, um, oh, almost fell down the stairs. <laughs> Boy, uh, yeah, but he put up what seventy points, mm-hmm. twenty four goals, sixty three games. It's not bad. Not a no, not bad at all. And you watch some of his moves. He's got hands. He definitely has hands. It's just but the, the skating. skating is but choppy. I mean, like, look at yeah. like I, I think a, a really good compare. Like not maybe comparable, but I think a guy that shows you just how important skating is. Like Dylan Strom was a guy with all the tools, but mm-hmm. isn't a great skater. Nope. And like. I don't think Dylan Strom's a bad player, but like, would he go as high as he did knowing what we know now? Of course not. And I just, I wonder if this is a situation where, you know, the Coyotes, like they get super high on a guy because of size and then it just, without the skating, it doesn't pan out. Yeah. I look at geeky kind of not in at all in the way they play, but in the same mold as like Marco um, Casper, it's like you likely have at least a third line center. He's got tools and he's got size, but it's all a matter of whether his skating can translate at the NHL level. And we've seen how much faster the league's gotten. If you can't skate, you're just, you're going to kind of look foolish at times. So I don't know. And I think from a draft pro- profile, you kind of hit it right at the nail on the head there. He's a weaker version of Strom mm-hmm. was in his year in that powerhouse draft. Like The only reason Strom even went, what was it, third in that draft, I think, was because of his size. Correct. Um, that that was one of the best drafts of this era. Yeah, and if you're just joining us live now and you're wondering, wait, weren't the Sharks supposed to pick? Uh, the Sharks traded uh, number 11 to the Arizona Coyotes for picks number 27, uh, which is the late first rounder, uh, 34, which is an early second rounder, and 45, which is uh, still in the first half of the first uh, and the second round. So that is what happened to the Sharks pick if you're just joining us now, hoping to uh, watch us be all ecstatic about picks. Uh, interesting stuff. Yeah, there's definitely names that I'm excited about in that range. Mm-hmm. Um, just not quite as excited about as some of the other guys in this area. But I think the Sharks, 
Like if you think about it, if they can get a few more border low type prospects in that range. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. Nope. Hopefully more of a border low than a white splat, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, for uh, I'm a shark uh, for life in the chat. Yeah, the first round will be tonight and uh, it'll take forever because of all the interviews and stuff that happened in the middle. Uh, tomorrow is the second round of the draft. It is very rapid fire. Uh, yeah, daytime on a Friday. That's a whole new thing for them this year. Thursday night with the Friday daytime draft. <laughs> Usually it was Friday night into Saturday, right? Yeah. Uh, AJ, clearly the Sharks wanted this podcast to go three plus hours. I mean, clearly. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I, look at uh, a mid-free. I mean, we didn't have any second round picks uh, before today. So now you have two and, and a late first. So it's not... It's it's not the worst thing. I just think like again, you kind of when you when you do this, you get kind of hung up on guys that are, you know, you just some of the guys that are that could be available at eleven, and you start you know doing your research and you start licking your chops and you get excited. Um, you you know you get really excited about some guys and you think, oh man, this guy gifted on the team. But like the sharks aren't like again uh, with Doug Wilson Jr. at the helm, like I will trust the process here. Yeah, I think he's earned that over the three years. Yeah, um, with the players that he's taken, so I'm gonna um, trust the process. I mean, first trade for for Mike Greer. I mean, you know, so that's that's something for your uh, for your trivia down the road. You think about it in terms of value. The Sharks got a first round, a late first round pick, and two early second round picks. Mm-hmm. That's good return. Like. Putting prospects aside, let's pretend we don't know anything about the players that are available at 11, so we don't really have any attachments. Um, that's not bad return. I mean, that's, what, 12 picks away from having three first-round picks, right? Yeah. Because like, there's, what, 32 teams now in the mm-hmm. leagues, and we got 34 and 43? 45. Uh, 45, okay. All right, so, yeah, the top half, two of the top half picks in the second round, that's that's solid considering what did Debrinket get? Yeah. <laughs> he got a first round pick, a second round pick and a third round pick. So, yeah, and uh, for Corey Masek from the uh, Athletic said that uh for Dom's draft value chart, the number 11th pick is worth the value of number 27 and 34 exactly. So, by Dom's chart, uh Dom decision, uh the Sharks picked up a number a 45 for free um based on his model, which is always I love that stuff always fascinates me. So, yeah stats behind it oh yeah definitely the odds with like what picks turn into on average is always interesting because i think then when you think about it we heavily overvalue having draft picks for sure i love the draft but i think when you look at the actual odds of getting like say a star even in like the 20 to 30 range it's not very high like in the first round you're probably still looking at what like a 30 to 40 percent chance once it gets down to the second and third rounds it's so much lower uh Denton Matichuk is number 12 overall to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Columbus. Okay. Uh, and apparently, according to uh, the Twitter machine, Jerk likes the move. So Hockey Jerk is also on board here. And, and yeah, like, you know, and, like, and again, right? Like, you look at the guys that have been picked, like, outside of the first round. Like, Thomas Bortolo, second-round pick. Alex Dabrinkit, second-round pick. Like, there's definitely, like... There could be some value here. Like if you can turn, especially in a draft like this, that's kind of been all over the place mm-hmm. with the, like where there's, I just like, I feel like there's no consent. Like there's very little consensus on where guys were ranked in this draft. 
getting more yeah, getting more kicks to the can isn't the worst thing. Yeah, and we speculated a little bit about that before the draft even really started mm-hmm. kicking off. We were saying that is this a year where the Sharks maybe trade back because, like we mentioned, they got rid of that second rounder for Hill, um, and the you look at that range, kind of where we are right now in the draft through even mid twenties, late twenties. There's guys who can keep dropping. Yep. Um, and like even a guy like Frank Nazar, mm-hmm. I've seen him as high as number eight, and I've seen him in the twenties on some people's boards. Right. Like, so having that kind of range, maybe the Sharks are thinking there's like three or four guys that they just know one of them is probably going to drop to twenty-seven, and they're just like we're okay with ending up with that while getting more assets. So until it all is in the books i'm not gonna get too upset about it i'm still shocked kemmel hasn't been drafted because i'd seen some people ranking him as high as number four or five and he just had a monster season in europe i'm just i'm not sure what's holding teams back from taking him Um, what potential like any potential red flags that you could see there not that i was aware of Mm -hmm. i mean he's a little underweight he's only like 165 but he's 5'11 so an 18 year old easily can put on some pounds there with muscle um he scored 15 goals in the finnish elite league this year in 39 games like that's oh that's a good three question. times the amount of that's three times the amount of goals Slavkovsky scored right. like um, he had a really good season and he looks like a sniper interesting uh that's a good question is one of the second round picks the pick we traded to get aiden hill i'm not sure no so it looks like the picks we got were the first rounder is a former hurricanes okay. pick then we got a coyotes original second mm-hmm. and the islanders original yeah, second there we go So, so we didn't get our pick back from the Aiden Hill trade, which I'm fine with. <laughs> nope. It's amazing. That's a good question, though. Um, yeah, uh, Blue Jackets loading up on on the blue line. Um, I Blue Jackets are an interesting team. Um, I feel like again, there's there's a, there's a few teams in the league where I genuinely feel bad for. Columbus is definitely. And the Blue up Jackets there. are one of them. Yeah. Um, just again, just trouble retaining guys, right? Um, worried about guys not, you know, bolting as soon as free agency hits. I feel bad because I don't think, like, I don't think Columbus is a horrible place to live. Um, that arena usually is pretty loud. Like, it's, it seems like it's a decent fan base. Um, whenever I watch games in Columbus, like, they're not, they're not ghost towns in there. Yeah, especially in the playoffs. You look at their playoff games, their arena is pretty loud. Well, when they were last in the playoffs, especially I remember back to that sweep of Tampa. Like that series, mm-hmm. their their building just was crazy. Um, yeah, I, I always feel for a franchise when they lose stars and at a rapid pace, which they have. I mean, you look at the guys who've left over the last four or five years. Yeah. It's a pretty crazy list when you think about it. But yeah. Um, they have some good pieces. Like they got Cole Sillinger, mm-hmm. right? Now they just took um um was it Matejchuk, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, so, you know, you got a forward and um you got a forward and defenseman to build around. Um Yeah. They still have Orensky who's pretty young. Yeah. Um he's not like as sexy as he was when he first came to the league when you think about his game True. because now you've got like McCarr looking like Bobby Orr right. and you got a few others that have just kind of passed Wierenski but I remember Wierenski those first few seasons was kind of like the next offensive defenseman mm-hmm. um his numbers what nine and a half million per year um yeah they got some young pieces but they're a long way off too 
from like if they still had a torts for example maybe he could get something out of that lineup more but they're a long way off yeah um skylar asking uh what winners and losers thus far Mm. i think (laughs) seattle (laughs) seattle's a winner yep you look at arizona walking away with cooley and geeky it's not bad pretty good good haul um I mean, that could be a number one and number one, number two center in the future in one draft. You think about it, that's pretty good. Columbus. Um, yeah, yeah. Matejcik and yeah, they got two, two defensemen, future top pairing maybe. Um, you got Juracek, who's more Juracek, who's more physical and responsible defensively. Then you got Matejcik, who could run a top power play. So, yeah, I think there's a few teams that have kind of loaded up here and what we're only 12 picks in yeah that's fairly surprising i mean i, I don't really have any losers us maybe chicago but like i guess <laughs> yeah. i guess chicago i mean montreal's had a good like they get you know they get the first order pick they take slavkowski and they also get kirby doc yeah i mean i guess yeah the, the losers so far i guess would be the blackhawks yeah, we'll see who they get because their pick is in right now. But yeah. you think about it. they So far, they've traded Korchinski for Dabrinkit in their trade. Yeah. Um, that's that's a tough Ooh, look. That's, you know? Yeah, that's I like Alex Dabrinkit. I, I, and I, I, I don't dislike Korchinski, but that, like, when you look at it from that perspective, like, that's that seems yeah. rough, right? Um, Ricky's saying Arizona trading up to draft Geeky is a loser. Like, I, yeah, I mean, they, there was better players on the board, I think, for sure. I think when you have as many picks as they have, though, that's not a bad move. But you still like, got Logan Cooley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like walking away with Cooley and then Geeky as like your second pick. Uh, that's Frank Nazar is the uh, pick for Chicago. That's not terrible. Okay. I like that. No, no, thirteen. That's kind of in the range where you first were kind of really expecting him. Um, I know some people had him earlier, mm-hmm. but I think thirteen is a very fair place to take him with who's on the board now too yeah again i just I, but again like i feel like is chicago does that move chicago into the winners category no <laughs> no i don't think so i think like so so far they got korchinski and nazar that's but you lost kirby doc and alex yeah. to bring it to do it yeah Nah, I, yeah, I still look at them as losers for this draft. Yeah, and Nazar's got a ton of offensive upside. Obviously, Karchinski does too from a um, defensive for a defenseman. But um, and Nazar is no sure thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays hard, like he's got a lot of energy. He's got a good motor. Um, probably an NHLer with top six upside. But yeah, yeah I mean, but he's gonna be he's he's gonna be on a good team uh nazar this coming season where is he going he is going to um he's going the college route yeah, right yeah. yeah he was going to michigan Mi- yeah michigan yeah. again another michigan yeah. commit yeah yeah i couldn't i sometimes i just lose track of where it's going like, like old... and that team's still going to be good like yeah they've lost some players obviously but i still think they're going to be like that's always been a pretty good program like they have no problem attracting players so yeah i think one of the commits for are one of the top three players or four players for next year's draft is also committed to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, they're a good program even without all these top guys, right. like jumping on their bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, 
yeah, it's kind of frustrating. I was actually rooting against them in the tournament last year just because I was like, I can't have this team win. This is like <laughs> Golden State. Well, sorry for some Sharks fans who are Golden State Warriors fans. Um, but I was looking at them like, that's what this is. Or like the Miami Heat. Let's go with that one. So it's not as sensitive for some Sharks fans. But like, like this is the Miami Heat back when like Wade was there. Right. And it's just like LeBron. And it's just like, come on, guys. Like, I, I don't like when too many star players go to one place, especially in where with the co- way college works, where you can just like, oh, yeah, this is where I want to go. So suddenly four or five top picks are like, let's all go there and win a championship. Right. Yeah. I, I yeah. And, and, Again, I I, uh, I I am with you because I know a lot of times like people bring up Golden State. I'm like, I'm not local. I don't care, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like I'm Same. a Sharks fan. I'm not a Barrier Sports fan. I'm just a Sharks fan. Yeah, my Bay Area connections purely start and finish with the Sharks. Right. I I, I love the Oakland Athletics growing up because I was a huge Mark McGuire fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and those early '90s A's teams were pretty cool. But yeah, I mean that that stopped with the '90s for me. I was just. I'm not a baseball fan in general now these days, right. so. Yeah, frankly, I, I again, I mean, I like the moves like in a in a, in a bubble like for who Chicago has taken, I like it. But when you look at what they had to give up to do that, it's just less favorable. Uh, Winnipeg Jets yeah. on the clock. Winnipeg is another team where I do feel a little bit bad for again, right? Because it seems like. I don't know what's going on there, and I feel bad. Like, Paul Maurice just ups and is like, ah, I, I'm done. I need to move on. Um, and again, right? I look at them. Like, players, they're just worried about players coming. I think I, I heard Wheeler's on the block now, too. Yep, and Shifley. And Shifley, like, I just, again, like, passionate fans, too. Like, it's not like it's, I mean, it's, would I want to live in Winnipeg? No. No, I would not. Um no. And I like say that visit, as a Canadian, a like as a Canadian, <laughs> I don't want to live in Winnipeg. Um, so I get that aspect of it. Like winter is unforgiving here. I can't imagine it in Winnipeg. Yeah. You look at their lineup and most of their top players are top paid players are still under 30. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Right. But I kind of look at them like I look at the Sharks from, I don't know what, seven, eight years ago, I feel like it's wasted window without any championships, right? Like they had so much depth, a lot of offensive talent. Um, Like it's weird, even when you look at Kyle Connor now, Mm -hmm. he's 25, like, which it's crazy to think of that as being old because it's It's, not like the guy's in the prime of his career. But it's like, then you look at the lineup, Shifley's approaching 30 and he's now supposedly going to be moved. Ehlers is 26. Um, Blake, Blake Wheeler's 35, um, their defenseman Morrissey's 27, right. um, you know, Hellebuck, he's 29, but he's still I don't great. Know. Like Connor Hellebuck yeah. is like, these guys are all good to not and be able to build something right in front now, of him is just, it's, it's a shame. If these teams, if these teams were winning cups right now, you'd be like, okay, they actually have a nice window mm-hmm. because they're all in their mid to late twenties, but they haven't done anything in the playoffs. Right. You know? Yeah. So. It's just a matter of what do you do from that point? Do you kind of change your strategy? Do you move some of these guys out? Try to change the feel of the team, the make of the team? Because something there isn't working. Yeah, and I don't know what it is like to have guys like constantly wanting out. And again, like I said, would I want to live in Winnipeg? No. Um, but, I mean, it's I could think of worse places to play hockey, too. The thing about that that I always try to wonder, too, like because we always talk about these cities mm-hmm. where, like, players kind of bounce around. They're, like, not as much desirability. Like, even looking at Columbus, 
you're making millions of dollars living in Columbus, I feel like you could make Columbus as good as any other city, right? Exactly. Like, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. There's not as many places to go in Columbus as there is New York City. But if you have millions of dollars, let's say you like going to clubs, I'm sure you can find clubs to do bottle service every night if you want. Or you can go to like any of the cool things you want to if you're making that kind of money there, For right? Sure. Like, so I, I never understand why there's these cities that some players just like, nope, don't want to go there. No interest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> AJ in the chat trying to get the chat riled up. Last time the Sharks traded to 27th, they took Goldovin. Yeah, but that was different mm-hmm. people. And I, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> I will still. I didn't hate that. Thing. I didn't hate that pick <laughs> either. It, <laughs> I, I, it didn't work out, right? But it was, it was, I was happy that it looked like the Goldobin was like kind of when things started to turn a little bit when we weren't taking the, the guy with the high floor. Like Goldobin was a big boomer bust pick. Yeah. And it just, it busted and that, that happens. Exactly. At the time, it was refreshing for the Sharks to actually kind of do that sort of pick. absolutely because that wasn't the type of type of picks they were moving making back in those days yeah uh, let's see who winnipeg's gonna take rutger rutger mcborgy yep. 14 wow okay he's a he just climbed up the board big reach um, there are definitely some people who had him in this range, but, um, like a poor man's Cutter Gauthier, like he's, mm-hmm. he's another big body, very big physical over 200 pounds. Um, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but I was thinking he was going to go probably more in like the early twenties. Actually, I was thinking he might be in the sharks range, even at, in the late twenties. So that's kind of surprising. Um, but the more guys like him climb, the more some of these other names drop. So yeah, I mean, like uh, Ricky saying in the chat, you know, like trading back just keeps looking better and better. It's, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, some of the players that are still on the board. I mean, it, we're only a couple picks out, obviously, from where the Sharks would pick, but there's still some really nice players on the board that if they somehow managed to drop to 27, like, and then you picked up, you know, two other picks on top of that, like ace <laughs> yeah and, and i have to keep going back to this because i keep like almost feeling like i missed a pick but i just don't know how kemmel has not been drafted yeah yet. right this is crazy to me like if you read his scouting reports people talk about his shot like it's a baby version of ovechkin mm-hmm. like how does this guy not been taken we're at number what 15 we're now to 15 yeah and he hasn't been taken that's just crazy to me yeah i mean uh something else in the chat too i want to i want to address i gotta scroll back here quick and go um yeah i mean like so should so josh d's uh saying and like obviously prospects to fill up the cooter are more important right this second i i agree with that to a point but here's the thing right like if you're taking guys depending on where you're drafting them from too and that's the other important caveat to that discussion um you know if you're drafting if you're if you're drafting i think a lot of I, not a lot of Russian guys have gone. Like, I think we have, what, one Russian player so far? And he's playing in North he's America. playing in North America already. Like, obviously, yeah. I think there's... None of the actual Russian players are playing in Russia have gone. Right. And I think that's the smart play right now. I don't think... I think with everything going on in the world, we're not going to get super into it. But obviously, like, taking a Russian with one of these picks that isn't already in North America is a huge gamble. Um, Mm -hmm. so you're probably going to be drafting guys out of either the college or, you know, one of the other elite leagues over. And, and there are some great European players that are still available, but 
you know, a lot of guys are still going to come out of like the Canadian junior system or college. So college, they have to turn pro. So they're not, you know, college guy isn't coming right away. Canadian junior player, you can't send a Canadian junior player to the AHL before 20. So nothing that the Sharks do right now will likely, and I'll say likely because we don't know who they're going to draft, will likely help the Barracuda next season. Now the Barracuda are going to get some reinforcements this year. Um, like a lot of guys are coming over that I am super excited about. Like I am covering the Barracuda this season and I am super excited to do it because I think there's a lot of guys. Now, are they going to be a juggernaut team that's going to destroy the AHL? I, I'm not sure, but I think they'll be exciting to watch and I think there will be a lot of interesting players to watch. And it'll hopefully it won't be as painful as watching the Sharks this year, <laughs> which obviously we all primarily cover right we cover that we cover the sharks but i'm looking forward to having the barracuda kind of be something to cushion the blow for what i don't think is going to be a good season next year yeah and i think on that point you mentioned about like the health that the barracuda are getting we like the names that are going yeah. there but historically these kind of players who are not elite prospects but like solid prospects take some time to develop yeah. like you're not most likely, what are we looking at? Weissblatt, Robbins, Coe, Gushin. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all going to be there next year, right? Yeah. So that's four good prospects in terms of our pool. But I don't know if any of those guys are really going to dominate the AHL next year. I mean, there's even the chance that Bordalo could be down there if the Sharks really fill their lineup out. Eklund, too. Um, I mean, if yeah, I mean that, exactly. that would be a – that would horrify me. He's the only one that I feel like could really torch. Well, Bordalo too. Yeah. I think Bordalo and Eklund could really torch the AHL. Sort of like I think it was LeBanc who did when he made his jump from the lower ranks. Um, that first season, he he came up and played in the AHL. But um, the rest of those guys, I feel like they're kind of going to be like middle of the lineup players, getting minutes early on, and maybe in the second half of the season, really start contributing. Um, but I'm excited for the Cuda to finally, hopefully have a better team that's the one thing i've wanted the sharks to do for a while is to try and get them to perform at a top level yeah and, and, in the and here's the thing i want to i want to say this about the the barracuda team last year because yes the barracuda team was bad last year but that didn't happen in a bubble like if you think that the guys who are playing defense on the sharks were bad well who did that leave the barracuda the barracuda had one by the time the season there was one point in the season where the sharks had so many people up they had one nhl uh, contracted person on the Barracuda roster. Yeah. That decor was made up of whoever they could basically put a jersey on. I'm surprised Kevin Lacey wasn't skating out there for the Barracuda. I'm not going to lie. That's how bad it was. And I love Kevin Lacey. <laughs> but AHL defenseman, he is not. Yeah, and you think about it, what, we broke the record last year in terms of our own franchise of number of rookies yeah. to skate. So you have to think those players were most likely, at least most of them, meant to play in the AHL. It's the same reason why I wasn't dumping on some of the defensemen that we were trashing. I'm like, this guy was meant to be our ninth or 10th defenseman. Like, I'm not going to be mad at him for how he's performing at the NHL because he's being forced to play 18, 19 minutes against NHLers, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, yeah, were the Barracuda bad now? Absolutely were. But I think this year, with a little bit of, like, luck on the big club as far as injuries go, like... I think they're going to be a better team next year. Um, Roy Sommer apparently is now the new head coach of the uh, San Diego Goals. Goals. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kevin Lacey noticed that and we didn't really hear anything. Um, Sharks didn't really make a big deal out of it. Um, 
I mean, I'm not surprised. I think he's a guy that probably still wanted to coach, but I think they, the Sharks were like, okay, we have to go in another direction here with all these players coming in. Yeah. I mean, how long has he been our AHL level coach right. with the various cities? I mean, he's pretty much been in every city we've played in, right? At this point, Basically, that's how long yeah, he was it's, there. It's... All right. Canucks are up. They love European they did, players they usually, right? Um, who we got? I didn't hear, so now I'm gonna tap. Oh, it. was it Lekramaki? Lekramaki, yep. There it goes. Okay, Eklund's teammate. Yeah, but no, I know they love their Swedes um, and just Europeans in general. They're kind of like the Red Wings in that regard. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not surprised to see Roy Sommer move on to to continue behind a bench, but I think the Sharks made the right move, and I'm thinking like I'm hoping like well, obviously with Mike Greer um, here, like they continue looking at different aspects of the organization and seeing where they can, where they can make improvements. And I think again, Roy Sommer, Roy Sommer is the most winningest coach in the AHL. He's also the most losingest coach in the AHL. If you look at the numbers. So I mean, longevity, right? Yeah. I mean, good. I mean, good on him for being able to, to coach as long as he did. And I, you know, and I'm not going to completely dump on him, but um, you know, I wish him good luck with the goals, but I'm glad that the, the sharks have moved in a new direction. Uh, for um for the AHL team this year. Yeah. Consider again, like considering Ramaki. the players coming in. Like Ramaki, good pick for the Canucks there. I think he um he's kind of a little bit the opposite of what Eklund was. He's more of a finisher in terms of shooting and scoring. Mm-hmm. Um he's a good player though. Um I think he was one of the younger players actually available in this draft. I think he's still actually only seventeen. He doesn't turn eighteen until later, I want to say right. this month. Yeah, July 24th, I'll be turning 18. But, um, yeah, he was definitely one of the guys that I had hoped would end up with the Sharks. But here, 15, that's pretty good value, I think, for the Canucks. Yeah. Um, again, yeah, I don't I, – but I, I can't believe, like, the, the Kemmel slide continues. Yeah, him – I can't see anyone else that, like, I'm really terribly surprised at in terms of, like – Lekaramaki was the last one of my real top group mm-hmm. that I was hoping would be in the Sharks range. After this, you got the Russian factor with Yurov. Um, he has top five talent, but like, who knows? Oof. When will these Russian players be able to come to North America, right. if ever? Like, who knows? Especially with, 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 which, with uh, I forget the player's name, but it just happened. The guy who's been detained pretty much in Russia and being Fedotov, forced to do, um, I think, for the Yeah, Flyers. exactly. Yeah, the goalie. yeah. Uh, and, then, so, and then now there's concerns about... Um, about uh, Kirill Kaprizov. Kaprizov, yeah. It's scary. Like, it's really it's really weird, like, how the world just sometimes just goes backwards. Like, I remember this kind of stuff, like, when the Russians first started coming over and the, like, when Fedorov first came over and, like, the, the shroud of secrecy and how they had to, like, smuggle him out of the country. Um, mm-hmm. And it's McGillney. Cra- yeah, and it's crazy that, like, somehow we've gone back to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy time. So it's like that those kind of players, maybe if you have multiple picks in the first round, you're okay risking it for the ultimate value three, four, five years down the line. Um, but if you like look at the top boards now, I feel like most of the players have gone just in a weird, <laughs> weird range. Order, so, yeah. yeah, so now you're looking at um, Lambert. You're looking at um, Kemmel still somehow on there. Um, and then it's really the next wave of players, which... Now you start a whole new order. Mm-hmm. Like there's a guy, Isaac Howard, that some people had as high as 10, but 
most had, I think, in the late teens, early 20s. He's another U.S. NDP guy. Um, so it's a whole new group now. One of the guys I actually really like, but he is tiny. Um, his name is Jagger Furcus. Okay. Um, he's another offensive kind of wizard from the Canadian juniors. Had 80 points last year, 36 goals, 66 games. But he's 5'10", only 150 pounds. So obviously the size stuff is an issue. And it's also kind of he had a huge boom this year in his performance. So I don't know. Uh, he's a guy who's projected in the 20s all the way up through 40. He'll definitely he'll likely be available during one of the Sharks picks. Is he someone we take? I don't know. He's small, fast and skilled. That's kind of been our mantra these last few years right. you also have actually a couple more of um Eklund's teammates you've got Liam Ogren um a goal scorer from mostly playing in juniors with Jurgarden and also Noah Ostland um he's more of a like playmaker I'd mm -hmm. say but these guys both played with Jurgarden's junior team this past year I got uh, Ricky so in the, the chat just bringing up some names that he'd be happy with at uh, 27 I'd love for you to weigh in here he's got uh Ogren Ostland Lambert Yurov Howard, Hudson, and Casey. Um, so I am down with all of those. I'm not... At 27, Howard's good value. Mm -hmm. He wasn't really a guy that I wanted uh, at the top of the draft. I think he's more of like a middle six player. Um, I don't think he has top line upside. That's my opinion. Um, I think everyone else I'm good with. I really would like Ogren if he dropped to our pick. I think he's got a lot of potential. Um, he... Play, he didn't do much with the top team. But then again, we look at Eklund. He didn't do much with the top team this year. They were god They awful. were terrible, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I like his abilities. I'm really hoping um, he could drop that far, but I just don't see it happen. I mentioned him earlier, Leon Bixell. Mm -hmm. I like that defenseman, possibly early in the second round. Um, Jagger Furcus. Um, there's a guy, Maverick Lamro. Now, some people are going to hate this because they're like, oh, he's just got size, blah, blah, blah. Well, he's a six foot seven defenseman Oof. who actually isn't a bad skater. So, like, you put that combination together, there are some people who really like his potential. Right. Now, he doesn't really have much offensive potential. Um, he's not really scoring much at the junior levels, but they project him more as, like, a second-pairing, shutdown-type defenseman who's big, a lot of range. So, I wouldn't mind us using one of those second-rounders on a guy like him, maybe in the 40th pick or whatever, or the 45th pick. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of names now that suddenly pop up that weren't really kind of in my focus before. Right. I mean, the ideal goal is obviously Lambert dropping, uh... right? <laughs> I think it was Austin just went. Yeah, Austin just went yep. to the Sabres Austin. at 16. Okay. There you go. Uh, it's amazing how the much... The Jack Eichel um, pick. Yeah, it's amazing how much youth your, your garden has right mm -hmm. now. You think about it. They had the... Um, Eklund went seven last year, right? And then you got Lekaramaki, Ogren, and another guy who are all going to possibly go first round this year. It's like the Michigan of right. Europe right now. Okay, so, yeah, Austin at 16. Interesting. I mean, not bad. I mean, again, like the Jack Eichel uh, Buffalo thing was so untenable. So, I mean, uh, I don't, I, I like that pick for them. I think using that pick that they, they got for Eichel. I mean, you can't replace Jack Eichel. Like I, I'm still really high on Jack Eichel as a player. Yeah. Um, I really wanted the Sharks to be in on that mm -hmm. trade. Um, I'm more bummed than anything that he went to Vegas yeah. than the fact that the Sharks didn't get him. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't, yeah, I'm just so hesitant at any point right now when it comes to any sort of, like, big contract player. Like, Eichel's obviously a beast if he's healthy. Um, but, like, how they make $10 million fit under their current cap situation, I just, I don't know, right. it just never seemed really realistic to me. But, yeah, I mean, Eichel would have solved a lot of the Sharks' problems. Yeah. He's, well, again, healthy. I, healthy Eichel, right. And I, I, I think, yeah. like... I don't know. I think Eichel gets some crap that's deserved. I think he gets a lot of crap that's not deserved, though. Like, I think if you look at what happened to Tarasenko in St. Louis, like, he got the the doctors, the team surgeons did, like, what, two surgeries before he finally went off and got his own surgery that actually fixed the problem. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, I I think that guy's probably... it'll, It'll be interesting when they do the next CBA to see if players get more... if they try to get more say in you know some of these health things yeah you would think they should have that kind of freedom with their own medical choices right. i know like i know it's technically a legal contract mm-hmm. and their body is a performing for the team who owes them money but like at the same time it's still a person who's looking to get like a surgery done yeah. right so the, i feel like eichel got a really bad undeserved rap for that whole situation like he stuck with buffalo for a long time while they were absolute trash and like his neck got damaged because he was carrying a team on his back (laughs) (laughs) exactly like that's how bad it was for all those years and he performed all-star level Mm -hmm. do we have a trade i don't know oh no he's just calling up the team i think i just saw batman at the podium Bringing Serge Savard up to the podium. Montreal, man. Class. Oh, it's the GM of the year award. Oh, uh, okay. Montreal, man, they they know how to they know how to honor their alumni though. That's one thing that they do really, really well. Yeah. Yeah, I actually went to a game up there once too. I really enjoyed it. I saw them play the Sharks. Unfortunately, the Sharks got shut out in that game that I was oh. at. I think the final ended up being was one nothing or maybe it was an empty net make it two nothing oh, no. but it was a bummer but i mean it was my first time in montreal and i actually really love this yeah city, me too um of montreal it's a beautiful city um and i like the culture up there it's really cool um so to see a game also where montreal plays the history there it was pretty it's pretty special yeah all right who is the gm of the year i this award drives me nuts I thought they had given these awards out already, too. I didn't know they saved this yeah. one. Maybe do they normally do this? Do they normally save it for the draft? I don't recall. I just I feel like this this award is dumb because like they always it's always like with like I think being a good GM, like you always have to like kind of go back a little bit. And it's always for like what happened immediately last year. And you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it's just like building a team takes time. And I just I. I hate this. I hate the way they do this one. Yeah. Well, it's also just like, how do you evaluate it? Like, is it right. Colorado's GM who's now built this team over the years? Mm-hmm. Or is it the GM who's like made the moves this year? You, a lot of time with moves that GMs make, you don't even know how they're going to play. Correct. Out That's what I mean. Yeah. Seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just feel it's always like just a knee jerk to what immediately happened. Like, oh, well, they won the cup. I mean, yeah. Okay. You, I guess you built yeah. that team. But it's like some GMs don't even. Like they're not even the guy responsible for it. Like, yeah. Like you look at like obviously like um, Drury in here for like New York, right? Like yeah, like yep. 
he did make some moves that help you know that helped the rangers but like let's not pretend that there wasn't a bunch of ground laid out for him already yeah exactly that that was already a fairly star-studded lineup yeah he made some good deadline moves that ended up helping them and he kind of changed the feel of that team but at the same time like they're good because of the players they had previously, those stars at the top, right. like Shesterkin also in net, like these weren't moves he right, made. Right, exactly. Like he didn't draft, uh, like he didn't draft the kid line. He didn't. Exactly. Uh, Joe Sackett, probably won the cup. I mean, how do you argue with that? And Joe Sackett, I don't even, like, I and I don't hate because obviously like Joe Sackett did bring this team from the absolute depths of hell to a cup final and, and a Stanley Cup. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't hate it. I just think that again right like at least at least this is a gm that actually did the work yeah. it wasn't like oh i'm you know I, uh, I i kicked the previous gm out of his job and now i'm here and we did good yeah the, the way i see it is this like this one i'm actually okay with just because of the fact that like this was over a period yeah. of time and like here is the payoff you won the cup you're now gm of the year you built this uh you know amazing lineup mm-hmm. right like no one's surprised they won the cup they were, I think, probably the odds-on favorite when the season first started. Yeah. They probably are among at least the top two, three teams that had the best odds. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, he's probably deserving. Oh, it. yeah. But, again, like, yeah. well, how do you measure it? <laughs> he traded for Cogliano. Like that. Sure, that was good. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> at, like, I, I thought um, bringing in, uh, you know, they brought in Darcy Kemper after Grubauer left. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, you can't really argue. I mean, I'm a little concerned about them now. Um, but again, it's like, is this another thing where you trust the process, right? Like I, I thought Pavel Francois when called upon was really good in the playoffs. I'm not a big Georgiev guy. No, me neither. I was the first season he was with the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime I watched him this year, he looked bad. Actually, there was a couple games I went to this season where I found out he was starting just before the game and when I go to games, I sometimes make like small kitty bets just to add like some excitement for a game that's not featuring the Sharks. Right. Um, so I remember changing my like what my bet was going to be because I thought originally Shesterkin was starting and I ended up winning both the bets I made because I was like, yeah, I don't know. I just don't trust Georgiev to win this game. It's a whole it's a, it's a multi-level drop down going from Shesterkin to Georgiev. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was always like higher on... I've always been like higher on Shesterkin even before he was in the NHL. I always thought like Georgiev's not going to be the guy. And I was always really nervous. Like maybe I'm hard on him. Like I think he's just a healthy Aiden Hill. Yeah. And maybe I, that's I too hard. I actually would rather I think have Aiden Hill, honestly. I, I think Aiden, the, the value is higher with Georgiev For just sure. because of the Rangers. And when he first started playing, how good he looked is at least being like maybe a low level starter. Mm-hmm on a high level backup. Um, but at this point, I really don't see much of a difference in their performance. No. Um, from when Hill was playing this year, he actually showed promise a decent amount of the time. I mean, his numbers weren't horrible yeah. for the team. Reimer outplayed him, but he wasn't bad. No, um, like he had, he was, he was pretty up and down. Like when he was bad, yeah. he was really bad. But when he was on, like, I don't know. I like if, if Aiden Hill was the guy, like if it was just Aiden Hill and you didn't bring in James Reimer and that was your answer for Jones, like it's lateral move. 
He had a 906 save percentage. I, he did. <laughs> Jones never had him topped 899 in the last like two years. True. No, I, I see your point. Um, see, I was going to say almost in this regard, like I think Hill maybe looks better because of what we've dealt with the last For few sure. years. So maybe I'm being a little too lenient with him just because I'm thinking of how Martin Jones was the last couple mm -hmm. seasons. Um, but then I think Reimer kind of brings me back down to earth because that's what our real goalie should look like every year. Like right. your starter... I think this year we looked at Reimer as if he was like a Vezina winner. A god, yeah. But like, yeah, the truth is even his save percentage was only 9-11. Mm -hmm. Like, it, he just played very well. He came up big in big moments, and he was consistent, which is what you want from your starting goalie. Um, but by no stretch of the imagination was his, were his numbers like earth-shattering. But right. again, we're kind of like down in the dumps as Sharks fans if the goaltending we've experienced the last few years. So even Hill, to me, looked good this year, um, especially – when he was really good, I thought he was really good. Yeah. You know, and I liked some of his technical skills. He just needs, I don't know, he was a little erratic at times. And I feel like, I don't know, I couldn't quite pinpoint his upside in terms of like consistency, but I liked what I saw at times. Mm -hmm. And I, early in the season, I thought he was going to be our starter. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I worry about the, I, again, like, I, I like Kapokakinen and the goalies, obviously three goalies, um, they, they're going to probably have to make a decision here. I, a lot of people want to move Reimer and maybe it's because I'm just so shell-shocked by Martin Jones. Like I just, I think Kapokakinen's probably going to be the guy, but I mm -hmm. feel like in order to be the guy, shouldn't you have to beat the guy who is the guy right now? Like, yeah. I don't think one of those guys should just be handed the net. I feel like you should one of them has to unseat James Reimer. Yeah. If it's up to me, it really comes down to the return. Mm -hmm. I don't want to give any of them away for nothing. Right. I think we get the most value. I actually don't think there's any chance we trade Kakinen. No, I think, I think Kakinen is the franchise safe. looks at as like our future goalie. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, or at least the one they want to give a chance to be the future goalie. I think it's really between Hill and Reimer. And at that point it comes down to, do you want younger Hill, whose values probably dropped since you originally gave up a second for him? Mm -hmm. um, or do you want Reimer to tandem with Kakinen and form a fairly good, at least a pairing you know is going to be pretty mm -hmm. good? Um, you don't know with Hill what you're getting still. Um, so, But Reimer could probably return something because he's only got one year left, his contract is good, and he's a proven like starter. So one of those top teams who has no cap space might be willing to part away part with something in return for him. So it's, you really got to weigh, if you're the Sharks, what you want out of that. But you can't go into the season with three. It's just not possible. Yeah. They got to move one of them. Yeah, I, 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 I just I understand why people would want to move Rammer, but I feel like even, but even at the deadline, like goalies generally don't fetch much. So I yeah. don't know if like the return for Reimer would be good regardless of when you trade him, but I just feel like if he can have another season like he had this year and you trade him at the deadline, like that's not a bad bad move. Yeah, with moving him, like when I talk about a decent return, I'm talking maybe you get a second round right. pick and a B prospect or a second and a third round pick. I don't know. You're not getting a first round pick probably for any of our goalies. Uh Kemmel finally gets drafted by the Nashville there Predators at seventeen. Right. So Right. I think that that um, I get this point, I think would it fair to say like your top tier players in this draft are now all off the board. Yeah, I'm pretty sure everyone from my top 15 list is gone except Lambert and Yurov. Mm -hmm. And Yurov, we known all along that was a huge risk factor. Yeah. 
Um, cause I mean, really he probably should have gone top six or top seven based on his abilities. Um, Lambert, he could go anywhere. Like some people had him ranked even in their thirties. So you never know where he's going to go. Um, but yeah, at this point the top board's gone. So like, it's really anyone's guess who each pick's going to be like, you got McKenzie's like top guys. Um, but yeah, it's now is when it becomes more of a guessing game. I mm-hmm. think. 10 more picks till the Sharks. Can we tap dance until then? Stay tuned. <laughs> Special. Oh, the I'm first round so awful because it, it is so slow. Yeah, that's why you need to be a top 15 pick. Because at this point, you have your picks and you're discussing the pick. Why have you done you're this to me, excited Sharks? excited or bummed. Yeah. This is because I... Maybe we uh, get lucky. Maybe they trade up to like 20. May, yeah, and that, that was a question earlier in the chat too. Is like, do we see a situation where the Sharks maybe trade back up? I don't think so, but you never know. Like, unless yeah. they think, like, a guy that they've identified might go off sooner or they get, like, a, a sniff of it. But I just, I just wonder yeah. if it, like, again, this is a weird, this is a weird draft. It's not as, I think we've been really spoiled in the last few drafts mm-hmm. um, with some of, like, the just the top-end talent that's been available. Um, I think this draft, it's, the drop-off was pretty steep after the, the top yeah, I'm looking at McKenzie's list, and it looks like everyone from his top 15 has gone except Urov. Mm-hmm. And then he also has Lambert right there at 16. So after that, he's pretty much spot on right now with who's been taken. Um, the only one that's kind of climbed that was lower on his list was Ogren and Matejcik. So, yeah. yeah he's- um, Skyler in the chat, like, are we surprised that there's been no, like, the Sharks haven't did any trades? I'm not. Yeah. I'm not because I don't think like okay like maybe Brent Burns can get you something of value but is he going to get you a top like is he going to get you a pick that would have been had already I don't think Brent Burns like Brent Burns I think gets you a return I don't think the return's that good like I don't think he's getting you a a top 10 pick or a top 15 pick you'd yeah, have to retain think... like a just a god awful amount of salary to do that yeah, and also just the factor of Greer just coming in. Um, I think he's going to settle into the role. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to think about it. He's probably still having his first conversations. I mean, I'm sure he drew up during the extensive interview process a master plan of what he envisioned for the Sharks' like turnover. Right. But it, actually acting on that then is a whole other step. He's got to make calls. He's got to speak to GMs. He's got to get feelers out there. Like, this is not a two-second thing in most cases. Like, most things don't just come out of left field like Joe Thornton's trade did when right. it happened. Like, like I just I don't it's... think any of those players like that that are listed are going to net you the kind of return that, that you have to do it right this second. That you couldn't yep. do it tomorrow. Or you can't mm-hmm. even wait till after the draft when you might, you know, like get a, another GM's attention and and try and be the dentist. I just I none of those players to me anyway are players that are gonna net you return that you have to do it today. I'm not upset that they haven't done anything with those players yet because I don't think any of them net you what you're looking for today, unless you're packaging something completely off the board, like you're deciding for whatever reason, please don't do this, but you're like, oh, well, I don't know if we're going to have the money for Timo Meyer. So, you know, Timo Meyer and Radim Shimmick, like then at that point, yeah, okay, I can we can have that conversation, but I just, those players alone, there's nothing that has to be done today. Yeah, I think 
I think we'll see the moves come. It, it this is not going to be a quiet summer, I think, for the Sharks. No, it and shouldn't be. when those moves happen is going to be anyone's guess. Um, what do we have? Free agency is it a week from now? Uh, yep. My days are all messed up because of this whole different this schedule. Because normally by now we would have drafted what two weeks ago, yeah. three weeks ago, and free agency would have been. The oh, first. I should change the. I but. should change the ticker, shouldn't I? Uh, who will uh, Give me a second here. I will. I will update the ticker. I didn't want to do it on air, but you know it is. It is what it is. Let's finish up twenty seventh. We'll change that to twenty seventh, and then I don't want to do the whole trade. We'll be here. So next up, we've got Dallas. Watch two minutes from now, Dallas has traded their first overall first round pick for Brent. <laughs> yeah, right. And then after just talking about just it, just because that's what uh, what happens. Um, do you think that Canadian teams it's safer for them to draft Russians than U.S. teams? No, no, I don't think it's. I think Russia's being very weird right now, and I think. Look, the way things are in Russia, I mean, especially if you're drafting from one of their top teams and their buddies Putin and they don't want their player to go, then they can just manufacture stuff to keep them in the country, apparently. Um, I don't think I, I don't think it's safer for a Canadian team over a U.S. team. I don't think it's it's I think it's just an, an NHL versus KHL thing at this point. Would you agree with that? I would. Um, I feel like they just kind of get paired together. And it's also, from Russia's perspective, probably them against the world. Yeah, at this point. So it's... I don't yeah, I don't think uh, one I, NATO country has it better than another at this point. No, no. And it's really... I don't think anyone knows what's going to happen with any of that stuff that's going on. Not, like, even, obviously, away from the impact on hockey. But, like, it's anyone's guess, right? right? So, like, this is kind of unfounded territory for this generation and, like, the world in the modern sense. Yeah, because this, so. this stuff, like, this kind of stuff, like, this was, like, this is old Red Army stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know. Who'd they, who did they take? The Dallas Stars have selected. Bischel. Bixel. Mm -hmm. That's the defenseman that I liked for the late first round. Okay. Uh, not, Brent, not a Brent Burns trade. Sorry to say, guys. Nope. Well, that rumor or that fan fantasy is going to have to go out the window for now. Ken Holland on the phone. Oh, man. But even on that same point we were talking <laughs> about, um, I even read that there were some teams that have already, like, absolutely removed Russians no matter what round it right. is. So, like, imagine someone like Yurov dropping to, like, a team wouldn't even take him in the fourth or fifth round. That's how uncertain they yeah. are. Um, so at that level, you know, I can't see the Sharks being one of those teams who would take one of them. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. It just seems like a risk that's not worth taking unless you're like on your, I don't know, maybe for like Arizona who used to have what eight right. top two round picks. You can shed one of those. I mean, they just got rid of a few of them to the mm -hmm. Sharks, but. But yeah, if you're yeah. Arizona, you can absolutely take that gamble because you're, you're picking a hundred times. Like I would be like, as much as I like a guy like Yurov, like if the Sharks pick him at twenty seven, like I don't know how happy I am about that. Not because I don't like the player, just because concerned. I am super concerned that he may just never be able to come. Yeah, see the one that um I had my eyes on was Murashnichenko. Mm -hmm. Um he obviously had the diagnosis um with lymphoma oh, yeah. and he apparently medically 
is doing much better. It's anyone's guess as to how accurate that is. Um, but he was originally slated to go like top three or four before this season in this draft. Now you add the Russian fact to that. Is he available at the Sharks pick at 45? I think there I'd be okay doing that. I think I'd be okay risking the 45th yeah. pick for a guy who should have gone top five. Um, especially when you already had two picks take um, in the books at that point. But at 27, I'm still going to be somewhat cautious. That's your first pick. Yeah. And there's too many other good names available at that point to risk never getting a player that will never come to North America. Right. Yeah, I don't think you – like to trade down and then not take a player that is – gonna play ideally Mm -hmm. like just based on you know and this again it's not based on his skill it's based on politics which sucks but that's the world we live in yeah yeah does play a role so i mean yeah (laughs) you know and pj 48 in the chat saying like russian hockey players have been threatened and extorted for 30 years but for the most part it's been under the table now it's above the table it's crazy to see what's happening yeah i mean again like the the stuff happening in russia right now that it's it's wild it's stuff that i never thought in my wildest dreams we would go back to exactly like i just you know like there's always going to be like obviously like the khl and nhl we're going to squabble over an agreement for transfer agreements and i there's always going to be that kind of tension but to do the things that are happening now where it's like oh actually no you have military service and i mean obviously like just stuff that we've never encountered before or that's never really come to light before like no one i know like some players do go back to their countries because that have like i know nico he went back one year and did some military service over the summer mm-hmm. um so i mean i understand like that is a thing that happens but we've never really heard that with russians where they're you know actively at war well and that's true and that's the other thing too right like obviously (laughs) they are currently in a war with the ukraine so i mean that does change the the landscape a little bit but yeah i think most of the european countries to some degree require some sort of service like i know i've got friends who are from like greece and italy and spain i know the ones from greece like they they're supposed to do a year of service i think it was one year maybe two but um but there's like all these ways of getting out of it. Like if you're working internationally and delaying it, you can keep delaying right. it. But that's a whole different ball game when you're Putin's running your country and you're at war with another country. Right. So it's yeah, it's 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 like we were saying unfounded territory. It is. No, it, there's no way of knowing what's going to happen with these kids. And now that you're hearing about a player being detained, that's terrifying, yeah. right? Like he's literally being forced to stay to serve in an act of war. So it's like, yeah. Scary stuff. And then you wonder, what is it going to do to Mitch Cobb next year, who is supposed to be a generational talent? Right. right? Yep. Supposed to be slated for number two or number three overall um, of what is supposed to be one of the better drafts in recent history. So what happens with him? Is he going to somehow drop um, like his deal is with the KHL through 2026? What are teams going to think about mm-hmm. that? That's what I'm really interested in as well. Yeah, and that's the and that's the other thing too, right? Like, there's always like again, there's always been like stories of like, you know, having to having to pay people off or whatever, and it's like, mm. and it sucks, right? Like, I feel bad for for a lot of these Russian players that constantly get asked these Putin questions because like, they literally could put their family in danger. That's not over here, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I think it's, it's, I understand people like you know you want people to say the right things, but I. I mean, these some of these guys are, you know, I mean, look at some of these guys are absolutely Putin fanatics, and I'm, 
to me, I, I don't know how you justify that. Like if my, if my leader was crazy, like Putin, I wouldn't stand here and not say bad things about him. But I mean, to, but I wouldn't want to put my family in danger either. Right. Like I can, I can, yeah. I can call the prime minister a, a dork and, and no one's coming for my family when I do that. Right. Like my family's not going to get disappeared tomorrow. Um, not so much in Russia, man. And that's, and that's, that's scary. And I feel bad for players that are put in that situation. Yeah. I think that's the big element is always the family element. Like Ovi is one of the ones we talk about. He's probably a bestie mm-hmm. of Putin. Like it's fair. Like it's pretty out there. Yeah. Um, but some of the other players, like, I feel like they're mostly just quiet because there's not a single one of them who doesn't at least have an extended relative or some sort of direct family there, you know, and those, and like you mentioned, they're a direct threat based on what you say. We've seen what's happened to people who've spoken out there. It's not Not, good. Not good. No one wants to get, I don't blame those guys for, I almost hate that they even get asked those questions by the media. Cause it's like, why are you trying to put him in this position? Like, I know you need to write an article, but like, think about this guy's position right now. No. Uh, Ogren to Wild nineteen or your garden. Okay, not bad. Wait, what? Oh, so I had the wrong um, your garden mm. guy before, didn't I? I had it was Oastland who went first. Yeah. Never mind, I had my whole thing back. Oh, okay, that's surprising to me. Yeah, so Ogren. I would have thought Ogren would have gone first, uh, and that's the Kevin Fiala pick. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so let me go back here a little bit here. Just a couple of things. Um, uh, Jim Nill, when asked about Klingberg, says they've been talking for about 10 days, so they'll see where it goes. I can't see Klingberg sticking around. I just, I can't see it. Um, let me see if there's anything else here I need to uh, touch on in the chat. I think we're okay as I scroll through it. Um, does anyone have any clues going to be coached? I have no idea, man. Uh, I'm curious to yeah. see what's going to happen. Um, obviously, like a lot of people have made the the David Quinn connection. I don't. It's not inspiring. No, I mean, the, there are definitely worse options for sure. Um, but. Yeah, I. I'm not really in a place where there's really any one coach that I want, to be honest. It's like I'm kind of more interested in there being a name who hasn't been um, like recently fired. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like even kind of the fact that I'm excited with Greer as a new GM, I'm kind of tired of recycling the same names. You know what I mean? Like um, I wouldn't mind if there was one of those new guys coming along who is either like a stud in the AHL in terms of coaching or – even from somewhere else. Yeah. Um, yeah, I forget who was it LeBron who had the article recently on the athletic that went through the whole list of entire list of coaches who are probably like the next candidates, next big candidates. And there was like three or four names on there that I liked. Um, but for the most part, again, like I'm not as dialed in with a lot of what their bodies of work have right. been. So I couldn't even tell you who, like, oh, yeah, this is absolutely the one coach I want the Sharks to have. Yeah, I'm going to go back in the chat here. Uh, Blutch in the chat saying it's also NATO's fault for exploiting the situation. I wonder what would have been the U.S. reaction if their athletes had been banned from any sports competition since 2003. And I I don't really want to get too into the weeds on this. Uh, So all I'm going to say is this. um, If you don't want your athletes to get banned from national competition, don't have a state-sponsored doping thing right like the the it's not because of the the ukraine that this has happened they this is a the the country got caught with a state-sponsored doping um 
ring and it's obviously when you get caught doing that kind of stuff um like look at obviously again i don't want to get super into the weeds here doping happens in all levels of sports in many different countries um but when you get caught these are the consequences yep <laughs> that's that's about what i can add to that <laughs> i feel same boat like i'm not this is definitely an area where i feel like i'm not as knowledgeable as some other people from the political aspect of things mm -hmm. i try to keep my mind away from that stuff it's just stressful yeah. day in and day out um but yeah it, this is a big issue and it expands beyond a lot of things that people would directly pinpoint it to mm -hmm. you know it's it's more than just some players and even doping and like this is the whole culture that comes out of what's going on in russia yeah down from top Top I end, mean, would right? I want to so. be completely surrounded by the biggest military alliance in the world? No. No, no. I, I wouldn't. I, I So I, I can I can understand that from a Russian perspective. Like, do I think that it's black and white, NATO are the good guys and Russia are the bad guys? No. No, I do not. It's complicated. It's gross. And again, like, again, I don't want to get super into the weeds. I, I Yeah, but let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> so caps are on the caps clock. are on the clock uh, Andrew, Andrew Burnett would you be uh, interested in Andrew Burnett coming to coach the Sharks um yes and no I kind of feel weird taking two fired Florida coaches in a row <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> true um but yeah I mean he was up for coach of the year mm -hmm. right he did good things there so um yeah, I, I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, I... But again, I don't feel overly strong one way or another. I think that... I mean, I give him a lot of credit for what he did in Florida. I mean, Quenville went out and he basically kept the train on the tracks right up until the playoffs. Um, and look, I... You know, did you... Should they have done better against the Lightning? Maybe. they They definitely had pieces, but the tampa bay lightning yeah like get, there's no shame in losing to tampa right. i think everyone going into that series was probably gonna i don't know i did feel like florida might do a little bit more this year just because of how jack their lineup was but i still looked at them kind of as i looked at um i want to say colorado a year or two ago like just an unproven but super talented team yeah um and again tampa's just a beast the, no one in the east has been able to take them down for three years now so there's no shame in losing to mm -hmm. them um but yeah i don't know brunette there's worse names out there yeah. it's kind of similar to quinn mm -hmm. you know i wouldn't be overly happy or upset if either one came our way uh who's washington taken oh is it you're off oh mirish there's we go first russian oh he's even in the building look at that they smuggle them out. Yeah, right? Is he just going to stay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. 20th Mershinko. overall. Okay. So we've the Russian factor is officially off the board yep. now. It is the Capitals. So Ovi power. That's true. That's true. That's that's a factor. That's a factor. He does have he, Ovi. <laughs> Ovi will just text Putin. Be like, yeah, listen, listen, I need him in the yeah, lineup right caps, now. Yeah, Caps, no fear. Yeah, I, I think yeah. if you're uh, if you're a team, if, if you're the Washington Capitals and you have Alexander Ovechkin on your team, um, maybe you feel a little more. I, I like it. I I like the pick. 
I think yeah. Washington probably has less to fear than other things. Um, obviously, uh, hopefully, like again with his health, uh, is is good because uh, lymphoma is a scary, uh, a scary, scary thing. Um, so hopefully mm-hmm. he's. He also had injuries this year away from. Yeah, that. so I'm, like, I'm it, hoping his that whole he's healthy. Year was like so weird. Yeah. I think good for him. Yeah, 6'1", 185, though, and great all-around player. Yeah, I like the player. I like the player. Um, skates in the offseason with Melkin. I mean, there's worse guys you could skate with in the offseason. Pretty good guy to train yeah. with, yeah. All right, so what, that was 20. Mm-hmm. We're a few picks away from the Sharks again. Don't screw this there up. There are guys. some decent names on the board. Um, none of my top guys, but... Um, Lambert's still there. Um, I will not be upset at 27 if we get Lambert. That would be pretty sweet. Super sweet. And I mean, imagine... at, at a minimum, I think he's a middle six player. At a minimum, with his skills, I don't see how he doesn't make the NHL and contribute. And if you have top line upside, that that's pretty acceptable where you're where we'd be picking. Yeah, I think if you can if you can pick up Lambert at 27, I mean seeing the way this has gone obviously with the benefit of hindsight like that's not a terrible move that looks way better than than throwing down on him at 11 mm-hmm. i mean again with the benefit of hindsight oh for sure yeah um i know there was some hype more hype recently on owen pickering i personally wasn't really high on the guy um he got 33 points in 62 games this past year with Swift Current, but he is um, six foot five, 178, and not a terrible skater. Right. So, like again, that whole obsession with like big defensemen. Yep. Anytime someone thinks they can get like the next Zdeno Chara, like they're gonna Teams go higher. Teams are still trying than... to do that, aren't they? Yeah, they always <laughs> will be. But <laughs> I mean, you have to remember back to our Taylor Doherty oh, days, right? Nick Petrucci. Yeah, Taylor Doherty for sure. <laughs> yeah. Back when he was our top prospect, <laughs> those are sad, sad times. Well, you know what? Here's the thing with Nick Petrecki, and I've always said this: Nick Petrecki was a fine pick. The problem was mm-hmm. was the Sharks picked him, and then the rules changed. Yeah, right. Like I feel like if you could still water ski, like Nick Petrecki would have been great NHL defenseman. The problem was yeah. the rules changed, and I do kind of miss those days when we had multiple first round picks. Though it's always exciting. It is. Like even the year we took uh, Bernier. Mm-hmm. And we had the two first-round picks that year. Sad. I miss those days. Like, I feel like we're the only team who probably hasn't had multiple first-round picks in the last, like, the last know, little decade. Bit, yeah. yeah. I mean, it would have been nice if to anything, hit on we're some lucky of to even picks. have a first-round pick, usually. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. Does it matter if you don't hit? I Yes. I mean, so far, interesting. I'm curious to see what Pittsburgh's going to do here. Because I wonder if Pittsburgh, like, again, you know... Um, I wonder if like players like teams that have Russians like significant Russians on the roster are going to be the ones that are going to try and are really you know to take to take a guy like Yurov who's falling. Uh, now we don't know what Malkin's going to do yet, but yeah, unsigned at the mm-hmm. moment. I liked his comment today on Latang's <laughs> yeah. uh, on the post. He's like, I hope I don't have to play against you. <laughs> that was good. Appreciate that. What do you think of uh, Mark Andre Fleury uh, re-upping in? Uh, in uh minnesota um i'm a big fan of flurry that's why i always hated that he was on um vegas Mm -hmm. um 
I like his game. He's old these days, but three and a half million for him is not bad, right? Like, yeah, he's 37. Um, three and a half million for two years, and you have him and Talbot like competing, I guess, for the job. Yeah. Unless they plan to move Talbot, but um, I think they're just gonna continue to try to win. I mean, they've got some of the pieces that they need. They looked like a really elite team at times this year. I actually thought they'd do better in the playoffs, but. Um, yeah, I think they got him at a good rate. In two years, it's a full new no move clause, so he's gonna be there. I think he was tired of moving cities at this point, right. at this late point yeah. in his career. But um, yeah, I don't hate the move for them. I I, I I wonder a little bit about the term. Two years, you think yeah. so? I it's just the same thing. It's just when goalies get up there, right? Because when goalies fall off, man, they fall off a cliff. That is true. Um, I'm trying to think. So, like worst case scenario, let's say he's absolutely horrible this year, mm-hmm. right? Um, he's relegated to backup duties, and then you're paying a backup for three That's and a half terrible. million. Three and a half million yeah. could be worse. I mean, our starting goal is only making two point two, so yeah, it's pretty bad when you look at it from that angle. So I see your mm-hmm. point. Um, I think it's a pill you can swallow for his upside, yeah. but all right, Penguins. Oh, they just brought in Latang to make yep. the pick, huh? Fresh off that new deal. Pickering. Okay. 21st. All right. He's off the board. Do you like that for the Penguins? Yeah, I think it's a solid pick. I don't think he's got, like, a lead upside. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think he plays in the NHL. And, like, he's a reliable guy without any major weaknesses. Um... Yeah, I think he's in all situations defenseman. So that could be a good pick. Actually, um, I've seen him compared to like Tyler Myers. Okay. Which early on in his career, Tyler Myers is a pretty good defenseman. Yep. And like, I think that's kind of exactly how I'd look at Pickering. Big guy, play all situations, but not really great at any one thing. Right. So yeah, at 21, right? That's the pick, 21. That's not bad. Still some, I mean, and again, if he does still some players. Team. Like with the way things have kind of gone here, like I... I, I hate the I mean obviously there's a couple players that that went earlier that I would have loved the sharks to have but mm-hmm. I, I I with time to reflect like I'm not super mad about the the sharks trading down yeah and the fact that someone like Kemmel drops that much makes me then concerned like am I attached to this player too much or like are the people who's I don't know rankings I've also been scouring through like I mostly see highlight reels small games here and if a player played like in a nationally televised game like world juniors i'll see that or like olympics mm-hmm. for example like you get to see those but otherwise you're looking at highlight packages yeah. right so you may be missing out on something then if these teams have scouts there at like half their games or a handful of their games and they're saying okay yeah no this guy's not a top 15 pick then maybe it's my ratings that i'm just kind of like a little bit off and a little overrating the guy yeah. um yeah it's 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 one thing when your team goes off the board. It's another thing when a bunch of teams don't choose a guy. So yeah. Then again, Barzal, the year he dropped, he was super talented, and there were some questions <sighs> with him. What so. was Boston thing? Like, could you imagine? Like, yeah. So oh they would God, be right? they would be an absolute cap hell. But could you imagine? <laughs> I was still living in Boston at the time, and I had some good friends who were hockey fans. And I have to tell you, I was laughing my ass off throughout that draft because 
I was kind of bummed actually originally we took Timo Meyer because I really wanted Connor or Barzal with our yep. pick and um, I even would have been fine with Branton in our pick yeah. um, at the time so like I was aiming for those guys or one of the defensemen it was Provorov and Warren but they were but off they the board. to us yeah exactly so that's why when we took Timo Meyer I was like I don't hate this because yeah he's probably gonna be like at least a second line player mm -hmm. I didn't think he'd be as good as he was now um, but I was like okay I don't hate this but I'm a little bit upset but then when I saw the Bruins go three picks in a row without taking either Connor or Barzal. I was like, what is happening? And I just love dysfunction in Boston. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah, like me too. So, yeah, when I saw that, I was just like, I remember I was texting my buddies, just dying. It was great. It's one of those things because, like, before before the Sharks were in the league, obviously as a hockey fan, and I was a Montreal Canadiens fan, so, like, my hate for Boston stems from that. And even though, like, mm -hmm. I like Montreal is absolutely dead to me, um... I still like there, but some of the like some of the teams that I hated when before the Sharks were in the league, like I just I can't shake the hate, and Boston's definitely up there. Like, why do you hate Boston? Well, because a Canadians fan before the Sharks came in the league, and I just haven't shook it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, and if you have any exposure to um, Bruins fans, it can be <laughs> especially when you live in their backyard. Yeah, they can be a tough. Yeah, one of one of my only... really good friends was was a Bruins fan uh, when we were growing up. So yeah. It was always yeah, fun. the only time I've ever like I've been always the opposing fan as a Sharks fan growing up in New York. I've gone to more of their Sharks Northeastern games than I've gone to obviously in San right. Jose. I mean, I've made the trek out there multiple times, but like I, my home base is here. So I go to every Rangers, Devils, Islanders games for the Sharks. I've gone down to Philly. I've gone up to Montreal, Boston. I've been to Chicago. So I've been to all these places, the Florida cities. Mm -hmm. So I'm always uh, the opposing fan. The only place I almost got into a fight was in Boston. And it was because... Not in um, Philly. And No, actually, no. In Philly, it was... To be fair to the Philly fan, um, the the Flyers, but in Philly, their fans, it was an afternoon game on a Sunday. Oh, okay. So <laughs> there were a lot of families. Out. All right. But the Bruins game, my God, th there was this one idiot just yelling in my ear the entire way out after the Bruins won the game. And I was wearing a Hurdle jersey, and the whole time he was just yelling, Hurdle sucks, Hurdle sucks. And I was with my um, ex-girlfriend at the game at the time who was a Bruins mm -hmm. fan. And I just remember thinking, like, I'm seeing red right now, but this guy's here with his boys. What am I going to do, right? There's, like, five right. of them. And he's just being an arrogant asshole. And I was just like, this is, like, the worst moment for me. Because I, it's hard enough being an opposing fan in some cities, let alone a city like Boston. And then you have to deal with that crap after losing a game. Yeah, so that that's something that always is in my mind. So whenever bad things happen to Boston sports teams, I usually enjoy it. TJ saying he was a Boston's fan before the Sharks got a team. Uh, listening out, like yeah, Ray Bork, Adam Oates, uh, Andy Moog. Andy oh, Moog legends. is a goalie mm -hmm. that I super love and just had unfortunate the just he was in a division with Patrick Waugh. Because I don't yeah. think Andy Moog gets nearly the amount of love he should get in hindsight. No, he's a very good goal in the 90s. Um, yeah, no, the Bruins had, had, I mean, they're, they haven't really won as many cups as you'd want them to for an original six franchise, sure. but they have some legendary names yep. in their history. Um, so I mean, I respect the franchise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Their fans just annoy yeah. me. <laughs> it's really as simple as that. Right. Uh, Cole, do we take Hughes, the lesser Jack Hughes? Um, he should be available in our range. Um, he's a name that I circled if the Sharks traded back late into the first round or early second round. Um, I don't know. He didn't have a bad freshman year, but 
His numbers don't really stand out. Um, I think he's more of like a depth player. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's got much star potential, but... Mason McTavish making the pick. Uh, I didn't hear. Gauthier. Yeah, he's a big forward. Uh, 22. Okay. I'm fine with that. That's not necessarily one that I really wanted the Sharks to take. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got some goal-scoring abilities. Do you but, hate it? Do you yeah, hate him going guy. in the division, though? Yeah, the Ducks get him as well. And he is a big player. He's 200 pounds plus as well. Um, big center. Mm-hmm. I remember reading that people thought he could rise because he was a big center. Because um, he's right. This is right in the range he was projected. But some thought he could go top 15. Right. Um, that's a good pick for them. Yeah. In that range, that's pretty good. Add that to Minshikov. They're having a pretty good they're draft. A good draft. So, yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a bummer. I always like that's the. I always I I mean the the Q. It's the Q. Um, big guy scoring goals in the Q. Do I am I impressed? I, I a little bit. Under a point per game in the Q always kind of turns me yeah. off. Yeah. Right. I feel like the Q is the higher scoring. Like I feel like you need Defense to put up more optional. points in the Q. But but the, uh, thirty-one goals in sixty-six games is no. bad. No, not bad at all. I mean, and again, like uh, coming out, uh, coming out of their ramparts, good, good program. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Um, so I mean, yeah, I my OHL bias always uh, always comes in, always comes and bites me a little bit. I mean, again, like one of them, you know, Q Q team wins the Memorial Cup, so. Didn't get the respect yeah, they deserved. Look, the Sea Dogs probably uh, a lot of teams overlooked them coming in. Uh, obviously, they got bounced early in the Q playoffs. Uh, bringing a new coach, win the Memorial Cup. You know, so I credit to the credit to the Q. I mean, like again, like I, I don't think the Q is a bad league. I just think it's the lesser of the three Canadian leagues. Three, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I usually would say OHL, WHL, and then QMJHL. Yeah. Um, is how I'd look at it. But yeah, PJ saying a lot of teams had had got your heart. I mean, with this draft, who who knows, man? <laughs> this draft is yeah, been I think, fun. Again, it's always that overrating of like centers and size. Yeah. So players like him, and then like defensemen, I always think like those are the players that I tend to not hope are not get attached to because I'm like, there's no way I have any idea where this guy's going in terms of like falling to the Sharks or going being available in the range because it's just anyone's guess like. Having that number one center is the most coveted thing in hockey. Yeah. It's not quite as big as like quarterbacks in football, but it's if there's there. someone who's going to jump, it's a big center. Yeah. So um, that or like a D-man. I mean, you've seen a lot of the D-men went earlier in this draft, and I think some had expected. There were definitely some lists that had Nemec and Juracek as high as they were, but um, to have all of the defensemen that I looked at, like I think it was like five or six of them now already off the board is kind of surprising because we're only at 22 so. kevin weeks apparently reporting that several teams are expressing interest in Habs veteran goalie jake allen uh adding some interested clubs washington edmonton new jersey and more oh if you're the oilers and jake allen's your guy man i don't Ooh. that's not an yeah i don't know Ooh. i don't know former blue he's he was on the yep. blues right I'm, I'm not thinking of the wrong nope. guy yeah former blues goalies i think are the most overrated goalies for some reason these players look great in um when they're with the blues and then they leave and they're just like 
okay. Yeah. Um, Allen being one of those guys, and I just I don't know if you're looking for him and he's your solution. What What are you doing? I don't know. I I am not a big Jake Allen guy. I've never no. had been even when he was on the Blues. I mean, like goalies are head cases just in general, but he's extra head casey for a goalie. I think. I mean, look yeah. at like. <laughs> You don't want to be too hard on him based on his play in Montreal, obviously. Um, but, yeah, Jake Allen, he's just not a guy. Like, when we did our goalie tier list, I think I had him in in my, like, 1B tier. And uh, to me, that's Jake Allen. Like, Jake Allen's a 1B guy in yeah. this league. And I just um, I think if you're a contending team, if you're Ken Holland, going from Mike Smith to Jake Allen, like, oh. Yeah, and I, exactly what I was saying. So you look at his last year with the Blues, mm-hmm. 927 save percentage, 215 goals against average. But lost the net to Now, yes. Yeah, exactly. Goes to Montreal, 907, 905. Big drop-off. Now, he did have a couple seasons in St. Louis where he did have numbers in that mm-hmm. range, so it's not completely off the board. But his career average is 911 um, save percentage. Two years in Montreal, not great. Montreal sucks, right. but still um i just don't know if you're edmonton why is that your solution you just saw what happened with mike smith is he really that much of an improvement anymore I don't think so. I put like in the same tier of goalie yeah exactly so i don't know and also the thing about this that annoys me is i just want one rumor with the sharks we haven't really had any rumors with the sharks in terms of like players and interest i if there's teams going after jake allen they have to be calling the sharks about reimer Right. You would think that would only make you would think you'd you'd think exactly. But we haven't heard a single like thing about, oh, people are calling the Sharks actively about their goalies. Mm -hmm. Like, how come? Why? Why is that not happening? That's the only time I'm really confused with not making a move yet. I want to at least hear some conversations like the wheels are turning. And yeah, you know, I agree. And it's just I wonder if it's just because of like with the the GM search, like things were kind of quiet out of San Jose. Although like Mike Greer ended up being the guy and he was basically, you know, he was heavily rumored to be the guy for yeah. quite some time. So I don't know. I, I know the sharks try to keep things protected better than the nuclear codes. And that doesn't always work out for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they hate any sort of leaks. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious, which as a fan is kind of frustrating at times. Uh, Jimmy Snuggerud for the uh, Blues there he goes. at 23. Right. Okay. Right. Solid. Um, wasn't terribly high on him, even though they compare him somewhat to Timo Meyer in the way he mm-hmm. plays. But um, big forward. Yeah. I mean, can score. I really like what the states have done with the national development program. Like, they produce it's unreal. Some really, really good players. It's, it's, it is, in my opinion, one of the best developing programs in the world um oh yeah considering and considering where it came from i mean amazing stuff i always like whenever a guy comes out of the national development program i'm always like yeah maybe i didn't have him there but like i will trust the process yep bordello yeah right yeah i think it's and it's only been really 10 years right 15 years since the national development program has really become the powerhouse that it Mm -hmm. is like at this point are you feeling better about any other league at the level you are with that? Maybe some of the Canadian juniors teams in particular. Sure. Um, but yeah, when I see national development program, I know like 10 years ago when I saw it, I was still like, eh, yeah, guys yeah. going to college. We'll see. But now it's like, oh yeah, no, they're producing studs every single year yeah. in the top two rounds. 
yeah, I think the work that USA Hockey has done there, I mean, just it's absolutely phenomenal what they've done. Um, and I, I, I think, like, again, like, I, I, American players have come so far. And I think it's if you put money into something, it will it will do well. And obviously, that's something <laughs> the Americans have no shortage of. Um, yeah, I, I think it's what they've done with this program. I think, like, they've definitely put USA Hockey on the map. And it's only a matter of time, like, I think until it really starts, um, like, best-on-best best tournaments, like men's tournaments. It's only a matter of time before I think the Americans are going to be a consistent threat there yeah i think that's now the fifth player from the national development program that's been taken already and there's still a bunch more to go yeah that are like, like ricky's saying shl greater than the but I, again i think when you like do i like the do i like look at the, the shl to me is like the number three league in the world yeah but as a fair. program, like considering where, like as a program, I, I still think like what the the Americans have done with the the national development program should be commended because it's it has like for a long time it was just college, but there wasn't yeah, enough if, emphasis putting in on developing those players before they got to college. Yeah, and I really wouldn't even compare the two. Right, I think SHL when you look at it, it's more a product of this player is doing so well in juniors there that they get the boost to the SHL. Right. There's no sort of really, I think, of development in, pre in drafted players. Right? right. Like, yeah, they're playing against men. So we look at it like, oh, wow, they can do this against professional. Great. But if you look at like the national development program, like they're constantly developing these players mm -hmm. for years. Like it's 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 a machine at this point. It is just churning out talent. Um, whereas the SHL, like we said, it's just like a promotion for this young talent right yeah yeah i think and then that's what i think i think just looking at how like just developing the young player like look at like like hockey canada has some issues man um canada doesn't really produce the goaltenders it should anymore and i think like where i think you know I, and I, I like there's again like some of these goalies that have come up connor hallibuck right american yes college yeah. ranks Yep. Like, I, I think they, they've done a lot of, like, again, it's, is it the, the absolute be all and end all of development? No, but considering where it was just 10 years ago, like Mark said, like it's, it should be commended. Yeah. And I think, um, on your point about Canadian goalies, like as high as I am on Benjamin Gaudreau, our prospect, they're talking about him like he's going to be the starter at the next World Junior Championships, and I don't feel like he's that level of prospect mm -hmm. when you think about a power nation like Canada in terms of hockey. Like you should have, I think, a better goalie prospect. You got Kosa, um, Sebastian Kosa, mm -hmm. but um, like I wouldn't think Goodrow would really be in even the conversation for the World Junior Championships team, but he is. So I think it speaks to kind of what you're saying about the goaltending issues. But Kosa is a legit talent. I mean, he. It was surprising last year when he got taken ahead of Wallstead, but he is a legit talent. But again, I feel like um, there was something, there was a stat that was put out of like how, like obviously Canadian goalies, like Canadian CHL goalies, like getting obviously a lot of preferential treatment, I think because a lot more scouts watch there. But like when you look at like some of the guys that are coming up, like they're all coming from Europe. And yeah. I, it's, I think it's just because... I think some teams obviously have 
really good scouting in Europe, but is that across the board in the NHL? I don't believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I usually feel pretty safe with goalies coming from Europe, unless it's the shark signing them. <laughs> right, but even but even then, like if you're signing them, like you're 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 taking a gamble, right? Like obviously Melnichuk yeah. didn't no turn into the guy that I think we all hoped that he could be. But even Kozenash, yeah, yeah, and Kozenash too, right? Uh, although Kozenash was drafted, was he? I thought he was signed when, um, or was he drafted he late? He was drafted I late. I thought we had signed him after that really pick. good. Um, we may have drafted him, but I thought it was after that really good World Junior Championships he had that we got him. But it might have been a draft and not a selection or um, a signing. So I could be wrong I'm on that. Pretty sure Kozenash was drafted. Um, but yeah, I remember the other guy that was it Detroit who signed him. They he was they were calling him the monster, or mm-hmm. whatever the Swedish goalie. Gustafson. I forget his name. Yeah, and he didn't really kind of pan out either. Um, but you're off to the wild, <laughs> considering. Hey. All the stuff going on with Kaprizov. Uh, yeah. Bold. bold. <laughs> really right. bold. 24. 24th. All right. So. Again, like this is a player that to me has fallen based on the politics of the situation rather sure. than uh, skill. Like there's obviously things that are outside. Um to me, this 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 really to me this is like the Merkley pick for the Sharks a couple of years back, right? A player that talent wise, take out all the outside noise, Merkley was a top ten player easily. Oh yeah, easily. And I think with Yurov again, not not anything to do with his fault in this situation. Obviously, like Merkley had some issues on his previous teams, um, where that's where the noise came from. The noise for Yurov was not has nothing to do with the player's skill at all oh corner Kozenash was undrafted all right fair enough Vince G correcting me in the chat yeah I thought it was because I just remember him having that amazing world juniors or was it an Olympics I don't remember what it was but I just remember thinking okay maybe the Sharks have something here um but yeah in terms of Yurov um what I was gonna say is I wonder if these teams oh sh Really? Mm-hmm. Toronto is on the clock. Let's see, are the Sharks moving up? I hope not now. Peter Mrazek and 25th. For 38. Okay. Hmm. There you go. For 38. Does the Blackhawks get Mrazek? Interesting. Fine. I mean, you. Yeah. It's fine. I, I think with what Chicago looks like they're doing, I think you you need somebody to play. Obviously, mm-hmm. Peter Mrazek's not a terrible stopgap guy. No. So this is their third first round pick now. So they got Korchinski, Nazar, and let's see who they get here. Starting to look a little bit better. I still feel it's an L based on what they gave up. Yeah, but it's looking a little bit better for them. Mm. Depending on who they take here, I have no idea. Right. I mean, do they get Lambert? Lambert would be a pretty nice upside pick for them here. He's still available. Yep. I. You know what? And and if there was a team that I thought might like would roll the dice on a guy with Lambert, like the Leafs are definitely one of them. So them them trading the pick, I don't hate. Yeah. Let's see. 
Like if if your if your if your play at this point is to get Lambert, and I think looking at the guys on the board, like I don't hate Lambert here at twenty seven. No, at this point, I'm hoping he drops that's, to the Sharks. That's if the Sharks get the guy him at twenty seven, so I think. Um, I mean, I really would have even been okay with him almost at eleven. I would have been a little bit upset because I just feel like we're reaching there. Mm-hmm. But at eleven, I'd have been okay with. Um, uh, not Mrazic. I don't know why I'm thinking his name just this trade, but <laughs> Lambert would have been fine there. Um, Too much jinx going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lambert will be gone. Yeah. Uh, look at again. If it, I just think if you look at the guys on the board, like Lambert would be a guy that I like. If the Sharks get him, I would be ecstatic. If the Sharks don't get him, I don't like. I, it's not going to change my opinion of of the trade based on the way things have gone. I just think it's a, it's an absolute yeah. steal if you you know for a guy that a lot of people had like pegged for the sharks at 11 like a lot of people really wanted lambert at 11 so to get him at 27 would be amazing so if you think about what the leafs did here they shed 3.8 million in morazic mm-hmm. to move down um do they take you know does that help their does that improve their odds of retaining jack campbell though maybe um Trying to think, so they yeah they they freed up three point eight million. Razik was underperforming there. Um, I, it makes sense if there wasn't like a player they wanted at that spot to move down thirteen spots. It's not the worst move, right? right? Yeah, I, it's it's interesting. There's something else in the chat too. Yeah, Razik was pretty not great this season for. I think. Um, Good job for for Bill Guerin. Uh, Bill Guerin declining to talk about Kaprizov. Uh, not surprised. Um, yeah. Uh, Braden Holtby to the Oilers. A lot of people are making this marriage as well. I, man, again, like, <laughs> I I think there there was a time where Braden Holtby was one of my favorite goalies in the league. No. <laughs> Uh, Braden Holtby again to me. If you're a cup content, if you're looking for a team that's trying to be a cup contender, Braden Holtby doesn't excite me. Yeah, I, if uh, he's in the tail end of his career, mm-hmm. right? No, he's in the middle. He's the like downswing. he's on the downswing. Well, though. he's more like the downswing. I'd say in terms of performance. Correct. Yeah. Um. I don't think he moves the needle. No, basically. No, yeah. I mean he's a safer he's a safer guy than maybe like making move for Georgiev, but even then, that's not saying much. Yeah, Rinzel to the Blackhawks at twenty five. Okay, all right. He's still on the board, kids. <laughs> Sam High school player, right? Eh? Yeah, I feel like that was a bit of a reach. Yeah, it's a weird pick for Chicago. Chicago, not um, weird, man. Weird. Yeah, Central Scouting had him as the 19th North American skater, and Hockey News had him at 42. Um, I don't think he was in McKenzie's top 32. No. It's a weird. This is a weird pick for the Hawks for me. Oh no, he was. He was at thirty-one. Okay. Mackenzie had him at thirty-one. Okay. I it's, mean, it's weird. It, it, but again, early, like but, with yeah. this draft being um, what it is, it's a weird pick. High school 
drafting out of high school always makes me raise an eyebrow. Yeah, because the numbers, you just can't trust right. them. Like, playing against high school kids, it's just like, if you're not putting up amazing numbers, like, what's your issue? Yeah. You know? um, and then that transition usually to, like, college or whatever where's, is where's, a bit where's, slower. Is, where's he committed to? I have I don't have the volume lot. Um, like, Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay. Another Minnesota, yeah. I mean... But that's not till 2023. I think he has another year before then. I don't. Um, with, I don't with, hate it. Like if Minnesota's interested, then I. I don't hate it. Right. Like I think it's like. It's one of those things where it's like it, depending on where they go, you're kind of like okay, maybe right. Like Jasper Weatherview was a pick that I was really confused with at the time, but because he was North Dakota, I'm like, let it play out. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we got? Two now until the sharks uh this one is pick 25 lost, right? so there's one yeah, more montreal's okay. uh next so, on the podium uh, with the trade that they got for Tafoli. lambert's on the board still mm-hmm. um yuri coolidge was a name that i had marked that i liked um yeah Grifurcus is still there but i think he'll be more of like a second rounder <laughs> um, pj saying sharks trade done again this draft show needs to go for another two hours <laughs> Second round's tomorrow. <laughs> if the Sharks do anything else again, we, we just kind of cry. Um, yeah. Look at, uh, let me take a peek at the uh, Yield YouTube. 89 people watching right now, though, man. I mean, like, if if we have entertained you for this whole time, and I think we've we've had to do a ton of tap dancing, so I'm hoping everyone's enjoyed the show so far. I really super appreciate everyone, obviously, watching, um, you know, to come along with this. These are... This is this these shows are difficult. I, I'm not gonna lie. And when it goes as long as we've had to go, I, I feel like we've done a good job. But yeah, this, for sure, this isn't easy. I, I so yeah. I super appreciate everyone being along. I hope that we've entertained. I don't know how great this show is going to be on um, on replay, <laughs> but for you guys that have all been here watching again, subscribe. If you, if you like what you see and you think we've done a good job here, um, the way you can help us is hitting the likes. We got 29 likes so far. Amazing watching. Um, again, we obviously appreciate, look at, um, there's many outlets that you can do. If you've chosen, chosen us, I super appreciate it. And the dead air segments are amazing. Thanks. Hot wheels. I, Again, this is not, uh, this isn't easy. Uh, I'm not going to pretend like this is going to be the easiest show that I've ever done. But I like the challenge of it, and I'm glad that you guys are are, are here along for the ride and super appreciate everyone uh, with the positive words in the chat right now. Um, keeping us going. I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> and I think that these people that are joining in or that have been joining us this whole time, they must share the, the love for the draft like yeah. we do, so... Happy to be on the ride with everyone. Yeah, I mean, and again, like uh, Bill Lockhart saying, you guys did a great job. The extent of your hockey prospect knowledge is awesome for us layman fans. And I'm going to say, like, on the prospect side, it's all Mark. It's <laughs> absolutely all Mark at this point. Um, if I had to do this by myself, we would have sunk. Um, PJ48 uh, with the Super Chat donation again. Uh, you know, two more hours. Um, please, God, no. But uh, thank you. I think we're starting to pick up a little bit of speed with the drafting. So, yeah. yeah. At this rate, what, Sharks will be picking in about 10 minutes? Ideally. We'll see. I mean, Montreal taking... Yeah. Uh, They're on the clock, so... Yeah. Um, <laughs> two more hours. You guys are masochists. <laughs> or sadists. I, I guess sadists. 
you'd be the masochist for going or would we i don't know you guys are masochists yes i i've got this all confused again this is what happens when you've been on uh doing the show for two hours trying to keep things running um the brain turns to mush the brain has turned to mush well with montreal on the clock right you got slavkovsky with the first pick i hope they don't but do they take lambert and get the probably who would have originally been the top two european players coming into the season Yeah, interesting stuff here. Um, Cassie, oh, is that is that a thing that's happened? I haven't heard it announced yet. Uh, AJ in the chat saying Cassie into Arizona with number 29 for a future second and a future third for 32. We'll see if that uh, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Let's... Okay. Uh, Let's see if that uh, comes to fruition here. But I mean, like AJ's. So Arizona moved from thirty-two to twenty-nine. Is that what we're hearing? Yes. Okay. That would be the... interesting to move to that spot when you still don't know who's going to be available. But you're Arizona. Yeah. What if the Sharks skip over Lambert? If he's a bit... look at Lambert's a guy I really like, but there are some red flags there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like there are some red flags. Um... Like, would I be? Would I like? I would like that pick, but do I think that is the be all and end all pick for the Sharks? No, no. It would be it would be a nice like again for for people that had Lambert in that eleven range to to, to trade back, get some more draft capital, and still get Lambert if that was the play all along, is a hell of a move for the Sharks. Yeah. So Montreal's pick is in about to make it but I, i'm with you like at this point i don't think there's any one player that's gonna go mm-hmm. in the next two picks that i'm gonna be super like yes excited about right. like even lambert at this point like it'll be great to get him this yeah. late but uh who's montreal taken philip massar for montreal at 26 okay all right lambert's still on the board for the sharks again like he will be on the board all right um okay <laughs> so on the clock i mean i really don't know who i wanted to take lambert would be lambert great. would be fine like um, i'd be like i'm not gonna point, be yeah. mad at the pick but i'm not like you're right like i'm not it's not gonna be like eklund last year where i would have jumped out of my chair and done exactly. something super silly online like i will like mm-hmm. it um yeah at this point i would be very happy with that just because i just didn't think he'd last at this point i also correct. didn't think the sharks would be picking here um a few other names luca del bel Belus. Mm-hmm. um he has offensive abilities but he's also got some weaknesses like i mentioned jagger Furcus. um there's always jack hughes the big defense when i talked about maverick lamoureux um one time sharks make the pick yeah. we all want man eklund like did you did not like the eklund pick question mark everyone loved it yeah like how could you not like it if that was like you said the jump out of your seat exciting time when you're taking a pick yeah yeah like i was so ecstatic to get eklund at seven like i thought like each pick that went by and he wasn't taken <sighs> i was just like oh i didn't think he was God, gonna make it past Detroit. Slowly happening yeah exactly like we were mentioning anytime as a top euro player especially a swede mm-hmm. like come on he's going to detroit but all right so sharks on the clock i don't think there's a chance they move again right yeah they at this point i can't I can't imagine, uh, but we will see. I mean, it's super exciting. This is this is the moment we've all been waiting for after they traded the picks. So <laughs> <laughs> two and a half, oh, three and a half hours later, three and a half hours later, this is the moment. Interesting stuff. 
Um, I'm, I'm curious to see. Like, I, I figure at this point, like, 27 will we'll go to the end here. Um, yeah. I didn't think, like, if the Sharks made their pick at 11, like, what were we going to do this whole, the whole rest of the draft? Nah. But, um... Maybe not. <laughs> mods, need some help here. Need some help, mods. Help us out. I forgot about Isaac Howard. He's still available, too. Isaac Howard would be a nice pick. Some had him... So, Central Scouting had him as the ninth north american skater um like again i don't love his upside i think he's more of a middle six forward but even uh, mckenzie had him at 20 yeah national development program this is like look at I, I again like i think teal town does a really good thing um that we do we do good work i think we do good work i'm obviously very happy with the work that we do um i still think as far as youtube goes we're a very tiny speck but to, if we're getting porn marks, we have to be doing something right. Have to be doing something right. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's how you know you've made it. Porn bots. Checks the box. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! This is this is again. We've been doing this for a while now, and like again, like this this is this has been really tricky because like look at have i done have look teal tinted glasses has gone two and a half hours before but there's a plan there there's no plan yeah here. that's the difference right so yeah plan here is just a the, the plan here was just kind of wing <laughs> it for hopefully yeah. not two hours but because of what the sharks did again uh for everyone who's stuck around to this point um well my brain turns to mush i i love all of you what what's lambert's downside um i just i get nervous because again two two teams not a ton of points like mm-hmm. that's to me like as as a guy who hasn't again i mark's here because mark's done the work i have not but for as as just a guy who has watched hockey as long as i have and look at there there was a point in time where this was totally my jam and i would have been the guy who you know until town that would have done the work um but as a guy who has done the work in the past and i look at lambert's numbers like I'm like, why? It it definitely made me question, like, why are we so high on this guy, right? Um, Mark, what what are yeah. your what are your flags with as a guy who's done the work way more than I have at this point? What's your what would be your concerns with Lambert? Um, it's the production really, because yeah. like everything else is there. Um, the scouting reports, the video, the eye test, it's all there. You see him; he can skate. He might be the single best skater in this draft. And he's got good puck skills. Um, he's got moves. He's not bad defensively. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got everything. Like, he's got everything you need. But there was just no progress this year in terms of production. And it wasn't a one-team situation like you mentioned. Like, he was traded and still didn't perform. Um, he just... I don't know. I think the upside is there mm-hmm. for a top-line player. And the thing is, with his tools and his speed, I really look at him as, like, at worst-case scenario, he's probably a depth player in the NHL. Or maybe he's not happy with that and ends up staying in Europe or going back to Europe after playing here for a little bit. But I don't know. I feel like you have to take the opportunity here to, to, to draft a player with his skills, especially with the trajectory the Sharks have been doing. They're working towards a speed-based game. You look at all the players they've drafted, all speed. Size doesn't matter. It's all puck skills, speed, playmaking abilities. Like, he has that. He would be a perfect complement for that. So at this point, 
I don't know how you don't take him. Um, but again, look, I, I don't have quite the viewing, um, I guess, capacity as a lot of these scouts, and the Sharks have a lot of scouts in Europe, so they might have some more concerns. Yeah. We'll see. But they're stepping up now to make Mike a pick. Mike Greer on the podium. The we've all been waiting for. got something written the chat saying um is he is he gregor 2.0 hmm i mean that's a fear for sure like that would be my concern but i think right? he's got way better tools than gregor does right or did at this age yeah, yeah, I would, I would, I would concur with that as well. I, I, again, like Noah Gregor, like I like Noah Gregor, but like it's hard to Noah Gregor like wasn't a first round. Like he's not. It's if if he turns into Noah Gregor, like that's 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 a concern with a guy you're taking in the first round. I think. Yeah. Some nice words about Brian Marchman, obviously. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, I can't I can't imagine like the Sharks coming in to this weekend and having that happen. Like I just I can't imagine yeah, what these guys are piece. going through at this point. Like just even like as a guy who these guys have obviously all worked with for a significant amount of time played with, um, you know, obviously he passed away in Montreal, so something happened in Montreal. We don't know and I don't really care what happened. Um it's a tragedy. Yeah. Like I can't imagine what the they're thing. going through. The Sharks keep so many things in-house, so, like, these aren't just, like, a couple years in the front office together. These are guys who've been not only just played together, like, a decade-plus ago. They've been working together for years, not so much Greer in this mm -hmm. case, but, like, the whole organization. They've Marchman's been there for so long. So it's, like, everyone who's at the table right now must be in shock, yeah. if you think about it. Yeah. 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 I mean, some really kind words from, from my career, obviously. Shocking. Um, and yeah. I, like, again, I can't, I cannot imagine, um, having to do the work like they have to do, like to have to pick yourself up and, you know, really not get the time to grieve and have to, you know, like this is a big deal, obviously. Um, and this is what Brian probably would have wanted, obviously, honestly, but like, I can't imagine, um, having to get up and go to work if this was, you know, yeah. I bring it up Doug Wilson Jr. for the pick. Philip Bista? Hmm. How do you feel? Um <laughs> trying to get my thoughts together at the moment. <laughs> um uh, I, I, big center mm -hmm. um good junior stats yeah um and his stats aren't i mean he didn't have a lot of experience are we, are we a mile league, off the board here i don't think so um the public the it, hockey news had him at 45 okay 
and then Central Scouting had him as the 17th best Euro skater. So I don't know. I'd have to do more research. This guy wasn't really even on my radar. It's so, not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is is this? Does this excite me? No. If this was a Tim Burke pick, I would probably be losing my mind a little bit, <laughs> right? Because yes, this feels very, very this feels very very pre pre junior thing. And here's the thing with Mike Greer, right? Like I, I know a lot of people are gonna be like, "Oh my God, Mike Greer comes in and this is the pick they make." This work's been done for a long time. I think Mike, oh, yeah. like, th- would Greer in his previous position come in and probably have some thoughts as far as, like, who the Sharks may or may not pick? I, I think, yeah, is he going to have it? But I, this work's been done. But this is... I think... But, but <laughs> you know, I think this is, um, this, you know, Carl Barclay in the chat, you know, we waited two hours for that. Um, yeah. That's kind of how I feel about it. Um, it's... Look, this might be a fine pick, yeah. Um, and it definitely feels like some of the old era picks. Um, it's off the board. Mm-hmm. Like he's not—he was not even in the like central scouting or the um, draft bios thing that I have. Um, I think he's just outside the window of what they included. But um, I'm going to trust the fact that Doug Wilson Jr. and our European scouts have done their business on him six four two oh four for a center not bad so if he can skate you know not bad unfortunately the hockey news has his comparable as brock mcginn that doesn't move the no needle, that but, does not um that hurts but yeah it, skating is really good apparently so if you're big and you can skate that's a solid blend um yeah the franchise doesn't have a ton of big centers and you and it's really and that's the thing like something that you mentioned a lot as we've been on the on the air about like the sharks really lacking size yeah do you have to get that size in the first round though i don't know yeah i mean look it wouldn't have been my pick but at this point i think as we both said it's kind of once it's this point in the first round it's like a toss-up it's whoever like your team scouts have kind of fetishized at that point (laughs) like they they get their obsessions they're human just like any of us you know and if they're watching him game in and game out um and they're seeing something that you know moved the needle for them i mean his junior stats are pretty good 49 points 16 goals in 40 games um in the swedish junior league so um i gotta do more research watch some more tape on him but my initial feelings a little bit down on it i did not think that was what we're going to come out of the first round pick i don't are yeah. like i don't like i'm not am i disappointed for sure like this isn't like i think there's some guys that i probably would have taken um but you know this, this it's it's going to be interesting this could be this could be you know this could be a pick where i think in a couple we might you know turn around you know like this this i wonder if this is going to be something where it turns into a josh norris situation yeah that's a perfect comparable we were all pretty down about that right like yeah. this this is something where I I wonder if this is something that's going to be, we're going to look back at this. Like we look at Josh Norris now and go, yeah, I didn't like the pick at times. I did not like the Josh Norris pick at even at the time when the Carlson trade happened and Josh Norris, like no one, even at that time, like there's a lot of, I think 
there's a lot of rewritten history there. I don't know what the, the phrase I'm looking for there is. But I, th- I feel like there's a lot of rewritten history around Josh Norris because of the player Josh Norris has turned into. But at the time, no one was happy with that Josh Norris pick. No, and I think even when we traded him, people were like, okay, that's not a big loss. But I don't think people thought he was going to become right. um, what he turned into, which is now a solid top six center or top two center on an NHL team. Like he's borderline. I think he's a fair first line center at this point. He's pretty good. Um, maybe not the top notch first line center, but he's shown the capability of being mm-hmm. one. So um, looking at what Corey Pronman has for Philip Bystead, he has him as skating NHL average, but that's pretty standard for him. So if, if Corey Pronman gives you NHL average, he basically thinks you're good right. at it. So he says NHL average for skating below NHL average for puck skills, hockey sense to compete both NHL average and basically what we're saying, solid junior player, um, not significant numbers, the SHL level. Um, he was an important part of the under-18 team, having seven points in five games at the Holinka Gretzky uh, tournament. Not bad. Um, they say he's got a clear, clear NHL toolkit, six foot three center who can skate well and has some offense. Um, you get excited about his offensive potential or his pro potential sometimes when watching him, but nothing is really elite. So, um, yeah, his overall thoughts on the pick, he thought he could get into the first round because of his size and skating ability, and he provides size element that lacks in the shark system. Um, he just, in terms of pure upside, isn't sure about that in terms of what you're looking for late in the first I round. I feel a but, little bit better. Yeah. At that, like, I feel, like, hearing that, I feel a little bit better about it. Yeah, um, he's likely an NHL player, and maybe he turns out to being that middle six center, which is a good commodity to have. It, it, you know? Late first, like that's not the worst thing to come out yeah. of a late first round pick, right? If you turn him into exactly. a, a solid middle six guy and a late first, especially in a draft like this, yeah. that's a win. I mean, again, like it. I'm not excited, but I at this like if again if this was an old, like this feels like an old regime pick but i just wonder if this becomes like a Josh Norris situation um they've earned our i think they've earned our trust correct. the scouting department with how they performed over the last 3 to 4 years so i'll see i'm going to give it time um i think the only reason i have any sort of down feelings is more just because of where we originally were in the first round so i was hoping we'd come out of the first round with like a blue chip prospect sure. which this guy i don't think he is um so it kind of leaves us with still only william Eklund is our only blue chip prospect um so in that regard, it's a little bit of a bummer, but we have two second-round picks, mm-hmm. so if we get a couple Bortolos or maybe even Lam- Lambert drops to that pick now, we're only, what, like five picks away from it? Right. Who knows? Lambert didn't, so. again, Buffalo went up, they took Coolidge, so Lam- Coolidge. a guy like yep. Lambert is still on the board, right? Like, I think, and again, with Lambert, like, there's some red flags there, right? And I think with this player, there's some definite concerns that i would have red flags i don't know if you know like there's i think with anyone you draft in this there's, there's going to be red flags at this point in the draft yeah um and i wouldn't also get too bothered by the stats i mean we're still pretty high on eckland right he had one goal this year so um in the same league you know this guy had a goal and an assist in 15 games it doesn't it's nothing to write home about but he is still, in fact, only was only a 17-year-old playing in a professional league in Europe. So, 
I'm not going to hold that against him, and he's performed against his peers at a much higher level. Yeah. So he might have that extra gear. Yeah. I, and just never, yeah, I mean, again, Vince G saying, like, I never, I'm never a fan of on passing on best player available, but at this point, like, best player available is definitely up to, it's debatable, right? Yeah. Yeah, best player available is all eye of the beholder. Correct. Right? Like, like, uh, they're finally announcing that trade, by the okay. way, the Cass the Cassian trade for twenty nine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. It's like I I the beholder for best player available. It's my list. BPA is different than this person's list from that person's list. So there's a consensus usually across the industry, a general consensus. But that doesn't make it right. There's there's always going to be someone who finds those diamonds in the rough. That's how a guy like Debrinkit falls to the second Correct. round. So Correct. And that yeah. draft, I thought, I remember I did an article. Um, I don't know if it was on the old website. So if I, if you can go back into the archives and find it, but I had like Debrinket was in. I think I did an article about like different players from like different countries and where they might go. And I had Debrinket mid first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I feel like the whole Sharks fan base knew Mark Marco Mueller wasn't the pick there. We all wanted Mantha back in the yeah. day. Sometimes the the consensus is right. Yep. Sometimes everyone's right. Other times, it that's what makes the draft so exciting, right? You never know what you're getting. If you knew what you were getting, the draft would be kind of dull. And my brain is, but it's like that. What my if? brain is mush right now. I remember there was a pick last year where I'm like, "What did they let Tim Burke like? They had to let Tim Burke make a pick." I'm trying to remember. I got to go back and find the the player because I can't remember his name off the top of my head because my brain is mush. <laughs> Wasn't Gannon LaRock, right? Gannon LaRock is the player I was thinking about. Oh, it was. Okay. And yeah. And I was like, I was like, what what are we doing here? And again, not a first round pick, obviously. But it was like a pick yeah. where I was like, what are we doing here? And it's you know, so far, I mean, I think it's, it's been amazing. It's looked really good, <laughs> right? For a fourth rounder. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's become probably our top defensive prospect if you define prospect as someone who hasn't appeared in the nhl correct yeah and so i mean like and again like not the same situation i'm not trying to compare the two like obviously a first round pick versus a fourth round pick but again it's one of those situations where at the time i'm like what are we doing here and i look like and i'll eat my hat on that one yeah Right. Well, I remember seeing some people even saying that like at the rookie tournament he didn't look like he could ever have professional level like abilities and i was like I'm not going to judge the guy who just turned 18 that harshly based on a rookie scrimmage. Um, But then again, to be all fair to the critics, he only had seven points in 21 games a season before in the WHL. And then suddenly he shot up to 10 goals, 52 points in 63 games as a defenseman. Mm -hmm. Like that's a huge increase in production. So I'm a huge fan of his. I think he's a very solid prospect considering we got him in the fourth round too. Mm -hmm. Like he feels more to me like a second rounder at this point. Um, But I think there, I think there are, it's fair to be surprised at how big of a jump he's taken since. Right. So, I mean, again, like, you know, so there, there is some history here. Um, There, there is some history here to look like to, to you can kind of look back and be, you can kind of take heart Uh, top down hockey, obviously weighing in here uh, in the chat. Um, Sharks take uh, Bystead at 27th. I ranked him 89th overall. Bystead scored at a decent but unspectacular rate in the super lit league. 
uh, and scored very little in the uh, U18 World Juniors and the SHL. His body doesn't justify the lack of scoring at this point in the draft. And again, you're going to get a lot of different opinions. And I think I'd look at top-down hockey uh, does some, you know, really good modeling and really good, um, really good at this kind of stuff. So it's, it's concerning. Again, I'm not trying to say like I am not trying to say this is a good pick, but I'm. I'm just saying with what the Sharks have done recently, I'm not, again, under the old regime, I would be throwing my chair and there would be a ton of profanity at this point. And I'd be like, we waited all this time for that and blah, blah, blah. And I would go completely off on this team. Because of what they've done in recent drafts, I'm willing to let it play out. If, if I can talk you off the ledge just a little bit, then I, I feel like I've done my job. But I'm not saying we should be, you know, I'm not saying that because of what they've done that we should be, you know, running laps and having victory celebrations and everything. Like I can, if you're, if you are let down by this pick, I'm not here to tell you not to be. I'm just saying why I'm not, you know what I mean? Like why I'm not completely throwing things around and swearing my head off like I normally would. And, you know, with my patented, this fucking team, that's why I'm not there at this point. Right. If you're, but if you're disappointed though, like be disappointed. I'm not here to tell you, you shouldn't be. I'm, but I'm willing to let it play out. And if, and if the sharks get some really nice seconds, you know, then that can, that can cushion this blow a little bit. And if Lambert falls to their next pick and they get Brad Lambert there, I mean, that's a win. I think that's the silver lining There's, at this yeah. point. I think it's we still have two picks in the next what fifteen or sixteen picks right now that we didn't have before. Yeah. So if you're if you're feeling really down about this pick right now, at least look at that and remember that we got Bordelo in that range, and there's plenty of other good players that go in the thirty to forty five range every yep. year. To bring it, perfect example. So, um. You know, the, these little profiles that we get on these players never tell the whole story. So it's like I, I, I've learned over the years to try and not get too emotional yes. about it. Um, it's it is what it is. You do your due diligence. You try and read. You try and follow up on it. But like no one knows what's going to happen over the next few years. So I'm not like crushed by this. I'm not pick. crushed. It's yeah. Off the board. It's a little bummed. But could they, like, could I would, they, would I yes. rather come out of this pick with? Campbell? Yeah. Could do. Sure. I think or that Lecter they could have traded down and still got this guy. For sure. Like I, again, I am not like, I am not telling you to love this pick, but I am willing to let it play out. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Maverick Lamoureux just went 29th. The big defenseman that I mentioned, six foot seven. Yeah. Like, right. That was Arizona. uh, Look at are Were there, were there players that are ranked higher that should have probably been taken by the sharks at that pick? Yes. I, again, I am not, don't take this as me defending the pick. Just, this is I, what I'm trying to explain is why I haven't walked off the ledge. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying be happy. I'm not happy with the pick. I'm just willing to let it play out. It's done. I can't control it. Am I happy? No, no, I'm not happy, but I'm not, I'm not walking off the cliff, right? I'm not burning my sharks jerseys at this point, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, has any of us even seen this guy play? Right. I follow a lot of these guys. I haven't seen him yeah. play. I have to... I plan to go later and watch a bunch of clips on the guy, see if there's a scouting profile where they have like a highlight reel just to see what we've got in him. But 
Um, I, I have a hard time judging someone before I've even seen them play um, based on the words of, you know, some other people. Correct. So, yeah. Again, like I, I haven't seen like I haven't seen enough of this kid to say what happened. I'm just saying with some of the things the Sharks have done with Doug Wilson Jr. at the helm and close to the helm that I'm willing to trust the process a little. Like again, yeah, look at GMs, all GMs miss. having many high picks. You know, yeah. he hasn't. The only high pick he's had has been Eklund, mm-hmm. right? So you think about it, he's rebuilt this pool of prospects that we have with a bunch of late firsts or second round to third round picks. Like it, even late, later than that. Like it hasn't been an abundance. It's not easy to do that you know it's easy to use the second overall pick or third overall pick and get a star or at least a blue chip prospect it's not as easy to do that with a pick in the 20s 30s 40s and 50s you know um okay so ricky in the chat saying again i'm scared our first pick from our new former grinder gm was size again i think i understand i I understand how like why people would want to say like i don't think mike greer came in like and overruled everyone and got his guy i'm not i think that it's an easy thing to do to say oh god you know mike greer did this but i mike greer didn't do this doug wilson jr and his scouts did this absolutely i think i yeah i couldn't disagree with that thought more honestly i think greer today probably was told something by his scouts his scout said look we have guys that we like probably 25 to 40. This is where they're likely going to go. Get us more space here because we are not as high on maybe number 11 as the rest of the people are. And maybe someone will give up more picks for that. I mean, you talked about the value we got earlier for that 11th pick. I think it was pretty good. Um, if I didn't know anything about those prospects at 11 who are available, I would have been pretty ecstatic getting two second round, early second round picks and a late first for it. Um, so I... I think Greer had nothing to do with this pick and probably even the trade. He might have done the call and filed the paperwork and been the final word on it. But I think today they said the scouting was done weeks ago. They weren't even sure they were going to have a GM by the draft, right? Like it, this was purely a move. Oh, another trade. I have no, okay. You're right. I have no evidence. Okay. Again, you have no evidence that Greer didn't come in and do that. Here's, here's the thing, though. I don't know. Speculation. But, again, speculation. But I think it's really, I think the reaction to this pick, like, if nothing had changed in the front office and they made this pick, I don't know if it's, it still gets the pushback, but I don't think it, it I just, I feel like Mike Greer, if you're angry about this pick and you think the Sharks are dumb, Mike Greer's an easy scapegoat for that anger. That's all I'm saying. I don't, you're right. I don't know. But, Based on what I know about hockey at this point from watching. Yeah, I mean, it's speculation either way. It is speculation either way, but actually there. The work was done. Yeah. Scouting was done weeks ago. Their boards were built weeks ago. Um, Lambert. It's really just a matter of Greer listening to his scouts. Damn it. There it goes. That's, I mean, great for for the Jets. I mean, yeah. Big fall. So, I mean, big fall, but at the same point. time, like, yeah. again, I I understand, like, and again, this is what happens, right? Like, and I feel like we come in and we have a player that we like because we've watched everything and, you know, we've read the scouting reports and everything else and there's players that we like. And 
look, I mean, if you really want a Brad Lambert, I get it. I get being disappointed. I just, I don't, I'm again, you can decide that Mike Greer came in and fucked this up. That's fine. That's, I am not here to, to, to bend you to my will. Right? Like if that's what you want to believe, that's cool. And that's fine. I, but I'm telling you why I don't think that's the case. Yeah. That's all. Um, yeah. And on that note with Winnipeg taking Lambert, it's funny because I actually would have flipped the picks they made. So at 14, they took McGrory, mm-hmm. right? I would have thought he'd have gone more in this range and Lambert would have gone more in that range. But again, like it wasn't just one GM passing on Lambert. Yeah. As high as I am on him, I have to consider the fact that I may be wrong. Mm-hmm. And I mean, how many different GMs passed on him in the first round? So, you know, there are always those guys that are like, how did they get passed on later on? It happens every draft. You had Pasternak the year he got taken, right? Um, he, I think he was a late 20s pick, right? Wasn't he just a few spots before Goldobin and we traded back around to, and didn't yeah. get him? Something like that. But, you know, no one knows in this moment, in 2022, what's going to happen. Um, like I said, I'm a little bummed, but I'm not going to like... I don't know. I'm not going to speculate on this in terms of like if the franchise direction is changing, <laughs> right. who's yeah. dictating yeah, yeah. rules and who made this and that. Like, I have no knowledge of that. Right. There's no way for me to know that. Um, so looking at the pick, I'm going to do I'm going to do some homework on the guy just to see what we got out of him um, and hope for the best. I mean, I'm sure he'll be at the rookie tournament. Um sure we'll have a chance to see him fairly soon in terms of at least that. Maybe he'll be at the World Junior Championships at the end of the summer. Not really sure. Um, but we're going to have plenty of opportunities to be sour after we've actually watched the play, the guy play. For sure. And look at all, like even the best GMs miss on occasion, right? Yeah. And maybe this is going to be, maybe we'll look back at this in, in five years and, and this will be Doug Wilson Jr.'s big miss. I'm not saying that's not going to happen, but... Again, I, I, like again, I, I this I, I can explain to you why I'm not walking off the ledge. If you want to walk off the ledge, man, you do you. I'm fine with it. I, you know, again, like this, we don't do this to. I don't do this because I think I'm like the authority on all things San Jose Shark, and everything Ian says is going to be right. Ian has said a lot of dumb things on this show, and there is uh, hours and hours and hours and hours of footage of Ian saying dumb things on this show. You can click on any video, and you will find probably a dumb thing that I've said at some point. But, again, you do you, man. I, I'm just telling you why I'm not walking off the cliff. Uh, AJ, bring up something from uh, Corey Prama here. Uh, San Jose pick by Stead wasn't in my first round big board, but he was highly listed in my upside ranking as what and was often mocked in the first round for that reason. So there you go. Yep. And I trust him. I do like Prama. He tends to lean towards smaller skilled players so if he's rating someone higher who's not that which is kind of his like i guess weakness is that he loves these small shifty players Mm -hmm. um then you know it says something about the player um and i'm not trying to be overly optimistic and say right it's just i i've followed pronman for a long time spec since he was even with espn Mm -hmm. like he's one of the guys that i've followed a long time and i highly value his rankings um but you look at it now, what? So two picks left. Yep. Sharks then would be two picks later tomorrow. Um, so four picks until the Sharks go again. Definitely a few guys that I mentioned that I liked that are still available. 
Um, if you're looking for that offensive upside, you got Jagger, um, Jagger Furcus. Mm-hmm. And um, there's another guy, Julian Lutz, that I like that was pretty good. Um, and then, I mean, going through lists, there was a Russian, um, which obviously has the Russian factor that I like that was much later. He was projected to go, I think, in the 40s or 50s. His name was Alexander Paravalov. Um, so there's definitely offensive abilities that could even match up probably with like Lambert in terms of projectability at this point. So it's not to say at this point the Sharks won't on their next pick pick a high offensive upside right. guy. There's going to be guys available. So yeah, we'll see. And most likely we won't see that until tomorrow morning. I think it starts at 11 a.m. tomorrow Eastern so. time. Yeah, and we'll. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I think at some point tomorrow I'm going to figure out what we're going to do because um, I will be the only. I believe the only host lurking. I mean, Landy might be around too. Um, we'll definitely do something to recap the the later rounds uh, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that. I, we're not going to do this again. Dear God, kill oh, me. God. <laughs> seven rounds. <laughs> I, I can't do seven more rounds of this. Um, even though the, like this, the second round is very rapid fire and it's bang, 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 bang. Um, I don't know if I can tap dance like this for another seven rounds. Um, I barely have a voice left. Uh, Isaac Howard, uh, 31st overall to the Lightning. Isaac Howard. Okay. Uh, and John, uh, thank you for your Venmo donation. I want to just point that out as well. AJ, what you think in the chat, but I want to thank you as well on the uh, thing there. So there you go. Oh, I'm selecting other tweets. Um, yeah, so Isaac Howard, uh, t- Tampa, 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 Tampa. Mm-hmm. Classic Tampa. Yeah. Um, very, a very Tampa pick, in my opinion. Yeah, a guy who's somewhat dropped from his ratings he was more in the 10 to 25 range in a lot of the boards so getting him there looks like good value at this point um yeah i'm looking through one of my guides the hockey news the only player in the top 24 who hasn't gone was a guy i actually kind of didn't want at all i feel like for some reason they're way high on this guy compared to the rest of like publications and other around the industry his name is ryan chesley He's kind of more looked at as like an early second round guy, but for some reason, Hockey News has him at number ten. Wow! And I was like, I, I don't, I don't understand that, but yeah. So I'm kind of happy we haven't taken him, even though I wouldn't mind if we took him in the second round. I just don't see a lot of upside. Like he's probably more of like a second or third pairing defenseman, not a first pairing defenseman. But a couple things from Shang here, and again, this might put people back on the ledge, puts me maybe a little bit leaning back towards the ledge a little bit here. Let's. Let's get to some uh, some of from some 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 stuff from Shang here. Uh, Shang Bystead said he was a bit surprised to be picked by the Sharks. They weren't a team that he talked to uh, that he talked to most pre-draft. Uh, describes himself as a two-way center who models his game after Jonathan Huberdeau. I mean, I love Jonathan Huberdeau. So uh, if yeah. you model your game, you know, if you can be, if you can be, not obviously again, I'm not expecting pick 27 to turn into Jonathan Huberdeau, but. If you can, you know, be a poor man's Jonathan Huberto, that is not the worst thing to get at 27. Now, here's where we're all going to maybe get back on the ledge here. Uh, Scouts, Shang says, Scouts are telling him that Bystead is a project pick, loads of size and skating ability, but might need a little more time to grow into his six foot four frame. Again, and project not pick bad. gets a little, yeah, yeah, project project pick, you know, you probably want to save those for a little bit later in the draft and some people in the chat saying like could they not have traded back again and probably got him maybe maybe <laughs> we'll yeah. never know obviously we'll you know we'll we'll never know um but an argument could be made that they probably could have done that considering 
what that those scouts are saying, I would be way more concerned if I heard something along the lines of skating is an issue, needs improvement with skating, or is makes horrible decisions defensively. The fact that he plays a pretty level game and is a good skater and is big, that to me just means he's probably raw at the moment yeah. and needs some development. No one was expecting the 27th pick to jump into the NHL. If you are, then your um, expectations are a little bit out, out of, of whack. Um, at a whack. You know, here, here's um, a guy that went a couple years ago late that I thought was, and again, it, I, I'm not comparing the players, but Keandre Miller on the Rangers in his draft, which I believe was the Mercury draft, um, yeah. that was a guy who was incredibly raw, I thought, mm-hmm. coming in and has turned into a hell of a player. Now, look at raw players don't always turn into Keandre Miller, but if you know again like if you can get if this guy can turn into the poor man's huberdo that's not a terrible way to spend a 27th overall pick i mean in reality if he even turns into a good third line center yeah. you you got your money's worth it's more a matter of like again the whole debate of what if or like you know what's behind door number three it's like yeah, you're hoping to get that next superstar, but in reality, you should be happy with just getting NHL players out of the draft, yeah. you know? And if the Sharks get three NHL players out of picks 27, 34, and 45, or whatever it is, you've done your job as a scout. You've turned a fake piece of paper thing saying you've got a draft picked in this slot into real, tangible assets. So, um, yeah. It's it's something that Shark fans are going to probably battle with. This is going to be a discussion point, I'm sure, for a long time because there were some, you know, fancy names up top, um, and a lot of people were attached to them, myself included. Um, I usually try to remain pretty level-headed with these things to not immediately overreact. Um, again, I'm going to go to bed tonight being a little disappointed we didn't come away with, like, a blue-chip prospect, Definitely. which I think I had already said. But I'm not going to, at the same time speculate that every move we made today or the move we made today was the wrong move i just you don't know there's so much that can happen over the next few years and even with the two picks tomorrow who knows mm-hmm. what we're going to get out of those if one of those like we're, t- we're basically turned one pick into three mm-hmm. if one of these picks turns into a serviceable top six forward you already won because you've got that asset and then you still had two more chances at getting a good um player so and let's not pretend this is like Connor Bedard draft. Right. Even the guys we were going to take at 11 that I liked were still somewhat question marks. If they weren't, they would have been going first or second overall, right? Correct. Like anything after the top two or three is somewhat of a crapshoot. And with Shane Wright dropping to number, what was it, four. three, four this year? Like, yeah. I mean, it even shows someone like him can fall on the board. So you just don't know with the draft. That's how it works. And that's what makes the draft as special as it is. It's what you don't know. If, again, if if we knew what was going to happen with these players, it would probably suck after the top like eight picks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, with the um, obviously with Cassian getting moved, um, does that make room for a potential Kane extension? I, I mean, I guess so. I wonder if if they're going to use that money on a goalie though. You think they have to? That's their main weakness, right? Like, if you're trying to improve upon what you saw this year from the Oilers, it's got to be the goaltending position. Is Mike and I, I like I? A lot of people in Edmonton don't think Mike Smith is even coming back. I mean, the guy's got to retire at some point, True. right? Uh, Seattle Thunderbirds. Who we got? 
Reed Schaefer. Mm-hmm. 32nd. Okay. Interesting pick for the Oilers. I mean, 32, I mean, in this draft. Yeah. He put up solid numbers um, in juniors. 30 goals, 60-something yeah, games. That's not bad. Seattle <clears> was <throat> a wagon, though. Yeah, exactly. They were a good team. Um, I think in this point, yeah, you're looking at guys. It's really hard to go off the board unless you're taking a guy who wasn't really even ranked. But, um, yeah, I think he was probably in people's range more for the early second round. But you're basically there now. So Yeah, Furcus, uh, Casey, Hudson all slipped. Uh, Furcus, I mean, a guy you mentioned a couple times. Yep. So it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see where he goes tomorrow. Yeah, I think his size could hold him back. I mean, it's not so much his height, just that 150 is very, very light. light for the NHL. Um, and it's also the way he improved this year in production was very... It was, he went from being a, less than a point-per-game player to a huge producer this year. <laughs> Jack Olson, he's big and somewhat uh, can somewhat move, but other than that is nothing much. Uh, to which AJ responds, we've been saying that at Teal Town since Ian joined us. Um 511 185 i'm not big all right i mean uh so i mean that brings us to the end of the first round interest i mean interesting fascinating early on well obviously the shane wright falling to four um i can't even i don't know i mean like i again i i am not leaving this uh show incredibly uh ecstatic um but we did this. I mean, this started at seven. We were on pretty much at seven. It's eleven oh six Eastern. I, me and Mark are both in Eastern time zone. Uh, for those wondering what the hell I'm talking about, thinking my brain is even more mush. Um, and if you have stuck with us this whole way, I mean, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it because again, this was um, this is probably the most difficult show I think I've ever done. And you were a hell of a co-pilot, Mark, and I appreciate you being here. Yeah. I was going to say, it's been difficult, but it's been a fun one. And, I mean, for me, like I said, the draft is always exciting. Mm-hmm. So even with the Sharks moving down, seeing the, what the other teams pick, and then, you know, following these players for a long period of time and then kind of finding out how the pieces all fit into the puzzle is always exciting for me. It's been one of the things I've loved since even before I was a teenager, the draft. So, um, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed doing this with you. It was a good time, and it was fun kind of just – going from start to finish seeing how this first round unrolled you know oh man okay i got a i i mean i have an og i remember when we started this thing sometimes we would get you know four or five people watching certainly not the uh the 77 people that are watching right now but uh crispy churro with a zero uh long time og og in the teal town family here um players to look out for in round two go ahead mark all right, let me go through my list. So as you mentioned, I've already I've already talked about Jager Furkus a few times. He is an extremely skilled small forward who produced this year in the WHL. Um, you got Luca Del Bel Beluz, who also produced fairly well in the OHL, has some weaknesses, I believe, with his skating. Um, but he's got some upside. Um, then you got Julian Lutz out of uh, Germany, played in the professional league for Munich. Um, who else do I have here? Danny Jilkin out of the OHL. Um, just a well-rounded forward. Um, skills, though, as well. He didn't produce quite a point-per-game level, but 20-plus goals, 50-plus points. Um, who else have I highlighted? Like I mentioned earlier, Alexander Peravalov. I really like his skills. 
Um, his comparable was to David Pasternak, so that's impressive. Um, and at that point, I'd say that kind of would wrap up all the guys that I've kind of got like starred here from my perspective that are supposed to go at least in this range. There are a few guys I looked at as like late rounders that were kind of on my list, but in terms of early picks for tomorrow when we're slotted to go, that's there's also Jack Hughes. He never yeah, even got Jack taken Hughes yet. So he's on the been, uh... I forgot about him, but um yeah, it's more a matter of upside with him. I don't think he's got first line upside. I think he's more of like a depth performer. But again, nothing wrong with that. If you get a few depth performers out of a draft, you know, you're in a good place. So with two picks in the next what, fifteen mm-hmm. picks, right? Um those are the names that I'll be looking for, but I wouldn't be surprised at this point in the draft. It's anyone's guess who's going next. I think so. a name that you didn't list that uh, TS twenty nine of TSN's top thirty two. Did you mention Ryan Chelsea? I didn't. I don't think so. I did okay. not. Yeah. Um, let's see. I don't think I have him here starred. So I, he could be someone that I've just missed, um, or he's just not on my radar. Um, I know some people were mentioning Seamus Casey, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't really have him kind of separated as someone that I was terribly interested in. So um, I'm sure there's plenty of other talents also, like every draft. Oh, one other guy I wanted to mention, Gleb Trikazov. Um, I'm not sure if that's the correct way to pronounce his last name, but he's on the top of a lot of boards, um, and he's got the Russia factor. Okay. But his skill is supposedly very dynamic. He's not one that I've seen, but he's one that I've read a lot about. Um, so he's a name to keep an eye on. Um, if he hasn't been, since he hasn't been taken yet, people might be kind of shook with the whole russian thing with him maybe they're not seeing it being worth the risk at this point but he could be a second or third round pick but he has near first round what i'd say skills according to what i've read on him i haven't seen him though um so that's another one to look out for yeah i think um other storylines that are outside of the draft obviously um uh, AJ in the chat bringing up like Kyle Dubas was talked to, which of course Kyle Dubas was talked to, um, saying that the, the Leafs now have enough cap space to make a run at pretty much uh, any goaltender they choose. I think that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow uh, outside of the draft is them. I think the Oilers, what they're going to do in net, I think is another one. Um, yeah, so I mean, there's some definitely some fascinating stuff outside of the draft that's going to happen. I think the Sharks probably want to make some sort of move here, but we'll see. Yeah, I think that's where... I mean, we all fantasize about the other moves with the bigger cap players, but it wouldn't surprise me if that's the first move the Sharks make. It also wouldn't surprise me if it's the last, just to see how some of the goaltending unravels and depending on who the Sharks are actually making available, because I don't know if teams are going to look at Hill as a guy they're gunning for as like their starter. Mm-hmm. Maybe they would look for him in a support role as like a backup. Um, but... Yeah, I think with this many teams looking for goaltending and the Sharks having an abundance, it's something where we could see the Sharks' name pop up in some of the rumors. It's at least what I've been hoping for. And right. I mentioned that what feels like now four hours ago <laughs> is that I, it's just one of the things that I've wanted the Sharks' name to at least show up in. We should be talking with teams about our goalies because we have a goalie problem, yep. right? We have three goalies and there's only two spots and these guys can't be AHL players. So... Um, yeah, because you'd have to imagine, like, even if, like, even Aiden Hill, who I think is the, the is the number three goalie as far as the Sharks goalies go, someone makes a waiver claim there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, how do you not take a gamble with him? He was just traded for a second round pick last year because he has abilities. And people didn't necessarily love the second round pick aspect of it that we gave up. But there were definitely people in the industry who were like, that's a good move. Like, he's got upside mm-hmm. and it's. Who knows if he's ever going to be a starter, but he has upside and it's worth the gamble. Um, so, 
yeah, we have to move a goalie. I think that's one of the things we'll kind of see first in terms of maybe Greer's first non-just draft pick based trade. Yeah, um, from the Hockey News, just finishing up on uh, Philip Bystead here. Um, Hockey News says he's a big-bodied center. Um, he's a pain to clear around the net, and he showed he can physically hang with men in the top Swedish league. Uh, they continue saying you can't teach size is a bit cliche, but he might, and he might have been picked a little earlier than projected. But he's a nice pickup for the Sharks. So um, there you go. That sounds nice, right? A little bit of optimism. Yeah, Let's take that. So I mean, I'll take a little optimism again. Like picking there, like I think it's going. You're always gonna find interesting picks. So. Um, Winners and losers. Um, I might bring as much, but let's try anyway. <laughs> um, I think Seattle's a winner. Absolutely. You get Shane Wright at four, right? Um, so you can't complain about that if you're a Seattle. Yeah. <clears throat> Clear winner there. Um, let's see. Arizona had multiple picks too, right? I mean, they made the uh, getting Cooley. I mean, he's expected to go third, mm -hmm. so that's not a shocker. But getting him third is really good. And then you also get Connor Geeky. And you got, um, who's the guy they got late? Maverick Lamoureux. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a real solid win coming out of the first round um, with more picks to go in the second round. So I think they're kind of winners if you look at it that way. Uh, I know people will probably hate it. Winnipeg may be a winner getting Lambert at 30, yeah. but you never know on that one. Um, if you're looking at just the picks they made, I would say Chicago because they got names that I like. But what they gave up to get them is just, I don't know. If you're a Chicago fan, I feel like you got to be kind of depressed coming out of this. Like, <clears throat> even looking at what the Sharks got just by trading from 11 down, right. picking up those extra two seconds. Um, whereas for Debrinkit, you get a first, a second, and a third. I just. I don't know. I don't goals. get that. That makes it's... no sense to me. Yeah. And then giving up Kirby Doc. I don't know. There's no there's no trajectory with that franchise. But they, they, if you look at just who they drafted, getting Korchinski, Nazar, and uh, I forget who the third one was, Rinzel. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't be upset about that haul in terms of a first round. You got three players, um, two of which I thought were really solid. So those would be my winners. Yeah. Um I'm on the fence on Chicago, like because of like you said, like given I, I that is something I would like to sleep on and revisit tomorrow, I think, to feel mm -hmm. like but because right now knee jerk reaction, I still think the Blackhawks are losers here. Exactly. And if if you're factoring the trades, I hundred percent agree with you. I would not have made those trades that they made. Yeah. Um Columbus. Oh, I forgot Columbus about Columbus, winner, sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. Columbus Matejchuk and Juracek, that's that's a nice yeah, haul from that's this a draft. really nice haul. I think, I mean, Chicago to me, I think is my big loser. Um, trying to think who else. Um, I mean, Buffalo. I thought they did well with the pick, the two picks they had. Yeah. Um, mm, yeah, Minnesota. Minnesota's a winner, absolutely. Minnesota getting Ogren and Yurov. Winners in my Yeah, life. getting them that late. Yeah. Um, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I I think, like, Chicago to me is a loser. I don't know who else. Um, is Arizona a winner? 
I like what they came away with. Yeah. yeah. Um, like we said, Lamoureux, Cooley, and um, uh, Geeky. I mean, yeah. When you know, have that you much gotta... capital, you can you can do different things. And that's the benefit yeah. of having multiple first round picks, yeah, right? Yeah. They had the capital that they could that they could do it. Um, Buffalo with Savoy at nine. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, and then Coolidge later on. I think they got Coolidge later on. Oastland. It was Oastland. Oh, yeah, okay. They got at sixteen. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't I don't mind. I don't think of. And then Coolidge also at twenty eight. Yeah. yeah, actually, I'd definitely put them in the winners circle Absolutely. there. You know, just rebuild, you rebuild, you rebuild. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I guess if I hit a couple things in there, I think Toronto did well only dropping 30, 13 picks to drop Mrazic. I would agree with that. Does it make them a winner? No, but it was definitely a straight move. I think Kyle Dubas, um I mean, they got to win a playoff round at some point. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't have minded if we like threw in Shimek to that trade with Arizona. That would have been a nice little mm-hmm. piece to shed some cap. Um, yeah. Any free agents you would target in particular, Mark? I mean, there's a lot of guys on the list this year that sound great, but it's just with the Sharks. I'm just so hesitant with anything long term at this point. Yeah. Um, and until they clear up cap, that's, that's I the honestly, problem. Yeah, I've always looked at it as like weak. I, I don't know. I've never been a huge fan of free agent signings, and maybe some of that is because the Sharks are just not really usually that active with big free agent signings. I mean, they've always we got Rob Blake at the, the end of his career, right? Yeah. So it's like, but I think that has actually kind of helped us out because you tend to overpay players. Like, I mean, you just you don't get good value at free agency because they have all the leverage. So um, despite there being a really good list this year of free agents, I don't think I would really want the Sharks to participate unless they were somehow able to shed some of that cap before then. Here's the thing with this year's free agent list. I think it looks really exciting until, but I don't, I don't think a lot of these players are going anywhere. So it's not that exciting. That's the way I look at it. I, I, I agree with you. I do think a lot of them will end up staying. Um, I think it's just that, well, we have, what, a week? So mm-hmm. they, they could stay in the final week before then, or they could just be playing the market and then eventually stay anyway um, or resign. But, yeah, it's just a little bit of a better list than I've seen in past years, which makes it a little bit more exciting, I guess, for hockey, the hockey world. But I just can't see the Sharks really being heavily involved. Yeah. Maybe they get a depth player or two like they did last year with Benino and Cogliano, but um, I don't see us making any sort of big splash. No, and even I think even in general, like I think even just for free agency in general, though, like I don't think because of, I think a lot of the big fish aren't actually going to move. That even just as a hockey fan, that yeah, I'm not really that excited for free agency. I. It's an exciting one day just because there's so much movement. Yeah. But I've learned as a Sharks fan to not be terribly <laughs> excited for free agency. <laughs> like, it's just what it is. Like, you get, I get more excited for the draft or sometimes even the deadline just because the Sharks tend to be a little bit more involved there historically. Um, but, yeah, free agency, I mean, what is our most exciting besides Rob Blake? Then you know, some years you had guys like Nickel and, like, uh, who's the awful one? Burrish. Like Adam Burrish, remember mm-hmm. that? Like it's, we don't make the sexy signings on free agency day. It's just not who we are. So, so a little bit, well, a couple last thing on by said, and then we'll wrap this up because we have been doing this for too long, and my brain is mm-hmm. toast. Um, per Pronman tier, the tier that Bystead is is he's projected to play NHL games. 
that's a win. Uh, Bystead has been a solid junior player over the last two years and got a significant number of SHL games this season for Linkoping. Um, he was an important part of Sweden's U18 team and had seven points in five uh, in the Holenka tournament. So that's mm-hmm. not terrible. Um, Bystead has a, here, has a clear NHL toolkit. He's six foot three center who can skate well and has some offense. There are times you watch him... Um, and get really excited uh, about his pro potential when he's skating pucks up with speed and creating chances. I don't think his play is overly impressive, but he shows enough sense to find lanes and make plays to be a secondary contributor uh, to an NHL line. I think he's going to play. Uh, I mean, like again, like I am not here to walk you off the ledge. Like I said earlier, right? Like I am not here to walk anyone off the ledge. If you want to walk off the ledge, man, you do you. I, I'm not here to tell you how to feel. I'm not here to tell you that I'm the authority on all things San Jose Sharks. Um, I am not super happy. I'm not doing any flips or anything else. But I have enough faith in this scouting department that I will let it play out. I think that is the final thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with everything you just said. And what I read on him makes me think that maybe he projects as a third-line center, second-line mm-hmm. center, which if we come away with that in this draft, <clears throat> it's not bad. Gives us some center depth also, so... Um, just to finish it. up here, uh, I don't view Bystead as a great D player nor a big scorer, but with his tools, someone will find a place for him in uh, bottom six. Again, you hear that and you go first round pick. That's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, he has potential to play higher if his development goes well. Um, Bystead was a player I suspected would go and would be a first round pick for a while due to his great size and skating ability while having some offense playing the middle uh, combination of traits that is hard to find. He has some work to do around the edges of his game with his consistency, but in terms of pure upside, you aren't going to find more late. um, You're not going to find more late in the first round. He provides a size element that the sharks lack in their system as well. So there you go. I think it basically sums it up. Um, yeah, it, time will tell is the best way I'll look at this pick and then also see what we do with those second rounders tomorrow. So um, I wouldn't quite call the Sharks a loser today. I wouldn't call us a winner. I think it's kind of just. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Well. Like, I'm not yeah. I'm not going to go as far as because, again, we'll see what they do tomorrow. If they go way off the board again tomorrow, then maybe we can all get our pitchforks out. Um. Yeah. But here's the thing, right? Like, obviously, you want drafted players. You want, obviously, to, to draft top-line players. But at the end of the day, um, you just want them to draft players that are going to play in the league. Right? Mm-hmm. You want... here. Here's here's the one thing with the Sharks that has always kind of been their undoing. And with what they've done at the Barracuda ranks with bringing in John McCarthy to be the new coach and kind of revamping how they're doing things down there, I have more hope based on if it was the status quo taking a player like this. Um, ultimately, the one thing that the Sharks have had a serious problem with is backfilling. You need guys that can come in and play roles in the NHL, and the Sharks have had a really hard time finding guys who can come in and fill roles. That's why you have to go out and you have to sign guys like Nick Benino and Andrew Cogliano, and you can go back and pick any number of grindy fourth line, third line players that they've had to bring in at a cost because they couldn't backfill from their farm. 
Yeah, and that and I think you can pinpoint a certain amount of draft years where they just weren't able to replenish the system. So <clears throat> that's kind of what why I think they've also been stockpiling picks over the last few years. And you look at kind of the picks they're making. Maybe not all of them have top line upside, but you look at a lot of them are going to slot into that middle six, hopefully over the next like three to four or five, six years, which is a very valuable thing because then you don't have to go fishing for those players via the market or via trades or whatever. And they also become assets when you need to make a move. Yeah. So um, I think that's it. I am losing my voice. Uh, <laughs> Same here. And I ran out of water. <laughs> <laughs> and I ran out of water. Um, any anything you wanna you wanna throw in here, Mark? Before I send this home. Um, I really think we covered it. Honestly, the, my final thoughts are that, like I said, a little bummed on we're not coming away with a blue chip prospect. But I always I do trust. I think this scouting staff has earned our trust. So. I'm going to give it time to see what I think about this pick. I'm going to go definitely watch some clips on him and then hope for the best with the net, the first two picks tomorrow. And then also hope additionally for a somewhat exciting and positive offseason for Sharks fans because we need it after the last few years. Absolutely. Um, again, I want to thank everyone who's come along for the ride with us. Um, I, this is easily the longest show I have ever done. Uh, and without, obviously, because we're reacting on the fly, um, there are obviously there was spots where there was like dead air and whatever. And if you've if you are listening to this on the audio and you have made it through this whole thing, uh, kudos to you. I don't know where you're going that you had time to listen to all of this. Um, I hope your dog is still alive. Um, I hope you're still alive. Um, I, again, if, if if you took the time to hang out with us and spend your draft with us, I mean, it's, I can't express how much that means to me and how grateful i am um for that uh, but let me take us out of here uh obviously you know how to follow us on the socials uh twitter youtube all that stuff subscribe like ring the bell you know the drill um and uh that is it thank you so much for watching and we will see you the next time we do this which will be soon pay attention you'll see us